why do we keep doing it? Why do we keep revisiting the Matrix? Is it because we're doing it for something? For something more than our survival? Could we tell you what it is? Do we even know? Perhaps it's for peace or freedom or truth. Could it be for love? Illusions, you would say, dear audience. Vagaries of perception. Temporary constructs of a feeble human intellect trying desperately to justify an existence without meaning or purpose. And all of them as artificial as the matrix itself. And so you would ask yourself, dear audience, don't we see it now? Can't we see there's no point in to keep going? No point in persisting? So why, why, why do we do it? Why do we persist? It's because we choose to. Hi, I'm Sparks Winnie, and welcome to the Pick Nerd Podcast, where we're revisiting The Matrix Reloaded and The Matrix Revelations. And I'm joined, of course, by my friends, Ryan Eliopoulos. Choice. And That's Brandon me. T. McClure. I am the winning cum. Congratulations. And the squealing laugh bag is Ben Magnus. And we are here to discuss <laughs> the Matrix 2 and 3, but also really just Revolution. Revolution. Reloaded and relotions. The parody. Welcome. Plus, okay. I guess. Okay, so I texted Ben prior to the show. I said, should I do this bit? Because we watched this Twitter, this TikTok video where this cop is, it's a fake, it's not a real cop, but it's just like talking down a, a mugging by saying like, do you know how, how like weird it is that we're like, you're one in a million. You were the cum that won. You're the winning cum. <laughs> and like, I was like, should I say that? When Sparks introduces me and he said, do it. So I did I it. Like, I feel like it doesn't matter how many F-bombs we drop. I think we're explicit now. <laughs> <laughs> the miracle of life is Also, I just noticed that my water bottle is definitely in the Matrix. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, damn, it is. It is part of the Matrix. Uh, the Haterade. I, uh, I regret nothing. All right. We've got links. Oh, I'm going to swear this whole episode now. All right, we got links. Um, Ben. Yes. Real quickly, Ryan, you didn't do upgrade this week for Downright Annoyed. Nope, and check it out next week. Uh, ben, though, you were on Grayson Live's YouTube channel once again mm-hmm. for Mario Kart. <laughs> You're half right. You're half right. Yeah, the series has begun. He and I recorded a whole bunch of episodes for Super Mario 3D World. Those are going to be coming out periodically on his channel. I think he's going to do like either every other day or every two days. I don't know exactly what his uploading schedule is. All I know is that we have a lot recorded and they're going to be coming out. So check out his channel to watch us play some Super Mario 3D Worlds. It's a fun game. There are, there are two episodes up right now and both are linked below. Yeah. Um, I was busy this week. I have three articles that were released this week. Um, I did not, I don't believe I mentioned it on the, sh- on the podcast before, but I am the uh, website editor for Kaiju Ramen. Um, we got this whole plan to make this, um, make this idea of like putting out articles on the website to kind of get them more traffic to their website when there's no magazines out. I like it. So uh, I'm helping them with that and I'm, I'm doing that. So um, uh, part of my duty there was to put out an article with breaking news, which we'll talk about today. It's about the MonsterVerse TV show. Um, but that article is up on Kaiju Ramen, uh, kaiju and you can find that link below. 
Um, I also put out two pieces on Atomic Geekdom, which were one was just kind of me spinning my wheels about the Andrew Garfield rumors that Sony is looking to bring back Andrew Garfield in some way. Um, just kind of my just kind of explaining the rumors and kind of my thoughts on what that could look like and what that could be. Um, and then at my second part, or technically my 49th part, because I'm going down, of uh, revisiting the Infinity Saga, uh, Peter Parker's inclusion in Captain America Civil War. Uh, that's up now. Love it. Those are all three of my articles. Uh, those are all three of my links. But our channel also put up some content this week, such as yes. Basement Arcade, Pause Menu. Mm -hmm. Technically, I was, but I was, it's just whatever. Basement Arcade, Pause Menu with Dearest Abby. Yep. Ben. Uh, yep. that, that exists as both a video file and an audio file. Those are up. Those are both linked below. Ben, you want to talk about that? Yes. So, uh, Dearest Abby is a friend of mine from Instagram of all places, not from Twitter. Um, unlike every other person who almost show, or almost every other person who goes on that show with me, uh, she is one of the top female players of Donkey Kong, the classic arcade game. And so we just talked about classic arcades and why, how awesome they are. So it's a good, it's a good conversation. Definitely check it out. They are awesome. And, uh, uh, Mortal Kombat. Part two, Mortal Kombat X Part Two is up now for Basement Arcade proper. Uh, that was exciting. Yeah, the combat kids are pretty cool. They are. They're really cool characters. I was rewatching those. Man, Jackie Cage. I like um, Can't wait to get to. Yeah, me too. <laughs> we got a couple more of those episodes coming up, um, so stay tuned. And. Uh, last week we talked about the Matrix and the Animatrix that exists now as its own video. Um, you can watch uh, just our discussion of the Matrix and the Animatrix uh, independently, and that's also linked below. So check out all those links. Um, check out the description. Uh, yeah, that's it. Who wants to go first of the week? I'll do it. It's gonna be Spox. Um. I finished the Scream series. Hey guys, if you want to watch that MTV Scream series, watch seasons one and two. That's it. Oh no! Watch, don't watch season three. There is no season three. I don't Was think it it's that really bad. Worse. It's it, it's not that it's that. It's just there's no, absolutely no levity in it, which is just weird for Scream. Mm -hmm. um, it's very dour. The characters' relationships don't make a lot of sense. The motivation of one of the killers is really bad because it basically does boil down to, I'm a sociopath and I like horror movies, so I made my own horror movie. But they did all of this work to make Ghostface his own thing in this version of the universe. And I'm like, if that was going to be the motivation, then just have Stab exist. Like, I don't, why? Why did we do all of this extra work that didn't amount to anything? Anyway, um... It's it's just it's mishandled and misguided and doesn't totally make sense and sadly falls flat. That's too bad. I think. Um, yeah, I I I would wouldn't watch it again. Where I would have, I would watch seasons one and two again at some point um, if I if someone wanted to. But I just I don't see the value in season three, which really shocked me because it's like a six episode limited event. And I'm like, so this should be pretty tight and mm -hmm. like have a lot of good character. And it's just it just doesn't work. Uh, which was a bummer. Um, I watched the first two episodes of Naomi. Oh, that's uh, oh, I forgot that came out. Yeah, that's yeah. Out. Yes, it is. Uh, it's totally fine. Um, yeah. I don't have anything of high praise to really say about it right now. I think there are some scenes, 
that are written very well for like Naomi and her friends. Like they're all, it's very good banter dialogue and very tight. And there are also some scenes that are really just awful. Like the most standard teen lines and dialogue and scene setups I've ever seen. And like, uh, it's a mix of both those things so far already. And um, is the, it an, is it an origin or does she already have her It's an origin. Okay. I, she has her powers, but it's she like, doesn't know she has her powers. Okay. So she's learning that she has her powers. Okay. She technically already had. Um, and it's got a cool look. Uh, there's a, a really nice, I think the what they're doing with the whole military brat community thing is a nice added uh, spin in comparison to like other shows like it both cw like superhero shows and just like teen shows i think it's it's added nice color um it's two episodes it's very early just like i'm not saying oh it's bad but like there's nothing there's nothing that's like grabbed me about it yet i think the actors are talented but the writing's only there about half the time yeah uh so we'll see that's yeah. i didn't know it came out and i'm on twitter all the time like with like superhero people so like right that's not the best i not to say it's like the worst thing ever but like i haven't heard anyone there's say also anything. there's also very little superheroic stuff in the first episode yeah v practically none at all uh i kept waiting for a proper trailer to talk about on the show but none ever came yeah yeah uh there's there's something in like the the pacing of the show that's just off and i can't quite put my finger on it um I'm hoping it finds its footing. We'll see. Uh, but it's it's perfectly fine right now. It's just perfectly fine. Yeah. I think it's a talented cast, so hopefully it'll it'll get it'll get there. Uh, I watched Encanto again. That's just a nice. great movie. I did yeah. that while I wasn't feeling very well. Um, Book of Boba Fett. I watched it. I I enjoyed it overall. There's there's some things that are definitely starting to like creep up. Where I'm like, Ooh, getting a little nervous here, <laughs> uh, but we'll see. Um, but so far, I'm okay. I'm, I'm still enjoying it. Hey, a new chapter of Dragon Ball Super came out. It was real good. I don't know where that story's going right now, but I like it. Um, <laughs> they're definitely hinting at some stuff with Bardock that's kind of interesting. And I'm like, yo, Bardock. what's that? Uh, what's that all going to be about? I'm, we'll, we'll go find out. That's his daddy. That's his daddy. Um, well. Actually, he was his father, but he weren't his dad. Uh, uh, that would be Grandpa Gohan. <laughs> um, uh, I want to talk about these last two with Ryan because I did them with Ryan. So real quick before that, mm -hmm. I watched the first two episodes of How I Met Your Father that dropped this week. I think that the first episode, cool, Brandon, you can totally jump in on this as well. Uh, I thought that the first episode was pretty good, but it definitely like had to do a lot of like, unlike... Uh, how I Met Your Mother, where when you get to the first episode, the entire friend group outside of Robin all knows each other. Uh, like, there's three different factions of the friend group who are just meeting for the first time. Yeah. And they're all coming together in that first episode. So there's a lot of, like, everybody having to kind of, like, get to know each other kind of thing. And it, it, it was, like, a little stilted in how it was doing that. But overall, still enjoyable. Uh, the second episode really just, like, shot off and, and I thought did did great uh very much like if you enjoyed how i met your mother there's the, there's a very good sense of tone and spirit in how i met your father but obviously like some stronger sensibilities because this is being spearheaded by a female writer this time so some of the gross stuff about like you know how barney hasn't aged very well at all and and his the treatment of women as side characters to begin with like that is not going to be a part of the show 
so I was literally there was an episode that was on downstairs. They were like talking about strippers, and there's like not a way we talk about strippers anymore. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, this it's aged a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and just and just certainly yeah. like the way that uh, I don't I don't think that you're going to see like the like just sea of face of uh, meaningless character bit uh girls who fall for barney's plays like there's not going to be any of that kind of stuff in yeah, the show yeah. i think is um, it at all related to the show yes absolutely uh at the end of the first episode you find out that um two of the guys that she's that hillary duff's character has met they actually bought uh the apartment from marshall and lily oh. in how i met your mother Ooh. so they have the same apartment okay uh, how do you feel about that by the way i loved it i thought that was a great i thought that was a great uh Trick. I also really love that it's not Hillary's apartment; it's their apartment. So you're not going to be there all the time. Yeah. She lives in a different space, um, so she has her own space to define. But like that space can still be acknowledged, and I thought it worked. There's a couple of other little, like very subtle nods, and you are in the same world. Um, I, I I like it. I think it's got a good vibe. Um, I, my my biggest complaint about it is that uh, whereas Bob Saget was always a voice, and you were seeing the kids when you were in the future, mm -hmm. you are now seeing. Uh, Hillary Duff's character Sophie, older, played by Kim Cattrall. You are visually seeing Kim Cattrall's in it. Yes, she ah! she's the she's the future Hillary Duff. Oh, I'm now watching. Um, okay, which is great. My only problem, and already in the second episode, it seems they're dialing it back. But in the first episode, they tend to cut back to her a little too often. I think I don't mm -hmm. want to cut. I can hear her voice, but I don't need to visually see her talking to her son on the phone. Yeah. Uh, all the time um and that's mm. that's the only part where i was like this just isn't working for me the way the bob saget stuff did yeah i, I felt um, much, the, much the same way i thought it was strange though that we didn't use mclaren's as the connected tissue we used the apartment yeah well because one of the guys owns his own bar so they right. wanted to establish a new bar but it is funny when you realize they own the, the guy who owns his own bar lives in the apartment above mclaren yes. so but um <clears throat> i i do I do like it. It's very clear Hillary Duff got to bring a lot of like the things she cared about in Lizzie McGuire. There's definitely like fashion choices she's making with Sophie that I'm like, this is this is what adult Lizzie McGuire would have looked like. Like mm -hmm. she's putting a lot of the adult Lizzie McGuire stuff she wanted to do into the energy of Sophie on the show. It's gonna be our Lizzie McGuire like sequel. It really is. Yeah. Like it's it, it really is, and I I'm all here for it. I think it's well, I think it's got a good voice. When you hear about some of the things that and she talked about it openly this week about what happened with uh, the Lizzie McGuire reboot, she. Even like before, she was devastated to lose that show. Uh, yeah. She wanted to bring so much to that show that Disney just wouldn't let her. So I, I think when I when I when she got this, I strongly got the sense, and I'm glad to be right, that she brought what she wanted to do on that show to How I Met Your Mother, How I Met Your Father. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's I think that's very very true. And I'm really glad to see that voice. I'm really glad that this is a show that's kept in the family of How I Met Your Mother, but not the same uh, lead writers, and uh, that there is a female writer running the show. I think mm -hmm. is great. So I'm all. I'm all, I'm all aces about it right now. Love it. I watched two other shows this week, though. I started Peacemaker. Hmm. Peacemaker is really good, guys. Uh, Peacemaker is really good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand that. I've been hearing the tweets where like people are like, I can't believe Warner Brothers let them do this. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Um, <laughs> and uh, and it's great. I'm really glad. I, and like it's it's a bummer that Snyder cultists and the, the like have to be so rigid in what they in like wanting the dc universe to be a specific tone and i'm like but that's the whole thing is you don't want it to be like the mcu where it's all one tone this isn't it great that this is in the same world as the thing you like yeah and it can be something else and it's also great like i don't it's a win-win i don't know why we have to fight about it. The, the thing <laughs> the thing that i love about the show is like not that it's just like it is a you know a a crazy rated r like superhero show but like it has 
excellent character work. Like truly excellent character yeah. work, and like like episode four just came out this week, which is the one you're not. You know, I have not seen that. It, that is, I think, the best episode. It has the strongest character work, and Looking I'm like, like no matter how big and silly it can get, like it still comes down to like he wanted to write about these people and how like these broken people are trying to become better people. Um, it's just an excellent show, and like I get, like I get the vigilante in this show is not like the comics. In this show, he is an insane, like skinny, weird boy. Um, and I totally get fans not like liking that approach because he's normally much more like a cool dude. But like, that's so boring. That is so boring for him just to be like a cool mercenary guy. Like the Adrian Chase in this show is diabolical in a way that like a lot of characters aren't where he's just unhinged in a way where he's like, there's a line that I love so much. He's like, listen, do you think I feel bad that I kill people? You know, when I have to like take out like murderers or people who steal stuff or people who do graffiti, do you think I feel happy that I have to like, like bust their brains out? Yeah, I love it. And I'm like, oh my god, this guy's insane. Um, but he's also like a good person at heart, which is, which is the the thing of the show is how are these bad people good people? Um, There's a sense that I always get when it comes to um, comic book characters like Vigilante, who, let's be real, hasn't been in a comic book in a long time. He's been dead. <laughs> like the real one's been dead for a long time. So like when we're 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 long we're long past the time where like firestorm made it to 150 issues right we're not doing that anymore it's yeah. been it's been more than 20 years since this character has shown up in a comic book yeah you can have some liberties to reinvent the character to fit your story yeah, yeah and i mean i think even even more than that like i don't give a shit as long as the story is good yeah like yeah. and the story is good yeah. like peacemaker is telling a great story i think peacemaker is is going to make me like the previous film i already like that movie but i'm gonna like it even more because of this um i i'm i'm just so pleased that warner brothers let this happen this is exactly the direction that i want warner brothers to go not necessarily like everything should be like peacemaker but the fact that like something like this can exist and they're also coming out with shazam 2 and aquaman 2 and those films exist in the same universe and even if they don't like just keep making things that that just work as these things yeah. I don't need them all like that's the Mar that's Marvel's thing. They own that now. Like yeah. clearly they've got it. They're doing it. But like all of the rest of this can just, just give me good shit. Like every episode, uh uh four four of the six episodes are directed by James Gunn. He but he wrote all of them. Right. But like you the total control that he has over this product, like Brandon, like when you watch the show, the the, the references they throw out, they're like they that's something they would save for like a final crisis. Yeah. But they're throwing out they're throwing out like characters that are just like willy nilly and like, oh wow, there's making that character canon like it's nothing. And it's like really cool that it's just like because it just feels like like natural to the world. This is the most like lived in like movie or or TV show I've seen it of like a comic book universe. Like we're just like, yeah, Batman's in this universe. Like everyone knows that. They don't make a big deal about it. Um, and it's just like it's also extremely violent <laughs> in a way that it's like sometimes it's really fun to just see people explode. I think, yeah. that's, I think that's a great point is like Peacemaker is the first TV show outside of the Disney plus and now kind of retroactively the Netflix shows, but yeah. like that has existed or, or even give you agents of shield that has existed in the film universe alongside the films and Peacemaker, I think is doing a great job of integrating like the feeling of the film and the feeling of the character being true. And it's not, I don't think that it's undoing the work of anything by existing. Not at all. Mm -hmm. uh, it's only contributing, and so I'm like, yeah, A plus, A plus. Happy with Peacemaker. Yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna watch it, but sorry, I had to leave for the weekend, so we didn't get the chance. Hopefully this week. Luckily, Hopefully. it's not like a, it's not a Netflix binge. It comes out once a week, so you have time. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, uh, 
I started for Ryan's Ryan's rewatching, but I started with Megan uh, Midnight Mass, and we're four in. Four out of seven. Four out of seven. Um, yeah, it's Mike Flanagan, guys. So of course I'm gonna say it's great. I'm really loving it. I pinned down what was going on pretty early, but the reveal was absolutely completely satisfying. So it's not like I was like, ah, dang, saw that coming. I was like, that's exactly what it was supposed to be. And I'm real glad that I paid attention. Yeah. There's, um, they definitely give you like enough clues. I think where yeah. like for the audience, it's like you, you, you're catching on, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're not hiding it from you. If you want to like piece it together, you'll piece it together before they show it. But it's like, Oh, all right, cool. Happy, happy for it to go this way. I like yeah. it. I like it. There's a lot of really incredible uh, visual choices. There's a lot of um, really amazing editing. I was having this conversation, not a conversation. I just made this note to you while we were watching it, but I, I couldn't stop looking at it because it was this really intense scene um, where one of the characters is having a conversation with a girl and he's talking about things that make him deeply uncomfortable. So his gaze is constantly like trying to stay focused on her, but shifting away. And every time his gaze shifts away, they change the angle and the cuts are so smooth and what it's saying about how he feels in the moment. Like he all, he, he, whenever he looks away, he becomes completely alienated. And then every once in a while he'll look back at her and then you'll get to see like part of her shoulder in the shot. But then most of the time he'll look back away and it'll cut back again and it'll be that alienating shot. And uh, it's really good. Like it's just really well thought out, it's really, really well put together. Um, I really, really like it. Well, uh, rewatching it again, uh, uh, the thing that that I remember gravit like that made me love it so much was like, like I gravitate towards like sad shit, right? But like the the in, in entertainment because like I think that's what brings out like true like emotion, and, you know. Uh, but like the this is one of the most like vulnerable shows I've ever watched in my life, where everybody is going through something and they're just talking about it. And like whether you're going to an AA meeting or going to church or you're just talking to your ex-girlfriend, everyone's just kind of always pouring their soul out because like these are people who live on this dead end island with dead end lives. And it's like this this incredible things happening on this island where miracles are happening left and right. And like religion is popping back up. And it's like it to see like these broken people like come back to life through whether it's religion or something supernatural uh it's really fascinating and it's so well acted like again it was my favorite thing of last year just because again the, the characters in the show are so good uh the the main uh not antagonist but like the main the main priest guy um uh he's he's so intense and the way he gives these sermons like if i went to church and he was my pastor he'd make me believe in god like for real like the way he makes the 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 supernatural believable and like the way it makes it like relatable like why god is the way he is while all this bad shit happens to you and and the normal uh elevated yeah to be like you know these these are god's gifts to you yeah the normality of life yeah. uh like it's it's very it's very compelling it's, it's well written and it's well performed yeah uh i'm super glad to be rewatching it uh i will be talking about it with the downright nerdy crew sometime in the future so check look out for that sometime. yeah really really enjoying it um I'm glad, recommend... nothing, I'm glad nothing was spoiled for you. Yeah. Me too. And I recommend Midnight Mass. If you're a person who's uncomfortable with dog violence on screen, it's hard. Be careful of episode two. It's a rough one. <laughs> Emotionally, that's that, that was that was tough. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Ryan, do you want to go next? I will love I would love to go next. So I watched Chloe Zhao's Marvel Studios The Eternals for a second time. Because it's on Disney Plus, and I'm like, cool. Uh, funny thing, if you watch that in, because um, now Disney Plus offers the IMAX format, it's really funny. 
watching uh, movies that were edited afterwards when they weren't all shot in IMAX because there's one specific action scene where it's white screen, full screen, white screen, full screen, white screen, full screen, white screen. I'm like, oh, these were clearly reshoots. And it really, watching it on my TV really messed me up, but it's still a good scene. But I was just like, oh, maybe just watch it regular. If you have a regular TV, just watch it regular. I like this movie a lot more the second time I watched it. Uh, I don't love it. I don't, I'm not in the love it territory, but um, I certainly connected with the main character in a way I didn't in the last time. I do think there are still too many characters that they don't all get serviced. I, I still think the deviant stuff is pretty awful. I actually like it even less now that I know more about it the second time. Mm -hmm. But there's just something about Cersei and Icarus that I got this time that I didn't last time. And I'm like, oh man, this is pretty good. And at the very, very final, final battle, like when they're fighting and it does the time loop of them from the very beginning of the movie. I'm like, oh, they've had this, this history and love and defeat. And I'm like, oh, this does work. This is really good. And like the action is really, really good. And like it doesn't look like another Marvel movie. So like I definitely like it a lot more. Um, still don't love it, but I'm, I'm glad I gave it a second chance. Uh, I think, it, I think it, it looks pretty cool. And I'm really excited for the future wherever those characters show up. I still don't think they should kill those characters. They're eternal. That's really stupid. They better bring back Gilgamesh. I'm just saying. Oh my God. So much. What a mistake. Mm -hmm. um, I watched this movie that I know you guys have seen called Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Yeah. I, yeah. Here's the thing. I did not know a, this is one of the few times in Neither my life I. where I didn't know a single thing. I didn't know who was in it. I forgot Kristen Wiig was in it, right? So mm -hmm. I turn on and the opening happens with the boy singing the song. And the, <laughs> Paper, and I'm like, oh, this is my jam. And then he goes to an Austin Powers supervillain lair, and I'm like, what the farts? <laughs> so that's like the closest thing to like an Austin Powers movie in like 20 years. Yes. In terms of like stupid comedy, it's like MacGruber. It reminded me of MacGruber. Yeah. Um, it's like a long lost SNL movie. Like you either love that movie or hate that movie. I don't think there's an in between. <laughs> no, I don't think there that is. movie's so good. Um. I, I was uh, Sparks. Like Sparks that. told me to watch it after he after he after he. I think he rented it, Sparks, and he said you should watch yeah, it. I rented it. I rented it out of curiosity on um, Prime. Um, Much the same way. I had no idea what it was about, so I was lost, but in the best way. Yeah. Um. Chris Rigg is so good. I remember watching that opening with Megan, and like once he got into the lair, we were like, "What? What? Are yeah. we watching the right movie?" Um. Yeah, like it definitely feels just like a movie. Like, well, let's just have some fun. Let's just make a fun, silly movie. But then I looked at like the script and like, no, like they wanted to write this and it's got like a big budget. And I'm like, no, this is actually like, like a passion project. And I'm like, who, man, this who is plays the guy, Jamie Dornan. Jamie Dornan, yeah, uh, best thing you've maybe ever done, which is a crazy thing. His, his breakout musical moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't want to tell you anything about it, Ben, because you haven't yeah. seen it, right? I just recommend okay. you, you and Fanny watch it. Maybe have some eds, some yep. edibles, some mm -hmm. dudes. Definitely yeah. that type of movie. Um, okay. Just have fun for two hours because, like, I was just like, like I was like almost like insulted how stupid it was. But it's, <laughs> but it's like in the right way where like they're just leaning into it. Where I'm like, man, she's riding some sea turtles, and I'm all about it. It's fine, whatever. Um, <laughs> great stuff. I thought about it all week, and I'm like, I'm glad that dumb shit like that gets to truly exist. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I did some stuff with you. Yes. Um, I played. A little bit of Avengers, and I don't know why. I want to give that game a chance, but it's just not doing anything for me. I I will say, like you've given that game, a I chance. have. Like you've given it more of a chance. It's just like most. I keep coming back every week, and there's like nothing new, and I'm like, why am I doing this? It's because like I'm a shill for the Avengers. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know, like playing the game's still fun. Like the gameplay is always why I go back. But I'm just like, man, hmm. that Spider Man added like DLC added nothing but Spider Man. I'm like, that's a bummer. I think honestly, at this point, like the key that's needed is like group play to to really bring something but like 
there's like nothing to do in the game. No, that's I the know. thing. Yeah, like, yeah. even if I play with all you guys, like you guys have a lot of content to do, but like that'd be stuff that I've been replaying for an entire yeah, yeah. year. Uh -huh. So like they need like a huge expansion, but like there's, it takes so much time to make an expansion. Right. So like they're at a, they're at a loss. Um, it's so it's so unfortunate because it is such a good campaign. It is. I'm glad. I, I could just replay that again. That I got the PS5. Um, I think that's a, no, that's pretty much about it. Cause I did midnight mass and I did peacemaker. <clears throat> um, that's it. Yep. Pass it along. Ben? All right. So uh, media wise, I didn't do a whole lot, but there was an anime I caught up a little bit. I'm still like halfway through and that's Demon Slayer. I'm in the entertainment arc now. Uh, Demon Slayer is great. Uh, I've said it before. Uh, there's not much to say without spoiling. I don't know where you guys are at on Demon Slayer, but yeah. Season yeah. Season two. I'm loving season two so far. It's pretty damn good. Uh, yeah. So there, there's that. Um, yesterday I didn't, um, I throughout the week, uh, Brandon and I play like maybe one or two rounds of KO City just here and there. So that was most of my. Uh, Played a lot more than that. We were up to four a.m. one morning, dude. Oh yeah, <laughs> time man, it's weird. Yeah, so we, we were playing. We kicked uh, ass though. We did good. We did. We did kick a lot of ass. That was good. Yeah, so we Brandon and I played some KO City, and other than that, Saturday was a very busy day for me because I had three shows to record. Uh, one of them, two of them are uh, pause menus are going to be coming out eventually, but one of them I'm actually excited to talk about because I was a guest on a show called the Lack of Genius Podcast. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's hosted by two guys, John and Kevin, and um, the basis of the show is they show their lack of genius by quizzing each other on things that they themselves are very knowledgeable on. I was invited to be on the show for retro video games, and of course... Um, I give them a very broad uh, quiz, and they invited me back to. So eventually, we're gonna, I'm gonna go back and uh, kind of pinpoint another video game, uh, retro video game thing, or video game quiz for cool. them. That was really fun. It gave me a great excuse to try and go through like some of my uh, video game books to try and find questions. And then it was like, I am drunk with power. And then it's like, well, shit. There's like so much to talk about now. I, how do I narrow this down? So I just yeah. kind of like dartboarded it. It's cool. Warner Brothers approach. Yeah. So once that comes, yeah. So once that comes out, I'll be uh, posting that and letting you guys know. I'll be posting it everywhere. And today was a, today was a more chill day. And uh, to all my sports fans out there, except the ones living in Tampa Bay, praise be to the LA Rams, for we shall not see Tom Brady in the Super Bowl this year. Glory be the Rams' name. Amen. Raise your hands if Patriot. you're a sports fan. Patriots. Now tweet now tweet at me and tell me who did that because honor system, did it. honor system. I did it. <laughs> so yeah. like the audience. Oh, the audience. Okay, uh, audience. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, ben my... brings it up. Uh, down with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers as well. By the way. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers got knocked out by by the San Francisco. By 49ers. the 49ers. Dude. So. Captain three games of the divisional this week this weekend was the divisional round three games were decided by field goals the rams patriots the 49ers the packers the tennessee titans and the cincinnati bengals and dude i was watching the bills chiefs game before we were recording today that thing went down to the wire chiefs came out on top of the bills unfortunately i was kind of hoping the bills would win but we don't have to see Tom Brady in the Super Bowl this year. Bray. Thank you. Thank you, Sports Jesus. I appreciate that. Sparks. Sparks, you mentioned the 49ers, right? I did. Uh, you know, so, like they're they are my father's team, so now I will be insufferable. Well, <laughs> so when I was young, when I was quite a bay, 
Um, I was said, uh, I was, I was told you have to have a sports team. You have to have be a fan of a sports team. You have to be a fan of a sports team. So I was like, okay, the 49ers. And let me be honest with you. Let me put it on record today. That the only reason why I said that is because of the Scooby-Doo villain, the minor 49er. Minor 49er. Yep. 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 <laughs> That's uh, the only reason why I did that. Nine, and the only reason nine. I can never get the math problem seven times seven wrong is because seven seven went to a football game. Who they go see? The 49ers. Oh. My oh. dad, my dad was uh always a 49er fan, so now I will I will yeah. carry that mantle. I mean, hey, we don't have to see Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> LA Rams advance, which is good for them. Uh that's gonna be one hell of an NFC championship game between the Rams and the 49ers because the Niners throughout the regular season beat the Rams twice. So that's going to be an interesting game to watch. Sure yeah. is. I won't be watching it. Yeah, right. but besides, yeah. Besides that, my mom came over earlier today and we, and we just sat down, had coffee and we just watched football together and bonded. It was really nice. Nice. We should, that... we should live stream the Super Bowl. Hell yeah. Let's get banged. just the four of us getting drunk slash high. No, no, yes. no, no, not the four of us. The three of us minus Ben. What? The f- <laughs> That's so mean. The the people least competent to do this. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. I don't make the rules. I just, these I just, two I just know up. football. These two know football. These two know. I football. do know football. I know. I know more than I than I've ever let on. I know. I, don't, I just don't care anymore. I know what a football is. <laughs> Wait, what was that? Spark? I know football. Oh yeah, I know. I know football as well. All right, Ben, is that it? Yeah, that's that's pretty much my week. All right. Uh, well, like like Sparks said, how how I met your father? I watched that. I enjoyed it. I will continue to watch it. Um, I'm happy for Liz for not Lizzie McGuire, Hillary Duff. I'm very happy for Haley Duff's sister. Um, that's an old ass story I used to tell. Um, all right. So I watched The King's Man. I went to the theaters to go see The King's Man, which is the prequel to The King's Man, The Secret Service. I don't think it's worse than the second one. Okay. I think the, I think the the new setting helped a lot in like kind of making it feel refreshing. Um, I do like the new characters, and best part, uh, Jimon Hansu does not die. Any place, any place, a really cool spoiler, character. I endorse. <laughs> that, right? I will, I'm totally okay with hearing that spoiler because if Jimon Hansu was gonna die in this movie, I was gonna be pissed. Unfortunately, he plays cool characters all the time who end up dying before the end of the film, and this is not one of them. He's like Sean Bean in a way. Sean yeah, Bean yeah. plays kick-ass characters, and he always dies. A, a Quiet Place Part Two felt personal for some reason. It did. Because yeah, it was just out of nowhere and dumb. Yeah. yeah. It's like, wait a minute, wait, wait, we got a Gmon quota. Ah, oh, damn it. Well, it was because it was because he was safe, and then they're like, we're gonna make him do a stupid thing so that at the end of the movie. Friend of the show, Michael of Downright Annoyed, Downright with Nerdy, whatever you know, the thing he's on. Yeah. Uh he hated it. He said I'm it sure. Awful. I'm sure. Um, but like I said, like I, I think that like for me. I was pretty burnt by gold by a golden circle. Like the the more time I've gotten away from it, the li- the less I've liked it. So I think going into this one and kind of not having to deal with Eggsy and Harry really just co- really just put the movie over a notch for me that I was just going to be okay with. Mm-hmm. And um, there is, but but it's not it's not close to the first film. And I don't know what about that first film that Matthew Vaughn has apparently peaked. 
but I am disappointed. Well, tell them to stop making sequels. I, that must be it, because it's like, the only really? movies that have been bad. Yeah, for real. Stop it, stop it, man. Um, yeah, it's he, he's got a new co-writer. There's, there's, there. Look, there's really stupid things in this movie that really deter it. It's really mean for a re for some reason, and I didn't think the Secret Service was. Um, so I don't know if like he's he's just becoming a more cynical person and he just wants to put that through the Kingsman lens, and I don't think that's the place to put it. Yeah. Um, and those are those are what stop it from being pretty good. But Ray Fiennes is good. They're, I think Matthew Vaughn is a really good action director, especially. Uh, because he actually choreographs the action and moves the camera with the action, like the early Wachowskis did. Um, I think that's all. That's the action is really good. Um, who plays Rasputin, the lizard? Who Resiphons? Yeah, Resiphons. Uh, excellent as Rasputin. He's so fun. <laughs> good. Um, Aaron Taylor Johnson is in the movie. Don't expect him to be in a lot of that movie for some reason. Um, but the, uh, the I still remember for like a month we were all convinced he was Rasputin. Like, he was hey, Rasputin. <laughs> character change for I, that guy like, no. I, I still kind of wish that was true just for him like yeah. i'm like you know i want i want you to have that kind of win yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what we the, were watching uh when we were doing the amazing spider-man movies and i saw reese ivans and i found out that he was playing rasputin i was watching uh amazing spider-man one and then later on in that week i saw a thing for kingsman with rasputin and i'm thinking there's no effing way that's reese ivans there's just no freaking way and yes it is i see it um, he does the the Rasputin has a specific way of uh, fighting that's called like ballet like ba ballet martial arts or whatever. It's really fun to watch on screen. And he does it with and he, he's a really cool fun villain to, to in the movie. I'm awaiting for the YouTube video of him of his fight scene to Ra Ra Rasputin. They are uh, that was the trailer. They no, they, they did they did the 1812 overture for his fight scene. Yeah. Um, I think that the ending sets up a far more interesting movie that I wish I watched. And I'll leave it there. Um, but, you know what? I liked it still. It's good. I'll watch it when it hits whatever streaming service I have. That's smart. Um, I rewatched Tomorrowland for the first time since probably theaters. Honestly? Ooh. That movie rules. <laughs> mm -hmm. I really like that movie. Brad Bird, it's like Brad Bird's final uh, attempt at live action. Um, was not received well by critics. Uh, Michael Giacchino is on top form with that score. If that film had done well, that would be an iconic score. Um, it is so good. The theme of the movie of like dreamers, like making the world better and like the, the way it visualizes Tomorrowland and uh, all the technology and such, such cool, crazy concepts of like the Eiffel Tower turns into a spaceship. It's awesome. Awesome movie. I, I really loved it because like, and I'm glad that like our pop culture is, is mostly moving away from this, at least interpreting it in different ways. But it, it came out at the time when like everything was at the peak where like every young adult novel was about a post-apocalyptic world that teens were having to live through. And all the movies were adapting from those books. Uh -huh. And that's what everything was about. And like the whole message of Tomorrowland is like, why y'all got to look at the future and think it's so bleak? <laughs> yeah. Why you, why you all got to be interpreting that, that that way? Why you got to make it that? What does the like, future have to suck? Let's make it better. The right. twist at the end that I didn't remember because it's been so long with Hugh Laurie and and what the Tachyon machine is like actually for the purpose for it is it's such a so, so it such a cool reveal. I was like, oh dang, I forgot. Um, super cool. Love the cast. George Clooney is so good in it. Um, yeah, love it. Love rewatching it. Uh, highly recommend anybody who saw it the first time and didn't like it, give it a second chance. Because um, I, I I do think the the 
time we were in colored people's perception of the movie. Uh, and I, I think nowadays you'd probably come out with a more with more appreciation for it. It's, it's 2015's Eternals. And uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that Brad Bird never got to do another live action film. I watched Dragon Ball. What's the title for this one? Sleeping Princess and Devil's Castle. Sleepy time, princess. Bye bye. It's the second Dragon Ball film. Um, it it adapts. Uh, it loosely adapts when Krillin and Goku try to train with Master Roshi. Uh, it's not good. I did not care for it one bit. Um, it's super dumb in a way that I just think dumbs Dragon Ball down. Um, it's inconsistent because it's trying to be like this is a this is in continuity with the first movie but also the tv show but don't worry he doesn't know the kamehameha wave yet but this is also like he's it's trying to like play up things because when for example when goku turns into the great ape yamcha says oh no he's doing it again but that didn't happen in the first movie that happened in the show but not the movie mm. right so so but it's also supposed to be it's uh, it's a mess it's a mess and i did not care for it Hey man, sometimes continuity doesn't matter. That's but true. Brandon is not the person. No, I know, but I mean, like back then, back then, <laughs> yeah, they yeah. did not care. No, yeah, yeah. No, uh, I can't tell I'm, you how many. I cannot tell you how many times I I saw the Pokemon movies and I watched the anime. I was like, so when are they gonna mention the events of the Pokemon movie? They never did. To be fair, I am really just buying my time to get to the Dragon Ball Z movies, which I prefer because they're just new stories. And uh, you so Mag's in the chat. Hey Mag, how's it going, bud? He says, wait until you watch the third Dragon Ball movie. Look, man, I may bail from this quest of watching all the Dragon Ball movies. No, you've, only no. got, you've only got two Dragon Don't Ball movies. Don't be a quitter. Movies. And one of them, uh, I can guarantee, is at least good to watch. Path the to Power, one, right? I, yeah. And I'm yeah. pretty sure that the next one is like more entertaining than Sleeping Princess. Yeah. If for no other reason than the bizarro interpretation of Tien and Chaozu. You know what I'm interested in rewatching? I'm re I want to I want to know how I feel about Tree of Life and Dead Zone again. I haven't seen those movies in a very long time. Tree of Life you'll probably like more and Dead Zone you might like a little less. Yeah. Now, you I'm know a Dragon Ball movie I need to rewatch desperately. Bio Broly. 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 Bio Broly. No one needs to rewatch Bio Broly, Ryan. <laughs> I thought you were I thought you were messing with me to be perfectly honest. I didn't know Bio, Bio Broly was a thing. It's the I third roll. It's the third. Third movie. to say no. <laughs> also, I want to watch the cooler movies again because I really liked the cooler movies. Ben, ben cool is the best. don't you want to watch the movie where Broly gets resurrected as a goo monster that has to fight Goten, Trunks, eighteen, and Hercule? Oh yeah, I about this movie. I mean, the second you said goo monster, I instantly went no. But then you told me the lineup. I'm like, kind of goo monster. It, it's it's a weird one. They did that after I guess he died at the. I never saw the second one. He dies at the end of that one, right? Yeah. They just pull yeah. up Matrix Resurrections on him. He's bio Broly. Anyway, um, so yeah, there are four Broly movies in total. Only one of them matters. I mean, only so many characters can take a Kamehameha away from Goku, Gohan, and Goten and live. This is the Holy Trinity. <laughs> um, and I finally watched the raid. Uh, Gareth Evan Evans mm -hmm. immediately regret immediately started second guessing it. Uh, the raid, I loved it. It's so cool. Yep. Um, everything Ryan has said about it is true. Uh, so I don't feel the need to regurgitate a lot of it, other than to say I'm really sad I didn't watch this uh, earlier. The action sequences are so good, um, and 
Uh, I, I did find the beginning to be a little bit slow, but it's like a lot of setup. But like once it gets going, it moves and it's such a fun ride and such so gory and bloody and uh, the action is stupendous. It was awesome. It's true. All of it. Now you gotta watch that second one and then watch The Night Comes for Us. Yeah, I actually want to do that because of what you did on the Darren Annoyed. And then finally, I'll just say I watched The World According to Jeff Goldblum. The final five episodes of season two aired this month. They believe last, no, this week. Um, I watched, I rewatched those and I found them delightful. Uh, I do think he's spinning his wheels. I don't think they thought that the first season was going to be as successful as it ended up being. But it is interesting to see Goldblum have a topic like backyards. No, no. <laughs> um, Come on, Jeff. Gotta get that. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, I love that. I love that for him. But I like he go- like the Matrix is grabbing you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a so there's there's like there's tiny things, which is actually a really interesting one. We talked about like our fascination with like small little things and goes does like the thing. Um, the first half I did find better because there's more interesting episodes like magic and, and uh, things like that. But then he's just like puzzles where it's like it's really just an excuse to, watch, to talk about escape rooms and then talk about like, air traffic control. I was like. I guess this is a type of puzzle, and you can tell that the director of the show said to the said to the person he's talking to, "Hey, mention how like a puzzle this is." And so they have to work in a way like so. It's very much like a puzzle, Jeff. Hmm. Um, and so like the backyards one is like when they're like, "Okay, now let's go to like a, a forest," and you can talk to these people about forests, and then someone can say, "Hey, it's like the backyard of America is this forest." Give it, give it two or three more years, and he's just going to be Bill Nye, the Science Guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but like Jeff Goldblum is a really fun guy to watch, just in general. So, like, I'd watch mm-hmm. that guy do anything. Um, and, and I found it to be a very fun, uh, a very fun watch, regardless. Ben, you should watch the one about motorcycles because it is genuinely a very good episode. I need to watch that one. When you when you told me about that, I was like, "There's one about motorcycles. I need that." And he doesn't go like he doesn't try to find ways around not talking about motorcycles is like all about motorcycles. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Like motorcycle culture. He's a very cool guy. That's it. Shall we get into our bread and butter then? Yes. B and B is what I need. Guess what's sad news up top. A lot of sad news. Louis Anderson passed away this week. He was an actor and comedian. Um, I think a lot of people will probably know him from coming to America. Mm-hmm. Um, he passed away this week at the age of 68 uh, due to non-Hodgkin lymphoma. Ooh. Yeah, man. Uh, he most recently was on a show called Baskets, right? Um, where he got like critically acclaimed and like in uh, like awards and stuff. Where like he had a whole career of being like a really like 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 obscene funny comedian. And then he went to like do this dramatic turn, uh, and that's really cool. Uh, I didn't watch a lot of his stuff. He hosted like Family Feud for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And I did watch him there, but uh, yeah, this is mm. it's a bummer, man. Um, I was th- thinking, Matt, because he mentioned a life with Louie, and that was yeah. his uh, cartoon show. Because I never, I remember seeing con- commercials for it, but I just never watched it. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that cartoon character of of Louis Anderson's, like, you know where that's, you know who that is. It's like, oh, I re- I recognize that guy. Oh yeah, he's on a every TV show is like a guest spot. That you yeah. Can think of, yeah. Gaspard Ulil. I apologize if I mispronounced that last name. Um, he's an actor from uh, a very long engagement. I know him from Hannibal Rising. Uh, he played the young Hannibal. And um, oh, he pa- oh man, yeah. and he's going to yeah. be in Moon Knight. Oh man, and he's going to be in Moon Knight. 
um, the upcoming Moon Knight series. He passed away this week at the age of 37 because of a skiing accident where the other guy was perfectly fine. That's oh. That sucks. That is awful. Yeah. yeah, man. Hannibal Rising, not like the best movie, but that dude's like pretty good. He's very good um, in it, yeah. Um, and he's gonna, I mean, that's 37. Man, have at least positive look going out doing something fun, right? Like, yeah. like yeah. that's that sucks, man. Yeah. And like I like I like a lot of people are, are a lot of news reports report him as a Moon Knight actor, and that is true, he is going to be in Moon Knight coming up. a uh, pretty prominent character. Uh, but his his career is, is is vast and incredible, incredible stuff all around. I think Moon Knight was, you know, it's a big deal because the next big thing. Well, not only the next big thing, but something that might have put him on the map for like a really big career. Yeah. And yeah. that's just fun. Yeah. I loved Hannibal Rising though. Like I'll be honest, like I I mean it's better than Hannibal. <sighs> that movie's Sorry, pretty no, bad. Not, no, not not your take. My cat is on my top shelf right now. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, which he shouldn't be. It's fine. And and I, I don't mean to I... say the TV show Hannibal, I mean the movie Hannibal. No, yeah, yeah. Uh I saw Hannibal Rising once in theaters way too young. So like I can't I don't remember never seen yeah. it. I'll always remember. I'll always remember when he when he when he cut open someone a uh, guy's cheeks and started eating them. Oh, and then and then finally, Meatloaf, world-renowned singer, actor, Meatloaf passed away at the age of seventy-four. At the time, no cause of death was given. So before uh, the there is a rumor, and I don't know if it's true. It's not. It's not substantiated yet that he died of COVID because he was anti-vax. So Ooh. we don't know if that's true. I'm happy to think that like I got to live my entire life loving meatloaf, not knowing that. So uh, I hope that's not true. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, you're not the only one who heard because when um because I was listening to the radio on my way to work when it was announced that he died, and they did say that he died of COVID. I mean, they didn't mention him being anti-vax. They just yeah. said he died in a hospital with complications. Of so COVID. now, so now I did look at I did look this up after the fact, and and I want I want to get into like him in a minute, but like I did look it up after the fact after I wrote this, and I was thinking like, okay, wh what was this cause of death given? Since I put the link in there, and the only places that I could find were from tabloid news. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just say no cause of death and just assume right. that it was whatever it was. Yeah. You know, he went out I not mean, being a dick. I mean, cause cause yeah. of death aside, he he was definitely one of those actors and singers. I mean, bad bad out of hell is one kick ass album. Oh, dude, I absolutely love that album. Yeah, so yeah. I can only assume you were blasting that sucker after when you hear the news. And then me growing up I was like, oh wait, I do know where Meatloaf because I saw because he was in like movies like um, um Fight Club. Fight, yeah Fight Club and also he Rocky was Horror. in Tenacious D in the in the Pick of Destiny as the ultra Christian dad in the first song Kickapoo. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of Meatloaf's music growing up, but I weep for those who like like Ryan who did grow up with his music and they lost one of their favorites. He's the thing that's about me love is like he's he was a dude who did not give a shit about like how long or what type of song he made. He was a dude who like every song was like a ballad and every song was like five to 20 minutes long. Like that yeah. is not someone who just put a two minute song out. He's like like uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. One of my absolute favorite songs is like seven minutes long. And there's just a like, two minute interlude of him having sex with his girlfriend. But it's but it's the the baseball reporter. Going, All right. He's on first base going to blah, 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 blah. And it's like just two minutes of that. And mm -hmm. I'm like, that didn't need to be in, a, in this long ass song. But it's, it's <laughs> I like remember, I remember watching him in a movie. Um, 
is this weird like I think an old Netflix original like straight to DVD or whatever oh, straight to DVD right. where he plays the principal of a of a high school that is putting on a Kabuki version of Phantom of the Opera, <laughs> and it becomes like a horror movie and I'll never forget him in that role for whatever reason like that sticks out to me also his role in Fight Club obviously but like still yeah. like, for whatever reason I always remember like oh right I remember this weird Kabuki horror movie. <laughs> Yeah, fun thing. Uh, fun fact about the baseball thing, Ryan. Because I was listening to the radio and they were talking about that. Sp- they had like a guy who like dissects songs like track by track, like the drum track and everything. Apparently, the dude who was the the old baseball announcer who did that had no clue it was a, supposed to, for a sexual innuendo. <laughs> He's just he just record this and it's, yeah, it's for something. Yeah, yeah. He thought it was like, oh, okay, this is this, it's baseball terminology. This is what I do for a living. And then he hears it on the track. He's like, wait. Is that are they talking about the sex? What's going on here? <laughs> so I want to talking about the sex. I just want to real quickly bring up uh, Mag's comment. Uh, only knew him in Rocky Horror. You should definitely watch Fight Club if you haven't, Mag. It's a great movie, regardless of what the film bros tell you. Um, yeah, um, yeah, it's crazy because like he he only did like select film roles, but like he's so iconic in both those movies. Yeah, as like Bob, like the big the, the Bob with the big the big boobies, Bob, yeah. and then and then Ed Eddie from Rocky Horror, uh, mm-hmm. the motorcycle dude who lives in like an icicle. Uh, he was also yeah, in Wayne's World. Wayne Wayne's World, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Larger than life, like literally and and metaphorically, just like like a, a true performer, like a dude who loved like the craft and like. Just love belting and like he had a voice for it. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. I will, I will, will. I feel no shame, especially at this point, in saying that I would do anything uh, for oh, love. Yeah. Is one of my favorite songs of all time. Oh, it's, it's a classic. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. And you could interpret it whatever way you want. That's what true. Is it you won't do for love. Who knows? Full blown agree. Um. All right. So this one, this one, this. Bit of the show won't take long. Aristocats getting a live action movie. Cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what'd you say, Ryan? Lying. He said King. F and like. Yeah. This, this is meant to be in the vein of uh, Lady and the Tramp, so they might use real animals. Um, I, I this... love that movie, man. Yeah, that's that, that's movie. not one to do this with. That was literally one. That's one of the ones where I sat there and I'm like, there's just no reason to even more do it again than Lion King. It's like there's no reason to. Not do Not only this. that, like you're just you're just taking away like all of the artists. I highly doubt that they'll put the thought and care into it for like the representation of jazz that it was. Like it's just not. It's oh, not gonna yeah, be yeah, that. Yeah. Like it's just gonna be yeah. crap. Like I don't care. Everybody. It literally just made me want to go put that. The original is wonderful, and the original should just some things just don't need to be done again. Disney. Yeah. This is going to be written by Will Gluck, who wrote Peter Rabbit two, and Keith Boonin, who wrote Onward. Okay. I mean, I really like Onward, but still, uh, yeah, I agree with. I don't know if these are a bunch of. I don't know if these a bunch of white people, but they sound like a bunch of white people on this side. It's not who. It's like not who I would want in the twenty first century versus cats to be starting from the top. Yeah, yeah, I can't say for sure, but I mean, yeah, Peter Rabbit Two is pretty good though. Real quickly, I want to bring up, I want to bring up Mag's comment. Uh, I'm guessing they might even redo the Rescuers and Black Cauldron. They will not do Black Cauldron because they would never do a movie that flopped. See, here's the thing: I, I see them doing Black Cauldron more than any other one because that is one they can do whatever they want with, and they can right. Turn right it but that's the it. reason why they won't they do it. it. They could turn it into a whole fantasy series. Yeah, the Rescuers. Yeah, that's the rats, right? The, yeah, the yeah, the rat, it's the my yeah. I've. Rescuers Down Under is one of my favorite uh, Rescuers look, movies. Look, or is my to favorite rescuer one to Rescuers' defense, it 
there are human characters that are pivotal to that story. So there's at least a little bit more impetus mm -hmm. to do that one than there is to do the Aristocats. There's no reason yeah. to do a live action Aristocats. There's like there was no reason to do a live action Lady and Tramp. Yeah. Or Lion King. Or Lion King. Or Lion King. All right. Well, well unless I'm... you did Lion King differently, but they didn't. I mean, just to throw my two cents in, I kind of want to see what they would do with the Black Cauldron because the Horn King is yeah, freaking sure. scary. Of and course. That is... And they're and they could have been they could have done so many cool things with Black Cauldron and, and they didn't. But that's the thing. That's the thing. Like they won't do something interesting. That's why they won't do Black Cauldron. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When in like 2097, when they're truly out of ideas, someone <laughs> will like be looking through a file, Black Cauldron? And then that's that's it. Uh, give it a so, sometime. So I went on a uh, tour of the animation studios at one point, and they have a mm -hmm. hall where they have like one piece of art on the hall uh, from every film every Disney animated studios film. And so uh, you, you're just going through and they're all chronological and believe it or not, I was like, damn, they really did put black cauldron in here. Oh, I'm really impressed. I honestly thought they wouldn't. Nobody gets left behind. So at least they acknowledge it within their own hall. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And it is on Disney plus. It is on Disney plus. It is there. Okay. You know, that guy who, who gets yelled at by Obadiah Stane in Iron Man, and he showed up again in Spider-Man far from home. Yeah. Well, he was in a Christmas story. We all know this. Uh, well, Christmas Story Christmas is coming. It's going to be a direct sequel to this film with Peter Billingsley, the actor uh, that I mentioned, returning to the role. This is going to be directed by Clay Catus, who directed The Christmas Chronicles, the first one, uh, with a screenplay by Nick, Schne Nick Schenk, who wrote Gran Torino and The Mule. When I think of Christmas wholesome fun, I think of Gran Torino and the Mule. <laughs> yeah, right. I thought that was funny. Yeah, you yeah. think of like really sad, depressing Clint Eastwood films. Sure, he has like multiple threesomes in the Mule. Just so you guys know. I know. He's crazy. He's in the, <laughs> in the Mule, crazy, man. Um, the mule. Board, board of threesomes. Uh, Christmas Story is a great movie. I, the, everything comes back eventually. Like, fine, sure. Like, old I'm man not, Ralphie. I'm not particularly interested in this one, to be honest. I mean, to be fair, I'm sick of the Chris. I'm sick of a Christmas Carol. My brother has it on every Christmas, but the 24-hour marathon on TBS. Don't you mean Christmas Story? What did I say? You said a Christmas, Christmas Carol. Carol. I love a Christmas Carol. How okay, can I do that? Changed. I was about. Who are you? This close. Brandon, I was this close to getting my car and drive to you. I'm like, what are you doing with the real Brandon? I'm sorry. <laughs> We're in the Matrix. Um. Yeah. Christmas Story. I don't care. Yeah, I've never seen it. It's literally on every Christmas day for 24 hours from midnight to midnight. I'm yeah, shocked you haven't seen it. Yeah, I, I, watched, the, I, watched, the, I watched the Claymation 60 movies instead. I mean, that's and the better it, option. It's yeah. just fine. Yeah. At least I've seen Home Alone finally, and that took me over 30 and a half years. Star Wars Ahsoka officially cast Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Sweet. I love her. I love her. I love Who her very she? much. Speculation. Probably Not somewhere. Afra. No. <laughs> um, there, uh, somebody posted on my Twitter, and I forget her name, like, like, Barris Oren. She's like a Jedi lady with like diamonds, like right here on her face. Yeah. And they say people don't know what happened to her. And I'm like, I don't know who, I don't remember who that is in Clone Wars. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. I mean, the great, great way to introduce a character. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead. So like, she, Same. she can be a nobody, which she probably will be. And I'll be happy. I'm excited for Ahsoka anyway because of my fondness for Rebels. 
Um, mm-hmm. So and yeah, Mary Elizabeth Winston is a great addition. I love her. I hope it's more than I hope it's a substantial role. Yeah, bring her into the universe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, Godzilla is coming mm-hmm. to the small screen. So tiny. Um. A new series set after Godzilla 2014 is coming to Apple TV Plus. It's written by Chris Black and Matt Fraction, of all people. <laughs> hmm. Comic book superstar Matt Fraction. Um, this will follow a family uh, after the events of Godzilla 14 as they uncover the secrets of the Titans and their mysterious connection to Monarch. And that's all we know at this point. So this is like super, super hard, hard into development because... Uh, the guy, we'll talk about him later, uh, who's writing the Captain America comics. He's like, yeah, I tried to get on this uh, on this writing team for months, and Fraction got it, that bastard. It's <laughs> uh, like a joke. Um, and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And like Everyone was like trying to get onto this thing, because like it seemed really cool. And Fraction, Matt Fraction is one of like the greatest like character worker, like character writers uh, that we have today. So like, uh, they're, they're, they believe in this thing if they're getting someone with like that kind of caliber, I think. It's, it's yeah. really cool. Yeah, this is a legendary pictures. Legendary Entertainment is going to do this, so this is like legit. And um, Toho officially like put it out there also. So this was like, yeah, Godzilla's in this. We made a deal. Godzilla is in the show. And I was like, damn, okay, because I you can very easily just be like, oh yeah, they just kind of follow Godzilla. We never see him. We never see him. But like, he's in it. But not a lot. A dorsal fin, maybe like at the very last episode. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Ah! Yeah. So like the thing about. Is the monster like after Godzilla Kong? Like, is the MonsterVerse still continuing, or was was there that thing of like we yeah. weren't sure? Because this makes me think they're making a big budget TV show that it's going on for a while. Well, we have the Kong animated show on Netflix that's coming. Ooh, yep, which is also in the MonsterVerse. Okay, but they haven't said anything about like forward momentum past Godzilla. There versus Kong. is there was the talk. I think someone said that they are. They are developing a, a fifth MonsterVerse movie, but it, it's never been officially said by Legendary. It was mostly just kind of speculation or rumor. Because like this, this is like happening, happening, which yeah. makes me think they're not putting all this budget, all this lore building into a Godzilla universe if they're not going to do something with it. In yeah, my opinion, right, right. Sure. So like, yeah, this is only a good sign for for the future. I think. Which Godzilla vs like- Kong, Godzilla vs Kong did very well uh, during yeah. the pandemic. Um, yeah, it's a. It's a good sign, and I'm very excited for it. Like, I hope it's the like the the show that I really want it to be, which is like the, this character focused show set within the monsterverse. Um, and getting to see Godzilla on the small screen is is super cool. Uh, I'm 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 excited, and I and like this is really the only place you could put it because like after this the technology gets so out of hand that the budget would be ex- would explode. Yeah, you have to do like Apple or HBO. Like you can't you can't do this on like a smaller a smaller network. Uh, yeah. Unless you're truly doing it like low budget, like there are no monsters in it, but like, no, nah, there's there gotta be monsters in it. Yeah. And it, yeah, surprising it's Apple TV plus, but like, you know, that means the budget is there. Yeah. I got money. Very excited. It's cool. That's very, that's again, it makes me more, ex- I'm excited for this show, but it's just like, okay, they're not giving up on it yet. It makes me yeah. even more happy. Sure. Yeah. Me too. Don't think it's happening. Mag pull up Mag's comment. Yeah. Ben. Mag says, uh, they, Max says, hope they introduce alien races in future Godzilla films. I mean, I would love to in, see Space Godzilla, but... I, I agree. Won't. I agree in future Godzilla movies, but this show takes place, like, after the first movie, so they're not going to be doing that stuff in there. Much more grounded in this one. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. We, also, gotta, we, gotta, we gotta wait till we get to Godzilla vs. Kong. Yeah. 
before yeah. we get to the interplanetary uh, rings where we can put our axes to mm-hmm. radiationally charge my weapon. Yeah. All that also, uh, Amy B's comment, uh, we're not talking about uh, Resurrections today. That's next week. <gasps> That's Thanks, true. Thanks, Amy. We do ju- it, Brandon did just put the Matrix sequels, which kind of implies that we'll talk about Resurrections. Uh, oh, you're it right. Is, but like they're, gener- they're generally just called the sequels. I'll change that. They were um, until the new one came out. <laughs> all right. Anyway, that was the most exciting thing that happened to me this week. Well, one of. Um, all right. Uh, weird. A yal, a, the yal yank, the Al Yankovic story. Jesus. There you go. Um, is officially in development. This is a biopic about Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe has been cast to play him. That's too, that's awesome. Inspiring. Inspiring. That's so cool. Daniel oh, Radcliffe good. is having such an interesting career, just doing whatever he wants, whether it's uh, being a crazy billionaire who kidnaps artists to uh, a dead body who farts a lot. Um, it's really cool that he's like not like phoning it in. He could have phoned it in after Harry Potter. And he's like, no, I'm an artist, baby. Um, Weird Al is such an interesting, cool dude. And I don't know. I don't know his history very much uh, besides just listening to his work. So, like, I'm actually very interested to see this crazy guy's life. So the story actually gets a little bit weirder. Um, well, I mean, like, it builds off the weird. That's still weird, but like it builds. Okay, so this film is going to be written by Eric Apple, uh, who was a, one of the sh- was one of the staff writers for Brooklyn Nine Nine. I actually thought he was also like a showrunner t- towards later. And Al Yankovic, weird Al Yankovic. He's right. He's directing it. Apple will direct this film, and this is based on a on a short film called Weird: The Al Yankovic Story that had Aaron Paul play Weird Al. Written and directed by Eric Apple. Hmm. So I guess it was like a proof of concept with Aaron Paul. That all right. It took Aaron that. Paul. It's been twelve years since that short came out. Twelve I years, just, man. Aaron Paul is such a such a funny choice because all I imagine him is like is Jesse from Breaking right. Bad. Uh, yeah. So he uh, so he did that for Comedy Central, and now Comedy Central is kind of bankrolling this one. But this will just go to Roku. Mm. By the way, it's going to Roku. It's going to Roku. Yeah. Interesting. My, <laughs> my. It's definitely going to get bought and shown somewhere. Else. I hope. I hope so. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mag is talking about check out UHF if you have or if yes. you have time or his cameos and it can go to movies. UHF is hilarious. UHF rules. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, he he had a cameo in Galavant, where he played he one did. of the singing one of the singing monks. I okay that episode. I love that episode of Galavant. I was actually thinking about Gallivant the other day. I really need to rewatch that. That's so show so good. Yeah, like I'm really happy for Radcliffe. This is good casting. Yeah, I'm act- I'm happy for Weird Al. He seems excited. There's you can't see it, but it's Aaron Paul as. Oh uh, yeah, look at that. Oh it's the hair that does a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. Can we watch that on YouTube or is, do we have to go probably? Oh, no, I don't know. All right. Microsoft has bought Activision Blizzard. Oh boy! All right. Ben, real quick, yeah. I almost wanted to talk to you and make this like like a basement arcade pause menu special because this mm-hmm. is the biggest news in like entertainment history and yeah, modern entertainment history. And I don't yeah. think we're gonna have enough time to properly yeah, cover not. how truly insane this thing is because it's not just about video games. No, uh, but I'm so glad we're here to talk about it because I spent too many hours listening to podcasts about it against my will, not because I chose them, but because I listened to so many video game podcasts. This is all they talked about all week long. Right. So I'm mm-hmm. prime, baby. Woo. So I want to say this first and foremost about this acquisition. I pray, 
I pray and I hope to whatever God will listen that this acquisition and helps end the harassment and the sexual and the and all the sexual uh, wrongdoings that's been going on in the Activision Blizzard offices of late. I hope I have that the, information on that. Okay, but I hope right. that Bob, what's his face, is shown the door and given the boot on the way out. Ben, yeah. Initial reports suggested that the CEO Bob Kodak will stay on indefinitely. But now it's being it's being reported that he'll leave at the end of the year when the deal is finalized, yep. uh, which will give him a nice three hundred and ninety million dollar paycheck. Coming uh, Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing um, about uh, people in power. When you when you eventually become rich enough, nothing can happen to you, and the only the only thing that will happen to you is you get even richer to get you out of the situation. Yeah. So his 0.5% stock in Activision. Will get him four hundred million dollars um, to, to to retire, which is mm -hmm. incredibly shitty. That dude was already a multimillionaire, so it's just adding to the pile, which is even grosser. But like mm -hmm. anything to get that asshole out of there. Um, yeah. Phil Spencer, who is who is now the CEO of Microsoft Gaming, he got a big old upgrade after this one because he's the one who helped this deal get finalized. Um, We've talked about for months about how Microsoft is like are doing all these big deals to be like the next like like the like they want to be like the Netflix of gaming. Um, Real quick, Ryan, Amy is yeah. also it, Amy is also saying Microsoft is buying up everything. I do enjoy that huge offer on Game Pass, and Bob gotta go. He's going to need that check for his court fees. Oh man, uh, he has he has enough money to buy every lawyer in the world, unfortunately. Um, man, like. Oh hell! Well, the, okay. the thing is, he's not. He's not. I don't want to spend too much time on this because it's bigger than this. But like, he he is not being let go because of the harassment. He is being let go because he is no longer needed. Right. Well, I think that's that. That's part of the the ickiness of the whole situation is because this is happening while the U.S. government is like currently working on case. That's with that's the Blizzard, huge thing. Which would be the thing that would take Bobby Kotick out. Yeah. And he's getting a big paycheck to get out the door before that would happen. The big yeah. worry, the, the big worry <clears throat> is because there are multiple uh, investigations, lawsuits happening at this company. It's like, this company is getting bought. Uh, are these things going to just go away? And that's the thing we don't, we don't have the answers to. We'd like to think because Microsoft mm -hmm. is, is a better, as we know, a better corporation, better run than Activision is that, that like, Phil Spencer to give this great interview and he's, he's one of the most open people on the planet. And like, he is really like after this deal, like one of like the most imp important businessmen like on the planet. And like mm -hmm. the, the things that he, that he talks about, he's like, listen, this is, this is the future that we are living in. Like th people get bought up and like, you just have to wonder, like you have to say, who do you want to own these properties? And I think Microsoft owning these properties will be a benefit instead of a hindrance. And he's just like, yeah, like I want all these properties. Of course it's going to make us lots of money. Hell yeah. So There's after real quick sparks after um because the day after this the day after this news broke of course twitter was aflame console wars broke out again but phil spencer came out and he tweeted and i'm going to be paraphrasing here but he tweeted out saying that he just got off the phone with sony executives and he is going to honor the agreements that sony made with activision blizzard beforehand and of course the most famous franchise call of duty which has been multi-platform since its bloody inception will still come to other consoles he uh, once again, acknowledge that Sony is a major part and a huge part of the video game industry. So, of course, he's not going to cut that off just because Microsoft technically owns Activision Blizzard now. So, Phil Spencer is really one of like, the coolest guy in games right now because he's straight up saying, he's like, look, I know that even though Microsoft technically owns them, 
we're not going to hinder people playing these franchises that have been multi-platform. And also, if he were to make it an Xbox only, he's cutting off millions, if not, say, a billion or so dollars from uh, other platforms. Realistically, I don't think anybody really ever needed to worry about that because Microsoft has all been entirely all about being for sharing on different platforms. Mm -hmm. It's Sony who's restrictive. Mm -hmm. Like Microsoft yeah. is like, yeah, play it on whatever you want. I don't give a crap. Like that that's not part of the concern. I think what does suck is that, and I can't I cannot reveal uh who I know, uh, but I do know someone who works uh at Blizzard. I know I'm very close to their son, and um they talked uh their son told me that like uh they've been you know like the people at blizzard who have been working on dealing with what's been happening over this past year in terms of like what's been very public and and these past few months and what they're trying to do to make it better and unionization happening within it and, and building a fund to make that happen had the rug pulled out from under them with this news nobody mm -hmm. was you know there was no uh Warning. Warning. There was no foresight in this plan. Uh, and it's it's put a big old wrench into uh, what they're trying to do to boost people's morale, people who want to stay with the company to push for unionization because of the change hands. And it's creating a more complicated conversation there, which really sucks. Even if this is a really nice altruistic thing that uh, Microsoft is doing, which I don't know. But um, even if it is that it's going to be there to help these people to clean up the company, it it's maybe the worst timing yeah. ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. that's the thing. That's the only reason that Act Activision Blizzard, the, the, the single biggest independent video game company on the planet, was able to get yeah. bought is because their culture inside is so toxic that they don't nobody wants to work there and everyone hates them. So that's the only that's the only way that Microsoft is able to make a purchase like this because like oh man we need to get bought because like like our our stock is shit. When this happened real quick Brandon when this happened, uh, Sony's stock dropped thirteen percent. Their market share dropped twenty billion dollars in a single day. Yeah. This is how big this deal is. This is not this is not Microsoft fighting Sony. This is Microsoft fighting Amazon and fighting Google. Like this, this is a bigger deal than, than people seem to realize. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and also like, there's a question of how much is the government going to get involved because <laughs> the government, well, because they are still doing like currently and it took them too long to get to it, but they are currently still going through the cases with Zuckerberg and Facebook over yeah. the purchase of Instagram and the way that that went. And that is still happening. Yeah. Uh, so people are wondering if that's going to cause them because of the complicated natures that are coming up in that conversation to see the writing on the wall with what this situation would be as an oligopoly. Uh, and prevent it, especially because their mm. attention's already over there in a sense because of the investigations into Blizzard and Activision. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, the, that's the thing, Ryan. That's the, that's the thing that you were talking about. Yeah, Microsoft is is fighting them. Microsoft is now actively in the same realm as Facebook, Amazon, Disney. Like that's where he, they're sitting now. So that's where the attention is going to be. So it's almost kind of like, well, yeah, the the. The attention might be off of Activision for the sake of this deal. For now, it's not going to be off Microsoft. Yeah, no. and Microsoft now has a bigger target on their back because the mm -hmm. government is looking for people like them. Yeah, and, and once again, the deal's still not finalized. The government can look over this and decide that no, this is a monopoly. You can't. Well, no, they've already they've already approved the deal. So the deal did? that's a different department. Okay. The, the deal has already been approved. But then it's got to be reviewed. But the deal can still go through as it gets reviewed. That's why the Instagram thing is just coming up now because they, they've just now opened that in, that investigation. Okay. So we we talked about like there's a, there's a lot of business stuff, a lot of like kind of like scary behind the scenes stuff. But like if we look at it from 
a positive point of view. Like 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 when Disney bought uh, uh, Marvel and when Disney bought Star Wars, a lot of people freaked out. I was on the positive side of saying these are franchises that I think will be improved by getting a different uh, different pops, a different mom and dad, right? Uh, <clears throat> Overwatch two, World of Warcraft, Diablo, Starcraft, all of these all of these billion dollar franchises are right now in the dirt. Activision uh, sabotages every single property. Uh, Guitar Hero, Call of Duty, all of them. They sabotage every game they put out. They're classic games. Pitfall. Um, uh, frack, what was it? It was There's Pitfall. There was a, um, a billion and a half other dragster. Were, yeah, and now, of course, Toys for Bob. And Activision owns Spyro the Dragon and Crash Bandicoot. And what happened after Crash 4, a game that was critically praised and sold well, what did they? What did Activision do? They pulled Toys for Bob and put them on Call of Duty. However, yeah. as great as that sounds, Ryan, there's one thing I do want to push back on. Mm-hmm. Remember when Microsoft bought Rare and people thought, oh, this is going to be great, and Rare hasn't really done much or in terms of Banjo kazooie or Conquer or any of those classic characters that people want? Phil has Phil Spencer has said that Microsoft wants those characters back. It's rare yeah. that's deciding not to do it. So Activision still has the power to say no. We're not going to make a new Spyro game. We're not going to make a new Crash Bandicoot game. We're not going to do anything with our classic not games. Anymore. We're still going to. They still technically do. It's r- rare, even though they're owned by Microsoft. They're not. They they're not making a new a uh, new Banjo Kazooie game. You're, and you can't are, you can't play with that kind of language when you don't know what the difference between the contracts are. Yeah, they're just totally just different. because that's what Rare is doing doesn't mean that's what the deal Activision also is have. Rare has like multiple games coming out, and they're currently working on CFDs, which is one of the Xbox's like biggest accomplishments, and like makes them millions of dollars every month. So like they don't want. Also, companies shouldn't have to be beholden to making the same exact thing. What if they don't want? Like they don't want to make those games, those old games anymore. They shouldn't have to. Right, like, like if somebody doesn't want to make Call of Duty fourteen, they shouldn't be had. They shouldn't have to. That's the whole point of this conversation, right? Yeah, but that's the whole thing that Phil Spencer was talking about. He's saying, "I want to take, I want to take these developers off of Call of Duty and put them back on games they want to work on." He said that in an interview, and like, yeah, you, you can't just say that, Phil, because those are really big words, my guy. So, like, the next couple of years are going to be truly fascinating, and like, uh, things like Pitfall w- could make a comeback. Like World of Warcraft, coming Kong is right. I would love to see games. I would love to see the games like Pitfall make a comeback. I would love that. Problem is, it's still the way the way it's um, the way it's uh, still up to Activision. They it's like, okay, we're gonna make a Pitfall game. Well, I think the only thing you're you're running into here, Ben, is that you don't know the 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 differences in their contracts. Like Activision is a much bigger company than Rare, so they probably are they they're also they're also losing their CEO, which is which makes a big deal. Like you know, it's, it would be like if Ike Perlmutter left ben, Marvel like when Disney bought him. It's just like again, like Disney buying Marvel. Like they're not gonna mm-hmm. not make Spider-Man comics. You know, they're gonna use all the properties that they got. They're gonna make as much money as they can possible. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna make Overwatch two. They're gonna put support mm-hmm. on that to make that game come out. They're gonna make World of Warcraft as good as it used to be. They're gonna mm-hmm. do everything in their power to break those brands, billion-dollar brands again. That's why they bought them because they're not what they used to be. That's why you buy something at lower stock to bring the stock back up. I guarantee you. We're going to see so many of these things come back in the, in the next decade that under Activision Blizzard we would not have seen. I will say to Ben's po- to Ben's point, it is interesting uh, that Rare has the power to say no, we're not going to do another Conquer. Uh, so and Microsoft can't do anything about it. Yeah, you know it's interesting that like Microsoft can't just like be like no, do it. Well, I mean that's that is that is a situation for them. But like, hey, if if that's what I was just saying. I was just saying. I was just saying. Well, it's yeah. just weird. I think that's great. Because again, like burnout is something that exists, uh, whether it's just talking about podcast stuff or it's making the same game for 25 years. 
Um, sometimes like people don't want to have to do that. And it is nice to have very much the Matrix Resurrections thing. Like, hey, you have first dibs on if you want to make this movie or not. Like, okay, mm -hmm. cool. They could make it or they cannot make it. And they make it exactly the way they want to make it, right? And maybe she, they just don't want to. And I think yeah, that's, no. that's beautiful. But, but, you, no. but, but like you think that, so, but you're saying you think that Activision should be beholden to what Microsoft say, says, like make this game and, and they'll, they'll no, have, they no, have to do it. No, no, not at all. No. Okay, I, I, sorry. I, I I was hearing a lot coming coming there. That's what I that's what I thought you were saying with the um the, by comparing. Like yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought too. I, mean, I might be mixing my, mixing metaphors. All right, so I, let me right. let me get this. Let me clear myself up a little because I might have confused all of us. Would I love Activision now under the direction of Microsoft to come out with some classic games or redo some of the classic games while still making new IPs? Yes. I'm just saying. I'm trying to say that we probably shouldn't be clamoring for these classic games. Yeah, and using Rare as an example, because they don't want to make a new Banjo-Kazooie or a new Conqueror. They want to continue to, with their new IPs. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying that let's not, let's not, because um, a lot of people on Twitter were trying to raise the flags, like, we're going to get new Crash. We're going to get new all these old franchises again. We might not. As much as we would, as much as us fans want to, as much as we go on Twitter and try to rally the troops to bring, to like hashtag bring back Spyro, we may not get that because they want to make something else. The as much as I would like to, as much as I would love to see new games, as much as I would love to see these classic characters come back, it's still up to the developers and the companies themselves to make them. So very good point. Microsoft is now the third biggest like video game company on the planet. They have thousands of mm -hmm. people working for them. There are plenty of other developers, not the ones who originally made those games. You can get to make those games if they want to. Right. They are the, they, 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 they can make their own, they can do it themselves in-house. Yeah. Key phrase though, if they want to. Yeah. But real quickly, Ben, real quick. Spikes, you were gonna say something before Ben's. Ben, did you, did you remember what it was? I was just going to say that uh, I think the difference is that Activision Blizzard is more likely to do it regardless of if their contract is something like Rare's where apparently they can have the no or if it's going to be Microsoft's decision on the yes, whether they get to say like, okay, you make it. And if Activision Blizzard says no, then they're like, fine, then someone else makes it. Um, I think that the difference is that Activision Blizzard has more high profile multi like million billion dollar uh franchise figures than what you're comparing to with rare where it's like banjo kazooie like yes banjo kazooie's cool that's not breaking the nobody bank. cares about banjo um and and that's that's where the dollar sign difference that's probably why they're allowed allowing the no where it's like you know it, it doesn't really matter uh but microsoft will care about things mm -hmm. that are worth more money so they'll probably be, be enforcing more of a stand of well if we want it we're doing it um right. I think what is more interesting, and I don't really want to get like too big into a thing about it. It's just I, I, I think everybody's interested in like what what this will do with Game Pass over time, uh, because Game yeah. Pass itself is kind of such an experimental territory. And how how is this the thing that's going to balloon it beyond what it's capable of? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we'll see. And all these it, titles will be going to Game Pass. Uh, yeah. they can't all go to Game Pass because some of them are PC exclusive. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm going to be curious how how that works out. Um, I'm very curious at what they're going to do with Warcraft. Because if they can get Warcraft on the consoles, because that is a PC, like it's hard to do with a controller. Well, because they'll go to the PC copy of Game Pass. No, but I mean, it's like you still like, do you need controller support to do that stuff? And like, there is no WoW controller support as far as, far mm. as I'm concerned. Because you need 40 buttons to play, to play uh, MMOs. Uh, mm. But if they can get WoW on the Xbox, uh, that will change that will change the world. That would be yeah, crazy. Chatter in the chat. So Amy's saying, uh, Microsoft bought Minecraft. And I was pleased with what happened. They bought Bethesda, which I'm hoping has generated more income slash manpower for that studio to create new Elder Scrolls faster. People love um, 
Mag was saying something about buying the original copies. I want to say probably when we were talking about like how um, classic games are, or they may or may not be coming back those classic games again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you can you can mag if you can find them and they're within your budget. And Amy again says COD is basically just a cookie cutter cash cow these days, right? No matter who owns it. So COD is such an interesting place because the newest Call of Duty Vanguard was the first one to have a camp have a a new campaign with like a diverse team behind it, like trying to do something. And this was the lowest selling Call of Duty that they've ever had. That being said, the oh. two highest selling games of 2021 were Call of Duty Vanguard and last year's Call of Duty Black Ops. Not a 2020 game, right? Um, Call of Duty Warzone, which is their Fortnite, makes $5 million a day. That is over a billion dollars a year that that one game makes that now is going to Microsoft. Uh, people are really scared that Call of Duty is going to go ex- to Xbox exclusive. They're not going to do that. They're not going to. Uh, Microsoft is a much smarter company about that. Of like, They're going to put it out to as many people as they want. Microsoft didn't become exclusive, right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to take away the games that are already out there. That's too silly. No, plus Phil Spencer uh, said earlier, he sent in a tweet saying that's not going to happen. Call of Duty. Yeah, he's not going to divide communities, which is smart. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, he wanted to put Game Pass on the Nintendo Switch, and Nintendo's like, yeah. go screw yourself, buddy. You kidding me? Like, that dude just wants to people to play games. Yeah. Um, and again, this is like the bigger ramifications of like of oligarchy and like monopoly and like yeah. They are now like they've doubled their profits in in one day. Like with with the merger of Activision Blizzard, they have doubled their video game profits in like in a day. Um, that's really scary. Uh, mm-hmm. But also well, like especially like we're we're barely we're barely that far out from the Bethesda purchase. And that was like that was eleven million dollars or eleven billion dollars, right? Pretty big. And like like yeah. and this one is a uh, Activision Blizzard was sixty eight point seven billion dollars. Don't be a coward, Brandon. Say it sixty nine. No, it's sixty eight point seven. That's what they said in the article. Uh, sixty nine. <laughs> Uh, like it's it, it's it's, I think that it would be scary regardless to me. I I don't know that I'm thrilled. Well, Phil Spencer's intentions been good, and Microsoft being yeah. pretty good hands to be in. I don't necessarily want Activision Blizzard under their umbrella. Uh, mm-hmm. I do think that that's maybe Microsoft getting too powerful. They I think, were. I think we are reaching yeah. like it. Either either this one shouldn't happen, or if it this does, is the last this one. is it. This is the end. Because honestly, um, like, there aren't, like, when you look at the landscape of, of who's left, there's no other, they're it. Activision Blizzard was the last big independent, independent billion dollar company. Um, so now it's just of like, this is a Hollywood situation where, like, you only have yeah. $200 million movies or $5 million indie, indie movies, right? Yeah. Like, now, the middle ground is very much non existent anymore. No, I saw, more, I, I thought, more aptly, this is Disney purchasing 20th Century Fox. Yeah. And this is, uh, this is that I think even bigger, frankly, yeah. and that's why it's like, ooh, ooh, don't know how I feel about this, but I especially am not thrilled with the timing of it. Yeah. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. that's the reason they can do it is because of what's been happening to Activision Blizzard. But I really wish that the employees were allowed to cultivate the new workspace that Bobby Kotick had to face the full ramifications and all the upper management who's responsible uh, mm-hmm. for what's been going on. That 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 was able to be followed through before this company. I wish this company was kind of in a lock uh, from being purchased while that was sorted out with the government case that's yeah. already being built against it, rather than this being able to transfer hands in the midst of it. It's a term tumultuous situation for the people who are there, the people who have been building a $400,000 and growing unionization fund. Yeah. Uh, it's rough. It's a, it's also unfortunate that the employees will likely not see any dime of the $68.7 billion. Oh yeah. God. Oh no, of course not. That's the thing that pisses me off. Okay. Sorry, Ben. I'm so sorry, but this is the thing that pisses me off. Who gets that money? 
right? Why isn't it distributed charge. across the com- uh, across the company? That's how it, it should work. Doesn't do a bank account because trickle down didn't work. Yeah. yeah. Now exactly. to try to be a little positive again. Uh, well, let me let ahead. me finish this point that I've been trying to get out for the past five minutes. Um, I, after um. After Activision Blizzard got bought, a bunch of other people were, were naming other video game companies that are still, air quotes, independent, like Sega, Konami, Capcom. And they're saying who's going to, and of course, the conversation came up with who's going to get bought next. I, when I first heard this news, it was, I can see the double-edged swords. Like, great, we might see an improvement in the workers. For the workers, we might see some, we might see some improvements all across the board. But at the same time, this is Microsoft owning a giant chunk of the video game industry and that scares me a little bit because then we because then maybe sony or maybe nintendo can go can like can like shiver a little bit and go oh shit who's left and then start gobbling up the others in the front and then we'll who knows what's gonna happen but this to be honest this does scare me a little bit because it's not good for one company to own this much of the video game industry mm-hmm even so, even if it's one like with good intentions, like like yeah, Spark said about Phil Spencer, and like he is a dude who really does care, but at the same time, like he is mm-hmm. a dude who's out there to make money for a company, and he's he's really really good at and un- it. And unfortunately, yeah. like no matter no matter how cool person I think Phil Spencer is, like uh, the the like fixing the worker situation and making sure it's like on point, being treated right, top notch, is gonna be like at least eleventh, twelfth priority. After the purchase, yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, one final thing uh, to try to be positive on: um, there are a lot of really terrific properties that Activision Blizzard own that they don't do anything with outside of like making uh, either games or 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 not making games in terms of like Overwatch and stuff. Like the thing that makes me excited is it's like when Mar- it's like when Disney bought Marvel and, and Star Wars. It's like we're about to get a Halo TV show. Microsoft is in the business of entertainment. They're not just video games anymore. They're about entertainment. This now opens the avenue of like, okay, we can get more Warcraft stuff. We can get StarCraft TV shows. We can get more comic books. Like all, all the properties that are just like, that were stuck in a bubble for some reason are now open. So like the chances of like an Overwatch animated show are, are much more believable than they were uh, oh, yeah. a week ago. Sure. And that makes that. me excited. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. All of those, like we can get a work. Like I, I think about Warcraft and I'm like, that movie deserves so much more. We Something can come of this. You know, if they decide to make a Warcraft animation animate uh, animated show based off the cinematics of those, because those I would I rewatch the the Wrath of the Lich King cinematic oh, yeah. quite a bit. That cin- oh that cinematic is just gorgeous. It makes me want to play Warcraft so damn bad. Uh, real quickly, Amy B is in the chat once again. He says, "I guess they could set their sights on Pokemon next. Nintendo will po- will likely buy Pokemon before that would ever happen." Yeah, that's definitely. I think, po- I think Pokemon's safe. That's yeah, scary. Nintendo, That's don't, scary. Yeah. Don't think Nintendo hasn't tried. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, Nintendo. Pokemon knows that they're fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that uh, I think I would be in the mic like, more thrilled about that in this moment if we weren't living in the shadow of like what's happening with the workers. Oh, I get it. Uh, yeah. And I think that's that's the thing that just makes this so tainted and gross and and hard hard to. Get optimistic, f- even mm-hmm. even like in spite of like not liking a company having this much power, and be like, yeah, but you know the cool stuff that can no, I get now. it. Like, I get it. it. That that's that's the the drag down bummer of it all. Uh, yeah. 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 Right. yeah. Yep. Seeing what they can do in the, in the next few years. I mean, if it convinces me to save up again an Xbox One, it convinces me to save up again an Xbox One. Good for them. It will be interesting to see what the reaction to this is uh, going forward, especially in tandem with uh, already the investigation. 
yeah. uh, with Activision Blizzard and the investigation that's happening over over the Facebook and Instagram purchase, which is a in a similar conversation level of what's happening here. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, fortunately, like video games have been brought to a greater like sense of a spotlight mm -hmm. on the market. So there is a worthwhile conversation to be had about is this is this too much? Is this too right. far? Oh, Dance okay. Dance was, yes. Yeah. We'll get mm -hmm. to something else in a bit. In a, in a bit. Um, but first, let's get to some comics. Comic books. I read those. IDW is in an interesting predicament. Let's just say that. Um, the end of 2022, we'll see them lose the G.I. Joe and Transformers license. Um, they will no longer have those licenses. However, they will continue to publish other Hasbro properties, such as My Little Pony. That's been like dead. Transformers has been IDW's bread and butter for years, hasn't it? Or Many, wrong? many, many years. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, the the rumor is that Robert Kirkman wants them. They're bringing them to Skybound. Um, yeah. So look for that potentially. Um, the other thing that IDW is having trouble with, and this is this is kind of like in the same thing. They're canceling trade paperbacks for for a lot of Transformers now because of the paper shortage. So they're not writing. A, they're not doing a lot of. Uh, they're not doing a lot of trade paperbacks anymore. They're being very. Uh, picky about it. I, for example, I had Transformers Beast Wars pre-ordered. They just canceled that. It does not exist on Diamond's website. It's gone. Did you get your money back at least? Well, no, I mean, I didn't put money down. It just oh, okay. it was on my pull list at the store, and it's just... Okay. It's all because of the paper shortage. They're having... They're struggling a lot more than, say, like Marvel or DC would. Gotcha. I guess it's... They're doing floppies, though, still. Yeah. I feel I I guess I I don't know numbers. I feel like like the trades would sell more than the floppies, but I guess not. Yeah, I don't I don't I also thought the same thing like, you know, just do the transition if you want to do that. We talked about a lot of people just doing that, but like I guess those floppies do very well. They're just going to run up the last year of Transformers and then it looks like it's just gone. I think it might just be because of straight up like literally the part of the shortage is that they have to keep putting the floppies on shelves. Yeah. They don't necessarily have to put the paperbacks on shelves right now. Yeah. yeah. Um so if you have to like if you have to deal with the shortage and what's more important to be paying for the printing of and, and what's more important to do right now, it's going to be getting the floppies on the shelves That's first. True. Yeah. Uh, Mag is in the chat. He says something, but if you want to pull it up, you got it. He um, says so because close for, oh. go ahead. So close for a crossover of TMNT and transformers. Yeah. Now that technically that has technically that has happened because both titles crossed over in the same X files event. Oh, so but the turtles know. fan didn't transform. Did, did the turtles fan transform in that one? No, and neither did Mulder and Scully's whatever vehicle they drive. They're Sebring. That's a wasted opportunity. Um, yeah, there's a big there was a big X Files crossover where all the like the Hasbro, all of IDW is like Ghostbusters, Transformers, Mutant Ninja Turtles, all crossover with X Files. It was wild. I love it. Um, yeah, I'm I'll be honest, I'm a little worried about IDW at this point. They're losing their biggest franchise. Mm -hmm. Um, and with all these, with the paper short is really hurting them more than anyone else. Like Marvel's canceled trade, like war of the bounty hunters is already out of print when that book just came out like last month. Um, you know, like people are struggling, but like IDW is like really struggling. Yeah. That's a bummer. Yeah. I wonder who's going to get transformers. I'm curious. Skybound. I mean, I guess it, does, it seems weird. I guess it does seem weird. It seems kind it does of seem weird. weird. Uh, I'd read it. I mean, sure. I mean, they're probably just gonna like the same the same Star style Wars. of books, just in a different you know different company. Different like, they'll yeah. be new and grittier. If it crossover with Invincible, I'd watch that. Read that. Oh my god! Like a broken j transformer jaw. 
Uh, there was supposed to be a Transformers <laughs> DC crossover that never happened. There's some art online if you want to look for it. The Sandman universe, Nightmare Country, is coming. James Tynan, the fourth, and Lissandro S. Theron uh, will do this book. This is a new title coming from the Sandman universe, um, which is part of the Black Label. Each issue will focus on a guest artist who will create a new nightmare dream sequence. That's the other part of like the artist thing. Um, the first issue is going to be drawn by Yannick Packett, as far as the, the thing. Now, this one is about the Corinthian, who is let loose on the world in order to capture another, more dangerous nightmare. Uh, a cat and mouse game ensues, one with a net of nightmares that, that catches not just dreams, but the people who dream them. So it's like a, like a nightmare net. He's got teeth in his eyeballs. Yeah, the art's really cool. Uh, I guess James Tynan's Substack exclusive contract is... Sure. Well, I think... <laughs> Is well, was it exclusive to make comics? Yeah, was it? Yeah, that's why he ended. That's why he was gonna end Joker and like all that. He was leaving DC, and then wonder, the last house on the left suspiciously got another issue. I wonder if it's like a loophole through Black Label, or like it's not technically DC, <laughs> or something. right? It's just, it's just creator owned, or maybe like it's just been in the works for so long that like it's finally coming out. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, or maybe he's like realized what he's done and. <laughs> More likely. Yeah. I, I was actually, when this came out, I was really confused. I was like, you know, I haven't heard of any of the Substack comics. I haven't, are any out? Well, yeah, they're out just digitally through Substack. I know, or but you, like, I've just not heard of them. Well, because you can't read them because they're exclusive to Substack. But I think he means like he's not hearing anybody talk about oh, them Oh, um, I, I think, yeah, I, I think they just come out like a page every couple days. So it's hard to talk about. I think it's kind of just like you read it through your email and you're like, well, that's, Cool, I guess. Well, for something that was supposed to revolutionize comics, ah, I was just put money Whoops. in pocket, baby. Uh, this this uh, this book will also introduce new characters, Mister Agony and Mister Ecstasy. Uh, and the initial storyline is intended to be a thematic sequel to the to the Doll's House, the second arc of the original Sandman comic. We will be reading that eventually. I bet. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, I'm, more, I'm glad Sandman's still going on. Like, I read like one of those books, and then I dropped them off because it was too many. Uh, and James Tynan is a really good horror writer. Fit right in. Yeah, it's cool that like, like he's he's like their big guy, and it's cool that he's like, yeah, I'll write you, Sandman. Like, cool. He's not. He's not. He isn't like done. Done. Which is yeah. Which is, yeah. Guys, that Flash movie's real. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, we, saw, we saw a trailer for it. Well, the Flash, the fastest man alive, is coming. It's going to be a three issue miniseries written by Kenny Porter with art by R Ricardo Lopez Ortiz, Juan Ferreira, and Jason Howard. This is going to be a prequel to the Flash movie, and we'll see Batman and the Flash team up to fight Girder. Uh, Girder, huh. my favorite Flash villain. <laughs> uh, I really don't care about that. <laughs> no, but I am glad they're doing it because this is something I wish that Marvel was doing with the MCU. Yeah, is making like comics that aren't like just the oh, what if we just like write three pages, but then also just like put some old, recap of a movie book. and then an old book in yeah. here and sell it as a trade and go Marvel tie-in. What <laughs> um, what if they actually told like a five issue story that was like, hey man, this is like what Steve was up to for like that year in between, yeah, uh, or whatever. The, I wish that was happening over there. So I'm glad that like this kind of thing is being embraced over at Warner Brothers again. Like I think this is just a nice way to keep expanding their film universe. Uh, I just don't give a shit about this story. Yeah, <laughs> is this the first time DC's done this, like a prequel to a movie comic? Yes. 
as far as I a know. A prequel to the DCEU, yes, but that yeah, was a prequel to I mean, Superman yeah. Returns. Like, no, like, yeah, like, we didn't get, like, a Wonder Woman or yes, an Aquaman this is the first comic. one for, like, the, the modern age of That's cool. Films. Yeah, again, like, I don't I don't care about it, but, like, it's cool that they are doing it. Yeah. Five issues instead of, like, a single issue. I that's, like, like, a whole-ass story. You're, like, telling a story, and that's what I want yeah. the MCU wants to be. Well, this one's three issues. Oh, I'm sorry, you said five earlier. I apologize, it's three. Okay. It's 40. That's still it's more 40 than one. 40-issue maxi event. That's still uh, more than one and still more than three pages. Yeah. Yep. Those Marvel really i have so many of those and i regret most of them the marvel yeah. previews you know, they, because they don't do enough yeah. they're just the the movie anyway girder uh earth prime the new you know, six what, they are, Brandon? You know what they are the comics that have come out for the mcu so far they're almost all uh just the uh marvel legends series on disney plus but it's comics oh no you're right i like the yeah. legends more yeah, because it makes more sense for that than yeah. stupid. Yeah. All right, Earth Prime is a new comic book coming out, a six-issue miniseries that is going to be set in the Arrowverse. Oh, <gasps> I heard Arrowverse. Each issue will follow a show, so like a different show, and then they'll cross over the six. So the five shows, and then the six as the crossover. Each issue is going to be written by members of the show's writing staff. So the first issue will be about Batwoman and will be written by the writing uh, writers, Natalie Abrams, Kelly Larson, and Camrys Johnson with art by Clayton Henry. And this book will see uh, Ryan Wilder, the Batwoman go up against a new version of Clayface. Hmm. That's cool. So the arrow versus Clayface. Um, okay. The wildest thing to me, Ryan Wilder is that, yeah, is that uh, the Batwoman story or this this six issue thing will also introduce a new love interest for um, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, Harry, the son of um, a the, bitch, the, the scientist guy for Bruce Wayne. Oh, uh, uh, Fox. Yeah, Fox's son. Oh, Luke, Luke, Luke. It's going to introduce a new love interest for Luke uh, that that is going to be in the show, but this is the introduction. And I'm like, that's weird. Okay. You're going to have to reintroduce her for the people. Who right. I'm like, eh, everybody watches the show. is going to read this. What are yeah. you doing? So the second issue will be a Superman and Lois, uh, written by Adam Mallinger, Jay, jo Jay Jameson. That's cute. And Andrew Wong with art by Tom Grummet and Norm Ratmund. This is going to see Clark and Lois trying to celebrate their first wedding anniversary, but, uh, Reporting and superhero heroics get in the way. Ooh, shenanigans. Hmm. Oh, also the origin of... Oh, also the origin of... It's a spoiler for season one. We've watched it. Mm -mm. Uh-oh. We didn't finish it. We almost finished it. Shit, Wait. don't say it. Oh, season one of Superman. Don't Lewis? say it. Don't say it. Don't I won't say it. it. I won't say it. it. That's what I was curious, because I was like, it's going to introduce... It's going to do something, but like, I don't know how far in season one you guys are. Oh, not even. Yeah. No, I don't care about you. You're never going to watch it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but he's right, Ben. <laughs> you should, yeah, but you're not. Good, but you're not. All right. Yeah, I'll probably... Be Lex Luthor. Ben, ben, by the time that you would watch it, you wouldn't remember what he said. That's true. true. You're, you're, you're probably true. Anyway. Yeah, you're probably uh, right. True. So yeah, it's, it's, it's an important origin for something that happened in the show. But anyway, uh, I think this is kind of cool, though. This is like what, you know, it's like the Crisis on Infinite Earths, but like comic. Yeah, yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. People were like, "This is gonna be the first 
comic set in this in the era of our I'm like, no, it's not. Look at all these hundreds of other comics. I got might, many. It might be the first good one though. Shit. Oh, did you I haven't read the John Barrowman one. Did you read that one? No. Oh wow. Uh Sterling Gates did a Supergirl one. That was all right. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh yeah. it it does seem like they're like, you know. Those live action crossovers are too expensive. I was gonna say, like, what if we just start making comics? Like, Clayface is a guy. You're like, oh, that's a real big budget episode. What if we put him in the comic? Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's why the 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 Christ of the Earth tie in is like we can't have the the Council of Lexes, so we'll just do it here. Makes sense. Um, all right. On the thirtieth anniversary of the death of Superman, the death of the Justice League will come. What? Justice League. Wow, it's been thirty years yeah. since death of Superman. Holy crap. Justice League number 75 will be written by Joshua Williamson with art by Rafa Sandoval and Alejandra Sanchez. It's going Wait, to seem... Huh. Have there been 74 Justice League issues I have not read? Yeah, Bendis' run. That's the, Was it like double shipping? Yeah. 75? That's like a bat. That's Tom Key's Batman run. Where's <laughs> the time gone? 75 issues? I've never read a Justice League. That's too many Justice League issues. Sorry. I, I just realized, wow, that's... That's so many Justice Leagues I've never read. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, I guess so. I don't remember if his That's run. That's a lot. That is a lot for him. That's he was only on it for like a year. No, it's because they were double shipping because I picked up uh, the the tie-in, the, the middle issues 50 and 51 were, were like a different tie-in issue. So oh. I think they were double shipping. Yeah. Oh, it's too many issues. Wow. Anyway. Yeah. Nobody was I reading it. Was Bendis on it from number one? He start. Yeah, he launched it and then he, he left it and then other people have done it. Yeah, that's what, no, no. He hasn't left it yet, though. This is this, no. This is his. This is good, not going. This is gonna be the first issue not written by him. What has Williamson been writing then? Justice League Incarnate. Yes, Justice League Incarnate. Okay, he was writing a Justice League book. Okay. Yeah, uh, he did Infinite Frontier and Justice League Incarnate. Um, I'm not just like a whole like period of like comics. I just have I have no idea oh, about. That. Williamson also did the Future State uh, two issues, which I thought were really good. There you go, Future State. Um, he was the only. Uh, no offense, Joel Jones, but he was the only person to write Wonder Girl in a way that I appreciated. No, I think everyone seems to agree with you on that one. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, nine members of the Justice League are going to die, including the main, the main ones. So Wonder Woman's dying again. Batman's not dying. Superman's probably dying. John Stewart and Martian Manhunter. Like John Stewart, but not Hal. That's smart. Yeah, mm. he's the only. I I saw. I was like, oh, I guess John is the only one who hasn't died at this point. <laughs> Sure, but why I, him? So, the, I, for some reason, like I, I, my brain's like this reminded me of five G of like all the heroes going away and the new heroes show taking their places, and I'm like, oh, I remember actually liking that idea. So, like, yeah. I, I, I'm initially like okay with this idea. Uh, if you're truly going to take them away for like a year and make it all brand a brand new Justice League, I'm cool with that. I'm always cool with with legacy diverse characters. I'm a hundred percent cool with that. Uh. Do I have to read the 74 issues before? To no, I don't it? think so. Because well, this I'll is going to be. So, like, yeah, that, I was, I have also felt the same way. Like, if this sticks, this is the most interesting thing you've done with the Justice League in many, many years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you make it, if you make it like, oh my God, it's a dream. Yeah. You make it like uh, John as Superman and yeah. maybe like, like Jessica or someone else as, as Green Lantern. Like, yeah, this is, if they do it right, it's the dream. I just don't necessarily know if I want. No offense to Joshua Williamson, but like him to be the guy to spearhead it again. In you know I mean? in fairness, like you know, watching, you know what I would I would appreciate it because of how screwed he got over Justice League Odyssey. Um, yeah. But like yeah. he, but like he 
really he did a really good job with the future state issue so if this is his excuse to get rid of the original justice league so he can do this future state justice league i'm into that those characters yeah. are cool he writes them well okay. i'm excited for that bendis yes. didn't come on until issue 59 the who wrote who, who, this, this is the run that started in 2018 with scott snyder this oh. is the justice league run this has not been double shipping oh. bendis came on on issue 59 it has not been that long Okay, so I, was I like, thought there's no way Bendis has written that's what I, yeah. of Justice. I was okay. I was confused I was confused I because I was confused because I also thought they relaunched it because I misremembered that Brian Hitch's run was not after Snyder's it was before right oh man so no this is all since Snyder's run in 2018 this is where he came Bendis came on on 59 yeah yeah this is yeah this is Snyder's run which was going in like doing the death metal tie-ins oh and everything god, if yes. you scroll all the way back it goes back to 2018 metalverse yeah oh yeah. my god those. they just did a big like oh yeah it's just yeah okay. so Bendis has only been on it for less than a year it doesn't feel like it he started yeah. March 16th last year it feels like it's been an eternity okay, I'm glad I cleared that up because I was like there's no way Bendis That's was I, was, I wasn't I wasn't sure I wasn't sure yeah. about it I'm glad you brought it up that seriously uh, did not feel right it's like how could he run 74 issues of Justice League already uh, what? What? I, no we read that Justice League put those out fast yeah I'm 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 interested in this and I really hope they do it well because I want to read a Justice League book and honestly I want to read a Joshua Williamson Justice League book so yeah yeah I I I I'm very interested in the fact that they're committing to like a new look of the DC universe for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And you know what? If they actually cancel, let's say half of the Batman books because the main character's dead, I'd be really into that. Yeah. We'll, but we'll see. They, uh, they'll probably cancel one. Um, yeah. Uh, my it's only thing about it is that I'm like, how come, how come, how come the Green Lantern that has to die is Jon Stewart? Because he's the only one who hasn't died. Why? Why is he the one we have to kill? No, I it makes no damn no, sense. Anyway, whatever. it's his turn. Outside of that, I also think it's very interesting. We're not killing the Flash, um, but uh, he's got an event coming up. He can't. Yeah, he has yeah. a movie so, coming yeah, out. He can't, he can't <laughs> die. Well, Barry is on the Justice League Incarnate, so he's not in the main DC universe. So I don't think it'll matter because Wally is the Flash of the main DC universe. Well, sure, but I'm just saying it's interesting that we're just we're not we're killing the Justice League, but we're not killing the Flash. Yeah, you think like everyone would be represented. Yeah, disproportionate murders. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I don't think killing Wonder Woman again a year after she just came back to life is a smart move. No, I re I read a whole comic where she was like lost in space. Like, I right, I know. That's the I also don't think it's so troubling when you've got a lot of Amazon characters that can fill fill the hole for the my, time being. Yeah, my hope me. was like, yeah, they kill they kill Wonder Woman to make Nubia like the 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 late the lady, but like could be. I mean, we don't know what'll happen. Yeah, let's hope. Yara Flora is the Wonder Woman of the future state, so. All right, moving to Marvel. Captain America is getting not one, but two new ongoing series. This is the juiciest, the best. Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson will both be Captain America in two new ongoing books that will spin out of Captain America number zero out in April. Um, that book is going to be written by Colin Kelly, Jackson Lansing, and Tochi Onyabuchi. With art by Mattia de Iulis? I'm sorry. Um, and, and so that it's they're talking about it like it's a conversation between the two Captain Americas, talking about like why there needs to be two Captain Americas. I love it. This is That's this is I'm super excited for this direction. So Captain America, Symbol of Truth is going to be Sam's book, The Falcon. Mm -hmm. uh, not Captain America. Um, this is gonna be written by Tochi Onibuchi with art by RB Silva. Oh, 
Um, it's also going to feature Joaquin Torres as Falcon. He was the second Falcon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be so Sam is the public facing Captain America, and he's going to like look into like foreign policy, the truth into like what's behind some foreign policy. Um, and then we'll also see what it means for the world to accept a black Captain America. It's gonna be out of okay. And Captain America Sentinel of Liberty will be written by Colin Kelly with art by Carmen Con- Carnero. This is gonna be Steve's. Um, and he's not going to be a lot of Captain America. Mostly he's going to be Steve Rogers. He's like reconnecting with the Steve Rogers behind the scenes, Captain America. Um, and we'll look at how America has changed and what it means for Steve to be from the greatest generation. Uh, I love it. This is so awesome. Uh, so the, the Steve Rogers writing team is the team who worked on Kang and Kang is an awesome book. Yeah. Um, so I love to see that. And RB Silva, uh, uh, a God. Uh, Carmen Canero, who is who has done like 30 issues of the Miles Morales Spider-Man book. I was literally on Twitter like this week saying, like, I love Carmen's work. I can't wait. Like, I like I like Miles Morales, but I can't wait to see what she does next. And this was what she's doing next, Captain America. Um, Stoked. This is such a awesome, awesome team for both. Uh Sam Wilson being written by a black man, which is just fantastic. It's crazy because uh Ta-Nehisi Coates was writing Captain America, but it was back when Steve was Captain America. So we didn't get to have a black man write black Captain America. Now we actually get that. I think I'm so excited to read Captain America again. I'm going to get two books. Love it. Yeah, yeah. that's cool that they that they were just like, no, they're both going to be Captain America. Yeah. I really like it, Sam's new shield, too. It looks awesome. And and the thing is, like, Sam reverted back to the Falcon. Like, one of my book clubs, like, was th- this year was that that miniseries Falcon and, and uh, Winter Soldier. Uh, and it's really nice that it's like, no, like, Sam can be Captain America. We can have two Spider-Man, two Hawkeyes. Why can't we have two Captain Americas? Sometimes. Yeah, I think that's what they're going to, like, I think that's what Zero is about. Like, you know, we've got... Two people with the name Spider-Man, two people with the name Hawkeye. Let's, let's yeah. do this. All right, and then fi- finally on comic books, uh, Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood is coming. Honestly, I thought this was a was a parody. No. Of like, like Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood, and uh, Deadpool. I'm like, oh, this I is believe real. Carnage and Elektra also have Black, White, mm-hmm. and Blood books. Um, so this is going to be a new four-issue anthology in the same vein as those. Um, the first issue will have stories from Jonathan Hickman, and Chris Bacciolo, they're the first story. Mark Guggenheim is Jorge Fornes, the second story. And Morera Aodell and Dotan Aconda, the third story. So my, I have a question, and it's for, and I'm assuming Ryan's going to know this because I'm going to guess that he's read more Moon Knight than any one of us, or unless, Brandon, you have to. No, no I've, but, I've certainly, this is no, sorry. I mean, okay, so um, is is that panel that goes around the internet with Moon Knight going down? It's like, no. hey, where's my money, you effing nerd? It's fake? Okay, cool. Yeah. Double check. Every, every sure. funny Moon Knight panel you've seen is fake, unfortunately. That doesn't right, mean yeah. they can't be funny and true in your heart. I mean, I was just double checking and making sure because I when I first saw that, I'm like, oh, it's probably fake. And then I saw Ryan post, I was like, maybe it's not fake. So I just wanted to double check and make sure. That's I all go, I am in a I'm in a group who every month posts the same question. Is this real or fake? What Moon Knight issues this from? And I'm just like, uh. <laughs> okay, well, now you never have to ha- hear me ask that question again. The first issue we'll deal with will be Hickman's story. So the first story that Hickman will do is going to introduce a, a new Moon Knight from the near future. Future Moon Knight. Future so, state. Future. That's out in April. I will buy that 100%. I haven't... There's a lot of anthology books, but I, I did read uh, some of that Wolverine one, and it was real good. Just, you know, different artists doing different things of color. Beautiful stuff. Yeah, I really, I thought Batman Black and White was a really good idea, and uh, Marvel kind of took that into the next level, and I thought that was really cool. And then they're like, let's add blood. Yeah, it's good red. That, the red <laughs> with black and white looks very good. 
Mm-hmm. That's why there's Harley, Harley, red, white, and black. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm buying time because the next thing's four sparks. Where did he go? <laughs> he's gone forever. All right. Oh, he just said he's like done with the podcast. He's like, no, we're no, no, don't, oh. just, don't, don't, don't come back. Oh, sparks, how could you? How could you, sir? Well, I had to pee and get water. All right, Ardman Sparks. Yeah, Ardman. Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget was announced by Netflix. Well, we already knew this was happening, but this is like Netflix is releasing it. Mm-hmm. Um, Chicken Run is also going to have a uh, so it's it's like a sequel to the first Chicken Run. It's re- the kind of the big news was that it was replacing the core cast, the the three characters and the core cast, two characters to the core cast, and then cast the kid. Mm-hmm. I got there eventually. Zachary Levi is going to play Rocky, replacing Mel Gibson. Adrian. I'm okay with that. Uh, Thandiwe Newton Mm -hmm. uh, will play Ginger, replacing Julia Sawala, um, who is is throwing up a storm claiming uh, ageism was the cause. Mm. Um, And then Bella Ramsey um, will play Molly, the new character that's Rocky and Ginger's daughter. Yeah. And most of the new cat, most of the cast is, get, is new and old. I get Sawala being unhappy about it. I can also understand at her age, maybe not sounding the way she did almost 20 <laughs> years ago. Uh, that's that's rough. Um, Dandy yeah. cool casting, so um, but yeah, uh. I, I'm just I'm happy that Ardman's making stuff like this. I like the original Chicken Run, but uh, this is this is cool. This is cool that they're going back. I hope it's good. So now, fun fact, Sparks: Chicken Run is still the, still to to this day the most successful stop motion animated film in history. Wow, that's really stunning. to this day doesn't feel like it should be, but that's that's surprising. Chicken, yeah. I, mean, I like it, but I wouldn't put it that high. Um, Sam Fell, who directed Flushed Away and Paranorman, will direct this <laughs> film uh, from a script from Carrie Kirkpatrick, who wrote the first film, uh, John O'Farrell and Rachel Tunnard joining nice. them. Uh, Peter Lord and Nick Park wrote the first film. Um, yeah, okay. Wallace and Gromit. Is the were-rabbit back? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Um, <laughs> Ardman has announced that a new Wallace and Gromit film is coming to their, ster- to their service as part of an overall deal with Ardman that they've made. It's about time. It's the first film in 14 years. Yeah, I miss Wallace and Gromit. That's insane. I did not know it was, this, it was that long ago. Mm-hmm. I had three Wallace and Gromit videotapes growing up, and I loved all three of them. They were so uh, good. Nick Park and Merlin Crossingham are going to direct the film. Which will be written by Mark Burton, who wrote Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were Rabbit, and Shaun of the Sheep. Shaun of the Sheep's very good. Yeah. Um, was there a Wallace and Gromit TV show? No. What you're thinking of is that there was never a TV show, but there were like a set of shorts. Oh, that's yeah. You're right. That's what they're like thinking. fifteen to twenty minutes. I saw those more than I saw the movies. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Uh, oh. So this is. Go ahead, Ben. Oh no, uh, Mag was in chat about Wallace and Gromit. The voice, the uh, voiceover artist for uh, Wallace passed away. That's true. Um, this is going to see Gromit growing concerned that Wallace is too dependent on his inventions, and it spirals from there um, as he makes a smart gnome. 
So I like it. Uh, all right. If you'll indulge me in some Star Trek news real quick. Sure. There was a big, there was a big like news dump that CBS did um, uh, for, for Star Trek. Uh, they released uh, a lot of the premiere dates for their upcoming shows. So for example, Star Trek Picard season two will air on March 3rd, which will coincide with the last three episodes of discovery. So three episodes of Picard and discovery will air on the same day. Whoa. It's so much Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds will air on May 5th, which will be the same day that the last episode of Picard airs. Uh, and Star Trek Strange New Worlds was renewed for a second season, which we had not known previously, and I'm very excited. I hope that show is good. Um, Star Trek Lower Decks has been renewed for a fourth season. Yay. And Star Trek... Yeah, I'm very excited. And Star Trek Discovery has been renewed for a fifth season. Okay. Good job, Sarah. Um, I need to watch Lower Decks season two and... and- yeah, season two, that's the one that just came out. You should, because it's good. Season three is going to launch in uh, the summer, and uh, uh, Prodigy will take another hiatus in a couple more episodes. So, Prodigy's okay. Okay. I mean, uh, Lower Decks is my favorite Star Trek thing in a long time. That's, so. that's a lot of Star Trek, though. <laughs> but that's good, though. We're getting more Star Trek. Isn't that awesome? I mean, we'll see. Says Ben, who's watching one. <laughs> I'm watching I'm all ha- of them, and I think that they vary in quality it's way too often for my liking. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, but I remember Lower Dex is here's, here's the thing. Lower Dex is freaking fantastic. Mm-hmm. No one else hits it. All right, but I do um, remember a time when we weren't getting any Star Trek. Even though yeah, I'm, me too. I would like. I'm glad we're in this era of Star Trek. I like these shows. I just. I'm curious how long a franchise can sustain itself on perfectly okay TV shows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. What did you say? We got a problem. Yeah. Because, okay. So Ryan's putting his his green screen glove, and it must have gotten oh, no. out of nose ring. <laughs> Ryan, for a split second, it looked like you were your you had post nasal drip, but it was post nasal matrix. Oh yeah, I was I was dripping yeah, the matrix. Now, now your nose rings like a hook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, I send the thoughts. You know, I I love Lower Decks. I'm excited for these shows. Um, it's a lot of Star Trek. I'm, it I'm is. Blown I mean, literally years ago we were like, "Where's the Star Trek?" And now you're a, a, it's abundant. Hopefully, it gets better. Okay, Star Trek Picard season two. We're in trailers now. Had a trailer. I'm assuming you guys didn't watch this one. You're right. So that's fine. Um, I really liked it. I just want to look at a little bit about it. I thought it was really fun. Um, I'm, I got really excited because of one element, but I do want to talk about, I think Whoopi Goldberg uh, coming back as Guinan. We got to see that for the first time. Uh, that was awesome. Um, they're going to the, to, to the year 2024. Sure. Okay. Um, I still like these characters a little bit, but they time travel by, by slingshotting them around the sun and I got so excited because that is my favorite Star Trek time travel. It's so dumb. You hit warp speed, slingshot around the sun, and when you come out the other end, you're in a different time period. I'm like, sure. Just like that? Just like that. And so like when I saw that, when in the first trailer, it's like, oh, we use the Borg Queen, and we plug it in, and we go back in time. Yay. But like it's the, the doing the slingshot. I'm like, they're doing the slingshot. <laughs> it's very excited. I'm glad. Actually, I lied. I did see that. I did see parts of this trailer. It, they aired this trailer while I was watching the Bills Chiefs game on Paramount Plus today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Slingshot around the sun, baby. 
right. Um, Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga. Had a gameplay trailer. It did. Here's everything that's going to be in the game. Um, I'm. I also thought this would be a good place to put out. This was only released because of that article that Polygon was putting out, which was uh, about the workplace uh, scenario that this game has caused over at TC. I hope you guys are excited for all that content. There's so much content that they're overworking their employees. Hell yeah. Yeah. I was very excited for this game uh, prior to that because I was like, oh, they're building a new a new engine for it. It's going to be a different Lego game. And to their credit, it does look like a different Lego game. No, um, but like that was, oh, man. I'm well, not happy about that. You find out that like, what they wanted was to work with the Unreal Engine, which they could have. And then they were told, no, you can't. You need to work on this new engine we're designing that will take 10 times as long. Yeah. And then they're confused why it's taking longer to make the game come out. It's crazy. Yeah. And so uh, crunching them to, to, to reach this April release date, I, I promise you people are going to buy a Star Wars game whenever it comes out. Uh, I think it's even, already been like three years. Right? I think like, even more upsetting is like them discussing. I mean, the crunch is the most upsetting part. Uh, putting their employees through this, they just shouldn't be. Um, but uh, I think the worst part is a, another bad part is uh, the fact that they're wanting to push for like advancements of the ideas of what fans want, which is things like online play and all that. And they're mm -hmm. like, no, instead work on this other thing uh, because we want you to. Uh, no, scrap that. Never mind. Change it to this other thing. And like the fact that that was deal detailed so many times in the workforce just really is like awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just awful. Uh, and that like, it's cool that the game will be out. Like, yay. Um, I, I certainly think it looks cool. Uh, it's unfortunate, like the pressure that's been put on the comp the team because yeah. of it. Uh, that that like crunch was designed into the build of this game, and then it got even worse. Um, I I hope that the final product like pays off for all that because uh, they're they're clearly putting in their hard work for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I I'm disappointed to know that like the team would have been happier and that there was probably a superior version of the game where they got to do a lot of the things they wanted to do with it if they'd just been allowed to use the freaking unreal engine and this crunch might not have happened yeah yep. it's awful um there was also like before like they wanted to use their original engine like the idea like of just being like let you know the original engine like took two weeks you're not gonna let us do what we want anyway so let's just do the original thing and they're like no you gotta make this new thing yeah and i understand like you know like like wanting to do change like wanting to be like you know like we want to use like innovative. the newest thing innovative yeah but like don't be surprised that when this happens when you do that like right and be willing to like push your game back as much as you need to rather than making your employees have to scramble to meet the, the fact that like they're still crunching and i'm like you've delayed it this far just delay it there's like the meme going around where it's like coming out just, 2020 coming out just, 2021 coming out 2022 yeah, like you, you just didn't have to you didn't have to announce the release date now you could have just said you know like here's what's up and we're delaying further so we're not putting and with this crunch. this big six minute trailer that shows you everything you're gonna do in the game like they can't delay it now yeah, yeah. marketing push if they delay it now they're fools which they should do but they're I, not gonna do that because they have stocks to me you know what's sad i I find it more respectful than when a video game producer comes out and straight up says, "Is like, look, we shit went south and we need to fix this. It's going to be delayed." I Hell find that more way. respectful and more understanding than I would from like, it's like, here's this, and then a, an article comes out by Polygon's like, "Yo, Crunch is bad over at at uh, TT." And well, I'm like, but they they the thing that like is gross about 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 this for me is that they released this trailer because they knew this Polygon article was coming, yeah, and they wanted yeah. to bury it. 
yeah, they want to try and direct your attention to like, look how pretty the game looks to like, yo, you're like making our employees cry on their breaks. This is not good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, it's, it's a hard situation because, uh, if like on Twitter, devs, devs will tell you different things. They're like, listen, I'm putting all of this effort into this game. I want you to buy it. Don't, right, yes. don't boycott it. But at the yeah, other yeah. time, it's like you are supporting that industry when you do buy it. So it is, it is yeah. a hard thing to deal with. They're like, yeah. they're like, I put in all this work. Like, I want you to play this yeah. game. Yeah. Um, it's just, I think the important thing is to just also raise your voice for like, yeah, I'll buy this because I want to support the artist, but like also be like, I don't want, I'm, I'm against crunch culture and like I want you guys to do better. In the That's what 343 did, right? Right. You know, 343 was like, this game is not working. We're going to push it back until it is. And uh, yeah. union, unionization, rally yeah, for union. unionization, support like, everyone who wants to unionize. Let's do yeah. it. I think I mentioned it earlier, but the producer for Final Fantasy 16 came out and said, hey, we were looking forward to show something to you guys, but we can't. We're going to have to wait a little while because the pandemic got worse in Japan and they had to migrate all their workers to at-home jobs. And they're trying to not incorporate crunch for 16. Yeah. It added like six months of extra development onto their thing, yeah. but because they don't want to, because of COVID and they don't want to crunch. I'm like, that's mm -hmm. not a big deal to us. Yeah. We, oh, we no, I am like, the second that I actually tweeted at the producer and at Square Enix, I'm like, take your time. I'm fine with waiting. Just don't do crunch. Just make it shiny and, and good. If you need time, take it. I can wait. I have a so, crap ton so of backlog games. I'm so glad that you are feeling that way, Ben, after the uh, the Sony uh, release of trailers where you were really, really mad that Final Fantasy wasn't there. So I'm, I'm really glad that you come to be like, no, I get it. Like, take your time. <laughs> I don't ben, think I remember... Ben, remember, he has listened to every single episode. I know, I know, but I don't remember being that mad there wasn't any Final Fantasy stuff. I was ben, mad that Pixel Remaster wasn't coming to console. That's what I was mad about. Ben, you couldn't stop complaining about how much of a shit show you thought that whole Sony presser was. <laughs> All right. <But> it's okay. <laughs> Listen, like this, uh, the, the, this is the first Lego game in a really long time to really like make me excited to play it because like yeah. it does it does look like it a, looks really cool. It looks like a new like behind the shoulders like cinematic fun stuff. Um, Outside of them being Legos, like you, you are just like full blown exploring the worlds of Star Wars. Yeah. That's really cool. It is. Hey, yeah, we get the we get the mumble voice back if you want it, which I thought was kind of cool. That uh, is, yeah. People are really divided on if Lego should talk or not, and it's cool that they're giving you the choice. That's yeah, really, that's really mm -hmm. silly. I, I like the, I like the, the. Burr, 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 burr. Yeah, I, I'm fine with them talking. I don't, I don't mind. I think it's. Okay. I don't mind either way. I, I did like the original, the original ones, but they, but I don't mind the talking. Um, I also we got a glimpse of some of the new characters. You get to play as Jabba for I think the first time in this oh, in the Lego franchise. <laughs> I still hope we get my favorite Lego figure that from Lego Star Wars, the original trilogy, uh, Ghost Obi Wan. Oh, just yeah. hope we get that oh, one. Yeah. The galaxy exploration looks really cool. The yeah. way you just yeah. like, oh, I'm gonna go here. Okay, here I go. Boop. Yeah. Here I go. Boop. <laughs> I really like, like like the perfect like the perfect like Lego game. Like okay, you pick your saga. You can do whatever you want in there. Once you're done with it, you can go into it with other characters to unlock more things. And yeah. It's like yeah, that's that's the loop. That's the dream. That's the dream. Yeah. Here I go. Boop. <laughs> Severance. Oh, yeah, this, looks so good. this is the Apple one. Yeah. yeah what, what What do they do? What is their jobs? Like, I'm curious. Um, that... I'm glad that I is... put this one in. I, was, I wasn't sure. No, yeah. No, no, no. Good. This was a this is a good this is a good one, but that is definitely a weird concept where your memories erase no matter depending on where you are. You're at work, your your personal memories are gone. And then when you're at home, your work memories get are gone. And that's just like that's weird because separation do... between like work and play. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, mm, 
mm, it's just it raises questions and like i don't know how i feel about that well i mean don't, up- hold on ben how you should feel about it is not good because the point is it's not a good thing to do let's yeah. not let's not accidentally endorse severing people's minds from their work oh, and play no. lives oh god um, no, that sucks that's I, love, I love adam scott and that guy is normally like a comedic guy so it's really mm-hmm. cool to see him play like 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 a like a dramatic almost like sinister role where like his emotions are always underplayed um yeah I, the premise itself is super fascinating like i wonder if the hook will be good enough to like you know like whatever the reveal is like is it going to be big enough to like like support the whole show yeah uh, but like yeah. it looks it looks really nice honestly mm-hmm. i i they had me pretty deep with the concept. I was just like, man, this mm-hmm. looks really good. I yeah. love the concept, all that kind in of stuff. In the elevator, they're like, they're just like, yeah. But then, uh, but then there's one shot of like John Turturro and Christopher Walken in a garden. Oh, like, and they're like, like, mm-hmm. like this against oh, yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. I need to watch this now. Let's go out with these old men. Not only that, the, the name that came up that really surprised me was it's from Ben Stiller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like, what? That was weird. I saw, yeah. Do you remember the last time uh, I think we ever saw John Turturro and Christopher Walken together on screen? It's the, that movie that we watched, the weird musical with James Gandolfini. Oh, Romance and Cigarettes. That he directed, yep. and there's one shot where Christopher Walken's doing the dance in the street, but John Turturro's also doing it in the yeah. background. <laughs> I have, it's one of the four DVDs I own. Hell yeah. Our flag means death. <laughs> this looks funny. Yeah, this looks great. So this, this is, is uh, partially based off the true story. Remember, I went through my pirate phase and my Viking phase during the pandemic. Uh, uh, this is based off the true story of, of, I forget his real name, but his name is like is Steed. Uh, and he was a rich nobleman who, he was just rich and hated his life. So he just left his kids and his wife to become a pirate. Uh, and he's like, I'm not going to be an evil pirate. I'm going to be a prim and proper pirate. So he's just always looking fly and being nice to people. But in the line of pirate work, that's not really... It's not really like the thing. So he clashes with other pirates. Taika Waititi might be playing Blackbeard in it. He is, sure. he is. He is playing Blackbeard. He is playing Blackbeard, which is going to be great. Because like he and him, an actual Blackbeard, had a real life, like fun uh, back and forth throughout history. Um, so I'm, I just love pirate stuff. And this was like a, a Taika Waititi co- pirate comedy show. And I'm like, that's, that's all I want. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm very excited for this. I love I love the cast so much. Um, it is interesting that when you hear like Blackbeard, you, he's such a mythical figure in like pop culture that he almost feels like he's he's not a real historical figure. Yeah, he's like no one that badass could truly exist. Yeah, like no, he, he was just a psychopath. Yeah, <laughs> it translates cinematically. Yeah, Ian McShane. All right. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Cuphead show. Yes. <laughs> Oh, I am so excited for this show. This looks so good. That looks like that. that looks like that cartoon, baby. Like I don't. It looks like that not, game. Or yeah, the, the game. Um, I'm curious if it can sustain a plot. I, I'm curious about that too. Yeah. That's the only thing I'm worried about. I was hoping um, that. Okay, so when I first heard that they were making a Cuphead show, I was hoping it was going to be like an anthology show, kind of like Looney Tunes, where it's every episode is a different. It's like different hijinks, different characters doing crazy things. The fact that they're doing like an actual story, I'm int- I'm curious, but I'm I'm all for, I'm all in. I I loved that game. I love the animation. One of my big draws is that Wayne Brady is playing King Dice. Mm-hmm. I am all in the, on the Cuphead show, and it this animation looks so crisp and fluid, and I'm I'm all for it. I I can't say anything enough about. It. I can't say. Anything else? I'm just I can't. I'm excited. I cannot wait to watch this. I really like it. I do want to see it. Um, I, I 
minorly don't like that there are frames and pieces where parts of the animation or the entire animation as a whole is no longer consistent with the tone of like the 1920s stuff. There are pieces where like it's clearly got the sheen of what newer mm-hmm. animation looks like and they were either compensating because of budget or something and like that that it's a little bit of a bummer that's not consistently all of the same tone. Uh, but otherwise like I'm still still really happy for it and mm-hmm. happy to have it. But like uh, it is a bummer when that does come up. Um, there's a couple of flash moments. There's like the way that the fire reflects off uh, the, the devil is like a, it's a clearly like a shinier new thing rather than an interpretation as it would look in the older uh, style. Um, same where there's the shot where he turns into like a big tentacle thing and the whole thing just doesn't look like old school mm-hmm. animation. Um, yeah. But that's all right. I can take it. All right. Moon Knight. Find the the first trailer for Moon Knight. Oh, it's me, Steven. Did oh, you see Steven. the Did you see the Ethan Hawke uh, Oscar Oscar Isaac watch through of that trailer? Yes, they're they're very, they're very cute. He, and and Oscar Isaac started uh, uh, making fun of his own voice. <laughs> uh it's 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 a choice. It's very interesting that they decided to go that like Cockney. Up, up a version of it. Um, uh, if I if I didn't know anything about Moon Knight, I think this trailer rules. And if I know a lot about Moon Knight, I still think it rules. Um, the, the thing that I think we I don't know if you all saw the leak of what the suit looked like previously. Like this, mm-hmm. like the suit the the suit leaked, and I was like, I don't like it. Don't like it. Um, now that I'm seeing it, and you know we're dealing with actually like Egyptian mythology and stuff, like it doesn't make sense for him to be in a pure white suit, really. So him being like mummified like a mummy really works for me now that i'm seeing it um and he can always evolve into that classic costume right uh this is like this is the show this again this and she hulk where i'm like oh man this show looks good it doesn't look like another marvel thing so like if it's a if it's bad i'm gonna be real bummed out. that's the thing that's the thing i connected to with this trailer um i do like moon knight i i actually really like moon knight i'm trying to read more of him um but he but what surprised me about the show was how dark and spooky it looked and i was like oh this isn't like even the trailers for the other marvel shows are you know they feel like marvel maybe not one division but like they feel like uh, marvel shows but then this was like oh this actually feels like it's something different and if you actually deliver on that something different i'm so in the only the only thing that 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 i felt like this way about like the way it looks is the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Vanish trailer. Sure. Because, like, really, this is the first time we're getting, like, actual, like, supernatural horror, like... Khonshu like, looked awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So cool. Big, big walk and stick monster? Yeah, yeah. I love I love Khonshu's design and the, the way they, like, visualize him as, like, this hallucination in the hallway, like, towering over everything. So cool. Yeah. Um, and Werewolf by Night, most likely. <laughs> no, everyone thinks that's a werewolf. If, like, if you guys look, that looks more like an Anubis monster. Like, he's yeah. got, like, the Anubis snout and ears. Like, he's fighting, like, probably, like, an Anubis-looking mummy monster. Both dogs, so I can see the, I can see oh, the oh, confusion. I just don't think they're going to go straight werewolf by night, like, immediately. Like, they're dealing yeah, with, fair. like, Egyptian culture stuff. So I think they're dealing with that. For, like, they're they're all friends. They're all homies. Yeah, I, I'm very much looking forward to it. I hope it's good. Yeah. Sparks, you did you have anything? any, did you say anything? I have nothing to add that you yeah. haven't said. All right. Should we get into our topic, then? Nope. Hold on. Oh, I'll wait. I'm waiting. Hold on. I'm waiting. Definitely not stalling. Well, I'm do it after he did the thing. Oh no! I'm slowly getting ready. That's gonna be so good in the audio. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Sparks and Ryan are now for the audio listeners are now wearing sunglasses. 
they and are Ryan is playing his Ryan's playing his prescription glasses under his sunglasses so he can well, see. I can't see without him. Sorry. I mean, I could put uh, there's no UV light around, so I can't because I I wear transitional, so I can't have sunglasses right now. Oh, it's dark. So we are going to be talking about the Matrix Reloaded and the Matrix Revolutions. Um, who wants to keep the ball rolling? Well, well, let's do what we did last time. Um, I took my wrong glasses off because we kind of slightly <laughs> talked about Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions last time, but yeah, let's go for no, it. No, a little bit, but like, um, I remember when I saw these movies in theaters when I was young and I did not like Reloaded and I actively did not like Revolutions except for the cool mech fight. That, that mech fight stayed with me my entire life. Even me, too. Um, me too. And then rewatching them many years later, I think both these movies rule. I think Revolutions is awesome. <laughs> so cool. The best Dragon Ball Z movie we will never get. Um, and it's just really cool to be like, wow, like it's cool to see who I was then and who I am now and like what I value in cinema and like what I miss then. And I'm like, it's it's like, all, I think a lot of great genre movies like 20 years is the barrier of like, oh, like that's when it gets revisited and people love it. Like things like Blade Runner and the thing, like those movies, did, people did not like those movies when they came out. And now those are classics. And I'm like, these movies are classic. They are some of, if not the best action movies ever made. Like truly. Uh, uh, I love them. Uh, I really loved these movies. The moment I came out of the theater, I was like, hell yes. And everyone, person and everyone was like, hell no. And then eventually I just convinced myself to be like, well, I guess I was wrong. Um, and I just never rewatched them. Um, I, for a long time before I, before I like purged my life of the matrix, uh, thought considered revolutions, my favorite of the trilogy. And, uh, then I was told that like, you know, they aren't good. They are bad actually. And I was like, Oh, all right, whatever. Matrix is a great movie. Um, now Re reloaded is my favorite in the trilogy. <laughs> um, I love these movies. I thought they were, I thought they were excellent. I'm so happy. I revisited them. Uh, hell yeah. Matrix guys. So I was kind of indifferent. Now, bear in mind when I saw when I finally did see the Matrix, like we were all super young. But when I got out of Reloaded and Revolutions, I thought these were some kick-ass action movies that were just that were just completely bonkers and out of this world. And Reloaded was the one Matrix movie that I actually seen more than I've seen multiple times because we bought the we had the DVD for the first one and Reloaded. But I was constantly watching Reloaded on DVD. I was constantly watching it on Stars when it was available. I loved Reloaded so much, and to this day, I still think Reloaded is really kick ass. I, a lot of my favorite lines came from Reloaded, like when Link goes, he's doing his Superman thing, and Link and uh, Neo, Link and Neo flies up for the first time. Just these second movies are fun. Or yeah, because we, we see it in the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Second time, excuse me. Th th these movies are fun they're they're great and i i'm actually the way i watched them this time i watched them back to back and i'm really glad i did i i was like man these movies are great i don't remember i don't know why people started i don't even know why people started hating on them. i don't know if i ever did or didn't i probably did just to try to be one of the cool kids but now i was like nah reloaded and revolutions are all, all rad they're kick-ass they're like, so uh, much like, fun like kill bill like these movies were made to be like one movie it's like yeah. they're one movie yes yeah sparks uh I saw neither of these in theaters. Hell yeah. I saw Reloaded at some point that I couldn't even recall or tell you about. I saw Revolutions because a friend told me to. Um, and what a sheep. Yeah. Um, and I thought they were fine. Yeah. Uh, 
some some things from Reload stayed with me. I didn't think they were overly offensive. I did not like the ending of Revolutions. And not because of like I didn't like what the ending meant or anything. It never it never sat okay with me that Neo and Trinity both died at the end. Emotionally, like that always bothered me, even if I didn't necessarily understand why at the time. Mm -hmm. Um probably one of the specific reasons why next week I'll talk about how much I love resurrections. Um, but uh, that, that never worked for me. Um, I didn't have a problem with like the, the ending of like what it meant, why Neo did what he did, that kind of thing. But I didn't like that. That's where they were left. Um, we'll kind of get, we'll kind of get into it. And certainly like still some of the things that we talked about last week are like, where like, I didn't catch everything. Like I definitely like the first time. I think this is true of everybody. I don't know anybody that said they watched reloaded and like the architect scene didn't like half of it go over their head. Oh, I, saw, like, yeah. I on Twitter, I was like, I very much remember like not knowing anything about code or programming. And like, I was like 11 going, Oh, blah, 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 what's going on? It's, all, it's all so, it's so ridiculously overwritten. All I saw when I was watching that movie was a dude in a chair, an old white dude in a chair, speaking nonsense. He said to me, he sounded like, "Oh, this is what my college professor is going to look like when I grow up." And I wasn't wrong in some aspects, but he was just so monotone and so like, "Well, actually, blah 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 blah." This accent, and then vis-a-vis like, ergo, yeah, <laughs> using all these words. Like I watched that part with subtitles on, and I'm so glad I did because I'm like, "Holy he, crap!" I none of this would have caught. He is a professor of computer engineering giving a lecture on uh, philosophy 101. Yeah. And like, <laughs> it's, it's hard to totally engage with that the first I mean, time. The actor, now, the actor does a great job. I really yeah, like yeah. that. The actor is a good, a good actor, but damn. <laughs> you know, like, the, the, the concept, because of the way it's delivered, is too dense. It's like, because a lot. Again, I think I think it's Whiplash is what a lot of people felt watching Reloaded after the Matrix because they're not the same type of movie. No. Uh, they're they're the they are the action movies that they were. Yes, but they are dealing with in a way they they are also doing like the prequel stuff of you know like like crazy world building. Everyone's in cloth. Like it very much is like they're doing the prequel and the sequel stuff at the same time. So I think it was just a lot for people think, to handle or think, to take in. I think every time that people have seen the matrix, so like there's the matrix and it's a really, really attractive onion mm -hmm. and everybody loves that onion. And then you go to reloaded and they've peeled a layer of that onion away. And they're like, do you still love this onion? And then, some and then people it's leave. revolutions. And it's and like, do you still love this onion? Yeah. And then it's like, you get to the core with resurrections. It's like, do you still love this onion? The pit. <laughs> this is the pit. Yeah, just, the uh, answer is yes. And I think that's that's part of it. Um, I will say, like my my stance, like rewatched Reload Re and Revolutions a little while ago. Rewatched them again this week. Mm -hmm. um, I really like both of them a lot. Uh, I think that if I'm taking a big step away, if I'm looking at them as films, just individual films, I think Reloaded and Revolutions are both pretty darn flawed, not very good movies mm -hmm. individually. I do think they are very clearly one whole film. Uh, and I think that maybe part of the problem was like, I, I wouldn't really technically change much because I want all the content that's in those movies. But like the answer is to either release a four hour film yeah. or to really condense down some of your ideas and at least make a coherent uh, three act structure for both because there is no three act structure for yeah. both. There is there is a specific point uh, uh, that I'm sure we'll bring up uh, that I know th they bring up a waypoint about Smith. Yeah, um, I don't agree with it, but I do think that he is one of the big problems of it. Uh, yeah, I, I I think I know which one you're referring with to. Yeah, yeah, we'll get, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll 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 definitely get to it. And I think there are some interesting things to talk about. I think I think that my biggest like 
what is the flaw of Reloaded and Revolutions? I do think like the the pacing of how Smith is interspersed between the two films and when he comes up is is not great. Mm -hmm. It's a little it's a little flawed. It doesn't quite work, especially if you are taking them as individual cinematic experiences. It really doesn't work. Um, but my big thing is that they don't have three act structures. Neither of them do. They are each other's uh, whole three act structure. And so watching them as as individual pieces, and certainly this makes sense of an audience that would come out of Reloaded and feel unfulfilled. That makes sense. There's nothing to really feel fulfilled by by the end of Reloaded. Yeah, I, uh... Uh, you kind of can't. And I think it is fair to make a lot of comparisons right now to these films being made back to back and around the same time as when we were getting Dead Man's Chest and At World's End from Pirates of the Caribbean being developed Lord of the at Rings the same time. It. Lord of the Rings, but I think that's a little different because it is coming from the book trilogy, even though they film back to back. Like there's a there's a through line of you have because the books have it, yeah. a built-in narrative of satisfaction by the time you get to the end of the project. Pirates is two and three need each other to finish to tell the whole story of what's going on with Davy Jones and Jack Sparrow and Will and Elizabeth. However, when I get to the end of Dead Man's Chest, I have had a satisfying three act structure story. Mm -hmm. And when I have at World's End, I have a satisfying beginning all the way to the end three act structure story. Uh, I don't have that with Reloaded and Revolutions. Yeah. I need the whole I need the whole plate. Rewatching, um, mm -hmm. I was rewatching Revolutions today. Um, <laughs> and it, it is funny because like the last hour Screw of that you. movie is just <laughs> is just a giant action scene. It's a 30-minute Zion action scene right. that transitions to a 30-minute Neo action scene. Right. So the entire two-thirds of that movie is nothing but action. Whereas like that is that and is the thing is like all set up from the if past you are movie. if you are coming to revol like if you are coming to revolutions pretty far away from the last time you watched Reloaded, it's very hard to care about a lot of those side oh, yeah, characters yeah, yeah. in Zion yeah. because they are pretty far from your mind and you are not very properly reintroduced to them. There's a reason they put it out six months after Ether One. It's yeah, so yeah. Dense. Uh, it's, it's very hard to like... Um, I think it's very hard to take these two as separate pieces, which is why I'm glad we're talking about them as one yeah. whole. There is a there is a beautiful like three and a half hour version of this movie. I, I, I agree. I think, yeah. I, I think so as well. Oh, yeah. um, the Architect scene is my favorite scene. The whole franchise. Mm. Um, Interesting. I really, really like that scene. I think it's ridiculously overwritten. Mm -hmm. um, but the core of what it's talking about of like, you know, the, the history of like the ones and then the, the, the reason why Neo is different than the others is because he's got Trinity. And so like he actually has the choice of which door, whereas the other previous ones didn't. Right. So, because like, in, the, in the previous versions, the one is always they the machines have always crafted the whole program to accommodate the anomaly by making it so the anomaly would inevitably always choose humanity yes. over them their themselves. And that was easy. But once the anomaly falls in love and has had a different experience, which is what happens this time around, yeah. then that choice is no longer certain and easy. In fact, the architect even knows like we're we're blown, like you 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 were screwed. You screwed it up. I can see human emotion in, within you. Like we're we're done. Yeah. Uh, so I, I and really you come to that. realize that you come to realize at the end of Revolutions that it was the Oracle's plan all along. Exactly, uh, which um, is something we hinted at at the end of our conversation last week. Which is that what did the Oracle do to make things different? The Oracle told Trinity, "You will fall in love with the One," which had never been done before. Yeah, I love the. Uh, uh, like the world building in that scene is really fun too because we learned that again like this isn't the first matrix this is like the sixth matrix or seventh matrix or whatever and so that means 
that we that the history that we are living in it is so much older than it actually yes. is. Yeah. So that that's what's so fascinating. We are not a couple hundreds of years in the future. We are potentially thousands of years in the future. See, that's what that's what's so interesting to me about about it because like each cycle of the one lasts a hundred years. That's what the architect says. So like if each cycle is a hundred years, there's been six of him prior. So, but the the anomaly of the one five of him the, prior. Sorry, five, five of, of him. Prior. He is the sixth. The anomaly of the one, the anomaly of the code of the one, it's implied, and this is just how I read it, and so it may not be how you guys read it. It's implied that uh, I felt that the anomaly came came about with this iteration of the Matrix. So like the 90s, like the 90s height of humanity version of the Matrix, the one that the architect like carefully sculpted to be as real as possible to what had to what had happened prior. Right. And so like the so like the ones didn't necessarily exist in the other versions of the matrix, which means that even longer time has happened than anyone has ever imagined. Yeah. Cause like I remember in the first matrix, like there's like a, there's like a plaque that, that or no, it's, it's either it's sorry. It's in revolutions, I think, but there's like a plaque that says like uh, the year 2204, something about the ship. And like, you're telling me this is like 200 years in the future. Yeah. And then when we get the scene with the architect, like, Oh no, clear. This is so much further than, than we all, than we, all we could thought. be in Dune territory. For real, yeah. Uh, that's that is super fascinating. And the thing about that, I know a lot of people got rubbed the wrong way is like we have the matrix, and it's like we have the outside world and the inside world, right? But like it focused on being the cool matrix of the inside world. We are now going to we're just Zion is our main place now, and we are dealing with real people stuff. And I'm like I think just a lot of people didn't want that in their matrix sequels. In a way, like like their matrix resurrections, they wanted a big action movie, and that's not what they got. Uh, but now that we're here, and I'm like. No, man, like human they surviving. Wanted the, they wanted the blue pill. They wanted the blue pill, yeah. Like human surviving was the, was the whole point of the first one too. We just didn't we just focus on the cool action part. This uh, uh, I think the, the second film building, the second film has some great action sequences though. Oh, no, it has the it has the best in the franchise, which is crazy. It's just, I think the world building really threw people off. Like yeah. people don't want to go hang out with raves and I get it. I think raves are pretty cool. I think now the whole sequence adult, is sexy as hell. Yes. It is uh definitely like this is a very horny franchise. And oh, like, Reloaded is the horniest. Oh my god! Horny. Like people are banging on that race floor in the dirt. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I was watching this with Fanny, and, and like the second when Neo and Trinity go into the, the elevator, I'm like, and they're like, and they start making out. It's like the, the horniness is. If I was that meme the, of the horn the whole, dog, I would have run out of baseball bats to the whole them, section. The, the whole section when they're in the elevator, when they're when they're coming off the Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, is 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 a is like five or to ten minutes of Neo and Trinity looking for a place to bang. Oh yeah, they're, that is what the, that is what that scene is about. They've been the trapped on a small she, ship. The second she shows up at the party, he's like, you know, everyone's here. She's like, follow me. He's like, there they go. So that's what I'm talking about. Like when I miss like horny franchises, like we talked about Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, like I I I want my I want my franchises to go back to the Adams family method of like when Morticia and Gomez aren't on screen they're banging. We have yeah, to have that chemistry. Have that. Look, like so, I I agree like I want more of like the Neo and Trinity passion thing. I don't need every movie to show me the code of a woman having an orgasm from cake. That's <laughs> fair. Um, that's fair. Now, that being said, yeah. I'm very glad this movie does it. I just don't want another movie to do it. <laughs> yes. That you was know, wild. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen The Matrix Reloaded as a kid, and I never understood what the heck was going on until, of oh, course, yeah. I watch it as a 31-year-old adult. I go, oh. I was watching I that. Understand I understand it was, now. I was watching that sequence. I was like, oh. Oh, they really went for this. Yeah, yeah they did. Yeah, they did not back down. They were like, we're going in. 
Uh, Literally. Yeah, man. The, the, the Merovingian, what a what a concept, what a dude. Uh, you know, uh, rogue programs need a place to go, and he's your man. He's just going to hang out with his f- f- ghosts and werewolves and vampires and shit, I guess. The remnants of the... Um... Of the, the the like the Transylvania Nightmare Matrix, the the characters that don't get enough cool things to do. It's just yeah. funny because like, as cool as you want them to, like you get told that like oh there's vampires and there's ghosts and stuff. And like we see ghosts, we see what they look like, but like the vampires are just like dudes. Thanks. Yeah. Like and oh, there's like, Dracula in the background. Isn't that funny? I'm like yeah. And then of course like when Persephone takes the gun out of her handbag, she's like, do you know why I keep silver bullets in in a gun? And then she shoots the dude dead. I was like, was that guy supposed it's- to be a werewolf or something? Yeah. Oh, I I forgot. So okay, so this was really interesting to me. So I was watching this. I was watching this movie, and like, um, what's her what's her name? Persephone, right? Persephone, yeah, yeah. Um, very very nice alliteration. Uh, no illusion. Whew. I hope that's the right word. Whatever. Um, the scene where Neo kisses Persephone passionately. That whole scene. I had remembered the Enter the Matrix version of that scene being in Relo- Reloaded, which is Niobe kissing Persephone. Oh my! Or Ghost, depending who you're playing. Depending on who you're playing, correct. And so, like, I, I remember that scene being in this movie, and I was like, "Oh, was that an Enter the Matrix?" Yep. Funny enough, I don't remember that in being in the, in the game, but I do remember going to the chateau in the mountains and just kick, that was one of my favorite levels in the game. Although, uh, do you go to the chateau in the mountains and and Enter the Matrix? I thought that was just Path of Neo. I want to say maybe. I, I think you do. I could be once again. It's been over 20 years since I played that game. I can't remember. I, I uh, might not, I, I might be misremembering, but I do remember um, fighting and shooting my way through the grand hall with all the, the the weapons on the walls, and me wanting to take a sword off it and start hacking and slashing. Sounds like uh, I love. You know, I always talk about my, my my favorite thing is like, what does it mean to be human or robots, people? And Persephone has like and a grasp of like what love is, but she's yeah. never experienced it. So she's like, listen, I'll help you guys. If you kiss me with more passion than I've ever felt in my life. Well, she has experienced it because she <laughs> yeah. used to have it. With sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. She used to have it. With but it's him. over. It's over. It's uh, been dead for a long uh, time. She's like, I could see that you guys love each other. Like, please kiss me and I'll help you. If not, then like, screw you guys. Uh, and he like, he gives her like a weak one. And she's like, bullshit. And Trinity's <laughs> like, all right, God, give her some time. Whatever. Um, <laughs> so, it's such a good scene. No, so, so, I'm also, I'm, so I'm but, glad because I watched uh, I watched these on HBO Max. And since the, you know, the the visual quality is a lot better than it was on the DVD, I could actually see Carrie Ma- Carrie Ann Moss's eyes or Trinity's eyes. And even though she's wearing sunglasses, the lighting, I don't know if you could see on the original DVD release. I don't remember it, but the lighting and the way I can see you can see her eyes just very faintly. She's pissed. She's like, well, I yeah, want to. Well, yeah, well, obviously, but still, it's like, I just love it. Because normally you just see like, her like grimace, but with the eyes, it's like, oh, she wants to murder this lady. You gotta do what you gotta do, though. Mm-hmm. Sparks, you're gonna say something? No, I was just agreeing with Ben. Oh. Um, so I, I do remember, and and it doesn't super bother me, but there is there is something to be said of at the end of the Matrix, Neo is God, right? Superman's up. The beginning of this movie, the first fight scene he has is like, oh, upgrades. So it's like all so his Superman stuff doesn't really matter anymore. Um, well, I mean it does because he still kicks them. Well, he does. Out of no, but it's not like it's not. It doesn't feel like there's any like I'm at I'm at a, I'm at a, it, I'm at a crossroads because like 
No, I guess I'm not. I don't know. So I under I, I kind of know the the thing you're going with and like how how does Neo have stakes in the fights that yes. he gets into? Yes. And I think that Reloaded actually does a pretty good job of giving Neo stakes, which the stakes are really that he gets delayed away from uh, where Morpheus and Niobe are, which is the thing is like they're the stakes, and can he get to them? He's Goku. You, yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah, and yeah. like you got you kind of have to use him that way. Um, I guess then, I guess that's my thing. It's like he is kind of just like the guy who saves the day, which I guess like that's not a bad thing, though. right? And and I think they I think they do it pretty smartly to give him the counterpoints. I do think that, and I'm going to reference it just in this one section because I don't want to pull too much from it. But Patrick Williams made his video where he's like, "How would I re redo Matrix Reloaded and, yeah. and Revolutions to make it like flow better?" And I think he brings up a really good point of like, if you have these exiles, these monsters, ghosts whatever that are implied to be part of Merovingian's uh, group, then when Neo fights them, have their older code be there. And so it, it, it's not as easy to yeah, fight yeah. them. Like he can't manipulate them the same. And I think like even better, like take that, this is in part Patrick Willem said, but like have it be something he has to figure out. He has to recognize that it's older code. He has to re-figure out how to read that and how to reinterpret it. Make it so that he's getting even stronger in how he understands how code works. Yeah. Um, but make that a part of what Neo's doing when he engages with them. He can wipe agents out. Yeah. He he can't totally handle Smith when Smith gets too many numbers, and that's that's his disadvantage with Smith. Yeah. But as far as like the exiles, when he has that fight with them, the problem is that he has to understand old code. Yeah, uh, that's, and good, that's, that's a way to kind of nerf him down. That's a good point because, like, if you think about it, the opening fight scene with the agents is really just there to put the agents off of the the board. The agents yeah. don't really come back in the movie until the until the highway chase, which there are stakes because it's Morpheus and Trinity. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but I think like it, they even kind of try to hint at like that being a possibility, but like, I, I think they could have done more with it in the Chateau fight because you do get the part where he gets sliced on the hand and he's, like, and hey, he's cut and yeah, it's yeah. like, see, he's still, he's still beatable. Sure, yeah. Um, but like, I, I think you could have gone far enough to say like, oh, Neo really needs to think about this because he's been playing with, without any kind of restrictions up to this point ever since he beat Yeah, Smith. they're playing outside of the box that he's used to. Yeah, but yeah. then, but then there's It's like something... Superman fighting against magic or something. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, not like I, a it's just something I thought of. You brought, you brought up Smith. I thought that I, I really like the the idea that like even like the upgraded agents are there, but he but he can still handle the the agents. But like mm -hmm. Smith, when he especially when the overwhelming numbers happen, like it's it's a struggle for him showing that Smith has evolved to a point above far above an agent, um, and, and without just even seeing all the all the many of him. The burly the, brawl. The is, burly brawl is awesome. It is. It's not super necessary to the movie. No, the burly brawl. That's the one with all the Smiths. Oh, oh yeah. After he meets with the Oracle, I think the burly brawl. I think the burly brawl should end pretty much like right before the point where Neo gets pushed back and gets the pole. Because after that point, they become almost entirely CGI most of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before that, there it's still mostly practical stuff that you're seeing with every once in a while some CGI. Yeah. And I think all of it, the fight could, should have ended there. That's the point when he should have been overwhelmed and then flew away. And I don't think any of the action after that point is very good, even though that means we lose the good bowling pin. Second. It is cool. Yeah. Yes. Very, very anime. Yeah. Um, yes. It is. It is a point where unfortunately, uh, it just it, it doesn't age very well, especially when it's just like a hundred rubber looking dudes and like it doesn't look yeah. awful but it's like we just watched beautiful martial arts and now the, we're just watching like rubber i think the problem with it is that like i think it's all it, i think it's all the timing i think the problem is not that the burly brawl doesn't work necessarily for what the story is doing i think it's just happening at the wrong time yeah i think that like 
I, I, this is another part where I kind of agree with Patrick Willems. I'm not necessarily about where he would place it, but like I would have changed where how Smith is introduced. I would have had Smith deliver the thing at the beginning and have it be a mystery for people. And I would have changed the moment when you know that he's coming. My, like my interpretation, I think it would have been better uh, to find a way to work the script around to make it so that when they do the backdoor thing and that's when they run into Smith for the first time, yeah, exactly. But when he pulls, pulls Neo through the doors. Then there's suddenly more. There are more and more and more Smiths, and that's the and first like, what time you find doing out. This whole time? That's the first time yeah. you find out that there are more Smiths. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's rather a- rather have the Merovingian as your main antagonist throughout the movie up to that point. Uh, I I think that Smith is just like, especially the Burly Brawls, just paced poorly because you kind of have to put it out of sight, out of mind. I also think that in tandem with that, when Bane gets taken over by Smith, should also be connected to that Bane the person who is Bane should have been a member of the crew that was trying to help Neo get into the building. Yeah. And he's one of the dudes who's trying to escape. So you already are connected to that character. So you register him being taken over by Smith. You register what it means when he gets pulled through the phone, because when that happens in the movie, as it is, it's very disjointed. And once Smith goes through the phone, you cut to reality to something else. Like and we don't see it's it for very, a while. It's yeah. very easy, especially for first time audience members to not register that that meant Smith was in the real world and who that was. So when you cut back to Bane later, a lot of people didn't realize who that was. And that did make the cliffhanger ending me go make people go, wait, what? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Why does that matter? Um, <laughs> yeah. The, it, it kind of in the burly brawl, there's a bit where an agent takes over a girl with the, with the groceries and then, and then Smith comes over and assimilates the agent. Mm-hmm. Right. And I thought that was awesome. Me yeah. I mean, too. yeah. Me, 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 me. me. Me, me too. too. I love that part. Good. Is a is a gift, right? Yeah, yeah. I I wouldn't really want to change what Smith's doing in the movie at all. I really like all of it. I would just change where it happens wow. and how it's presented as information to Neo because it's also like that is one of the things. Is Neo flies away and then he's like, yeah, I'm just not gonna really think about that for a while. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna pretend that it happened. Well, it was uh, crazy, crazy that I just fought like a thousand Smiths. Whatever, uh, sure, it's fine. And it's also and it's also weird like. Once he's had that big of a force, it's strange that he doesn't show up again when Neo re-enters the Matrix because he has so many bodies already when they're encountering Merovingian, whereas if it came at the backdoor moment, then he's already started to get closer to the end where he can be more powerful because we're not going to see him need to engage with Neo that much in the Matrix. Yeah, like you're building him up so much, uh, you still have to build him up all the way to the next movie. Exactly. I'm like, it's a lot of it's a lot to do. Um, the, guys, the action in, in this movie, let's reload it first. It's like, I've watched, I've rewatched the the highway chase scene like five so times. So good. Um, they they built an actual highway. They built a mile and a half highway on the middle of the desert to do this, uh, and it shows. They destroyed like three hundred GM cars. Um, they just, I I, I make the joke uh, like, but like they just don't make movies like this anymore because it's just so. There's a scene specifically where Trinity is driving against traffic. She's on the she's on the left side of the lane, and then she merges in. And it's real, and there's really wor- weaving between cars, and I got so nervous, and I'm like, "Holy shit, that's a real person on a car!" Yeah, even like, even even some of the cars, like some of the cars are CG because the camera goes through them, but like not all of them. Oh yeah, you can definitely tell, like especially because like on my big ass TV here, like I can tell when like the 2003 when it's CG, but like yeah. man, there are so many just cars being exploded, mm-hmm. dropped, people like like stomping on them, but it's like really just like a hydraulic pump on a car. Like the behind the scenes of this scene specifically are insane. Truly insane. The, the the freeway the freeway scene is is so cool. Uh, watching this one again, 
um, I, I, you know, I did the link. Ooh! <laughs> you know, when he, uh, when like when uh, he gets Morpheus and um, the key, the the key maker, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and when when he saves them from the from the from the awesome slow motion of the of the of the truck like collapsing in and exploding mm-hmm. outward, and it's such a cool cool scene that like I, I was like, oh my god, he did it. Uh, yeah, man. Like again, like the practicality of of Morpheus stabbing the side of the truck to stand on it to whip the keymaker up, uh, and then he's got to fight an agent up there. And Morpheus the going back, up against an agent is so cool. Yeah, and then it's, it's Chekhov's sword where like Morpheus looks to the side, and then when you cut back to it, he's got the sword. I'm like, man, this is cinema, baby. This is so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, and the fight on top of there, it's so well well choreographed, and like he does like the crane kick to like land on the thing. I'm like, man. Martial arts. Yeah, you, you get super nervous when Morpheus is flying on top of the truck because he's like inching close. He's like almost falling off the trailer, and he's fighting the agent. He's trying to make sure the keymaker is safe. It's just, even though so, I know how this movie ends, I'm still on the edge of my seat, going, "Come on, kick his ass, kick his ass." It was the Weekly Planet that I that, I, that they made this observation that, I, and I didn't notice it. But Morpheus going up the agent, going up against the agent, kind of signifies that he he's he, because he's seen Neo do it. He's like, "Oh hell, we can all take him." And so, yeah. like, he's more confident going up against an agent, and that confidence is giving him uh, not the upper hand, but like a fighting chance. He believes, what am I, okay. like, he believes. Yeah, yeah. it's good. I okay. love the part where Morpheus is finding the twins' car, and he slices the he slices the tire with the sword, turns around, and blows up the gas tank. By the way, he... by the way, the, the ghost in the like, the sedan when when he's like, and then the agent like over the thing. That's a bad time. <laughs> That's just a very bad time with a yeah. ghost and an agent <laughs> right here. Uh, it, obviously, like the the effects itself is a little dated, but like just like the 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 constant teleportation of of the ghost mid fight, really oh, yeah. cool. Like the only yeah. time you ever see that is like in X Men Two or in Jumper. Right. You don't really get cool teleportation fights. No. Nope. Um, yeah, and it's done so well and so smooth in this in in this early. Like this is a that's a difficult effect. Yeah, we're all um, getting aggravated. I, yes, I we are. The introduction of the concept of like stay away from the freeway because it's always going to be bad because agents can get there so easily. Oh yeah, and overwhelm yeah. you yeah. so quickly. Uh, but that's that's where they had to go. I yep. thought that was such a good like oh man, tense. It's uh, always additional uh, scene. They do it. You always told home. me. You always told me it was suicide. Let us hope I was wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they always. Um, in all three movies, like uh, have transitions of like people turning into agents, but it's, it's always fun to have like uh, uh, two dudes in a car, then a car drives by them, and then they're two agents. Yeah, yeah. It's super simple, but it's always effective. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's like, oh shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. Neo, Neo having to come save the day, really, really impressive effect. Um, just that is such a the- long in the scene. The the bow now, bow now, bow now, now now now. Like soundtrack is ripping. Soundtrack is really. There's a uh, lot of good techno tracks in this in, in these two movies. I'm. I will not lie. The scene where um where Trinity is shot and gets and jumps and falls out the window and Neo um the 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 scene when he leaves the okay. architect room. Oh, are we? Did we lose you? There we go. No, they're there. There they are. Okay. Um, the scene where the scene where the 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 Neo leaves the architect room and like the, the explosion behind him and then. The only sense that you get of his speed because it's it's doing the slow motion is like the the trail behind him. Like it, it's it's an effect that he'll use. It's an effect that the Wachowskis will use in speed and speed racer too. But like having him static with the screen never moving, but like the stuff behind him and the like flying pie is such such a cool visual and like got me really like nervous 
I've yeah. seen this movie before, but I was like, oh my god, he might not make it. Yeah, especially uh, when he catches Trinity before she falls on the car, and then the agent falls, but then there's this giant like hurricane force winds of, or even not even hurricane, like tornado force winds of cars and broken glass and whatever debris Neo caught up in his in his in his path just follows and just complete devastation of him to get Trinity out of there. It's like, yeah, screw all those guys, I guess. That's that's probably my favorite shot in all of the Matrix films is Neo flying with the tornado of of stars and debris and everything behind him uh, with the neon lights starting to streak and he's just like going for it as hard as possible. Yeah. So good. Um, I also really, really love that shot and I'm like, man, like the Wachowskis like just, they have an eye for how like superhero shit could look honestly, because uh, yeah, uh, like no Superman movie has as good a shot as um, when Neo bursts through the explosion out of the architect's room. And then he's flying through the fire and he like pushes even harder with his fist forward. Yeah. It's like really great shot. Um, mm. And just, we're not, we're not getting that. I, I, is, yeah. I was going to say, oh, this, this is the, go ahead. No, no, I'm done. No, I'm oh, sorry. Um, this, this is the first time and the only time that I really see like a superhero fly um, like inches off the ground. It's such an interesting visual that I just kind of like. Okay. Did I just derail everything? No, no. I was just trying to no. picture what you were talking about. That's all. No, it's when he's coming out of the architect. It's when he's coming out of the architect room. He's he's not far off the ground. He's flying. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I know what you're saying. I'm trying to picture the shot in my brain and think about it. That's all. Well, that was the only thing I was hoping someone else would pick up the pick up the pieces and go somewhere. Uh, I the I just love the. It's still impressive how many Smiths can be on screen, and a lot of it isn't a digital effect. It's a lot of them like it's like a lot of like masks, like Hugo Weaving masks. Um, mm-hmm. But like, yeah, the architect specifically, like when they leave that room, and there's like, oh hey, what's up, Smiths here, and then there's a whole bunch more Smiths, and like, oh shit, the keymaker's trying to find a certain door. Uh, really claustrophobic good t- uh, uh, fight scene uh, with just a bunch of Hugos. Yeah, I, I love the introduction of the concept of the back doors. Uh, Seraph, the log. I love Seraph. The log. So good. Serif. <laughs> yeah. um, That's a good point. I love that. Uh, that's that's ridiculous uh, basically seraph uh hi seraph i need to enter my password yeah, yeah, yeah um i i think that's great uh, you didn't enter with case sensitive yeah um i i really like link uh i think he's more fun than tank uh i'm i'm happy that we got him yeah um even for the circumstances of why we got him uh i'm i'm happy to have him um <laughs> he just walks into his house about the scream, where's my P word in front yeah, of his yeah. kids, man? He's got a one track mind. He didn't know the kids were in there. No, I know. It's just there's fun. nieces. No, it's just funny. His niece and nephew. Uh, but yeah, he's the type of guy who walks into his house saying, I'm, a, I'm, I'm horny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> God, um, and everybody's doing it. Yeah, I love the rave scene. Yeah, me I too. Did. I didn't at first, but then I became a rape kid, and I'm like, no, I get it. Um, I really like the scene between. Uh, uh, the old, I, I don't know his name, but the old man on the council with Neo and he goes to talk yes. to him about machines. Yes, that's uh, like one of my favorite scenes. It's like, it's like, that is like, that is kind of like the, the beginning of what Resurrections yes. is. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Not only that, it is the it is the entire point of why Neo does what he does at the end of Resurrections Absolutely, yeah. is that conversation. So he's talking to this old man, they're like, they're in the depths of, of Zion and he's like, Neo, all these machines, we rely on all these machines. Uh, at the same time, we are like on the crisis of being murdered by all these machines. And like, where's what's the line? 
what what is the point of this war? Where are we going? What what do you see? Uh, Neil's like, bro, I don't know. I just woke up. Um, <laughs> but it's the first time like that they bring up the question of like, is this war like worth it? Is it like is is this what we're supposed to be doing? Um, and it's a question we really don't get the answer to until revolutions or resurrections, excuse me. Uh, it's just like it's a it's a nice little scene that like outside of this movie, I don't think any people talk about like the the alternative to the war that they're doing. It's he's the only guy who's like maybe there's a different way, and it's right. cool. He's the he's the one who's saying like you know, uh, what we're we're comfortable with these mach machines because we can destroy them, which means we have control, which is the same as the Matrix. Yeah. But like, if we destroy the machines, then like, what happens to our air? What happens to our water? What happens to how we live? Um, and it's like the the only real future seems like if we're synergized together. Yeah. My one thing is that I do kind of wish this scene took place between Neo and Morpheus. And I wish it was Neo asking Morpheus what he thought about these things. Like these were things Neo was already thinking That's a good about. good point, yeah. Mostly because I don't like that Morpheus kind of gets more and more gradually, in, especially into, into Revolution sidelined. Yeah. Uh, and I, I kind of wish that this was a moment of them and Zion together and Neo saying like, this is what I'm thinking about. And Morpheus being the person that he is believes that the only way to end the war isn't necessarily peace. It's, uh, it's destroying the machines. Um, yeah, yeah. But to have Neo kind of pause that, and Morpheus have to maybe think about it, uh, and that he puts full trust in Neo, so he's he's now like starting to change his mind about what the future actually looks like. And like, while I really love that scene, that council member doesn't mean anything to me. That's that he's That's, only important he's for only that important one because scene because of that. And then yeah, he yeah. becomes the mouthpiece of like, I believe in Morpheus, which means I believe in Neo. Yeah. Um, but if it was Morpheus, that could be more connected to the audience uh, and mean something and really put Morpheus on a, like, Morpheus's mindset about what is going to happen is changing. That's a good point. Um, and it is honestly another thing that is challenging his faith. Uh, like, what is his faith? And is his faith in Neo or is his faith in the one as a prophecy? Yeah, yeah. Is it? Yeah. Is it in Neo as the person or not? And then you got, like, and then we introduced to, like, the kid. If you've seen the Animatrix, he comes from mm -hmm. there. Love the kid. Uh, Wish nope. he had a skateboard. No skateboard, unfortunately. No skateboard. Uh, that's cool. Uh, I want him skating out with that ammunition. I really thought it, I really wanted. I, even though I've seen Revelations a hundred times at this point, I want him hopping I on was, that cart like. Woo! <laughs> I was waiting for it. Uh, yeah, I, I I like the um. There was a scene that that Morpheus did that, that does in this. Oh, it, at the at the end of the movie, before the the Sentinel destroys the Nebuchadnezzar, um, when when Morpheus is shaken to the core at the revelation that the one prophecy has been made up and it's been right. made up another, six different times. That it's another form of control. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is a uh, more reason why I'm like, that's why I wish he had that conversation with Neo. Mm -hmm. I, I wish that it was something where he's like, okay, so I don't have faith in the one I have faith in Neo, mm -hmm. uh, which is ultimately what Niobe's uh, belief system is. Yeah. I really liked um I, I like the scene where the Nebuchadnezzar is about to about to be exploded exploded because they they gotta evacuate and we see like the the bottom of the sewers they've been flying in. I think that whole set is so gorgeous. Yeah. Um, that whole sequence is really cool, and then just ending with Neo because he realizes he has the code in him. He can stop the Sentinels in the real world too. Right, like, he's that, connected to the source code. Yeah, that shit's yeah. crazy. That guy got fourth powers in real life now. Yeah, yeah. that was cool. <laughs> And yeah, that, was something that, that was something I didn't understand the first time I watched it, but like watching it this time, I was like, oh, I get it. Right. Yeah, it's very much like a, wait, why can he do that now? And it's very easy on a first watch to not get that. And there is an amount where like, 
I don't want the Wachowskis to really change what they did. Like, I, I love that it's dense and you have to rewatch it to understand it. But it's also like, I get why people bounce off this. Yeah. And I definitely remember being in the theater, not liking the ending, the cliffhanger ending with Bane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even though like, I like the idea of like Smith becoming human. Love that idea. Uh, it's really cool idea. Just like, I think it's a, I think it's a bad idea to end your movie this way. And that guy, that guy is so good. Oh yeah. As Hugo Weaving. Oh yeah. 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 I think the first few times I watched it, I was like, when I was a kid, especially, I was like, this guy's just being Hugo. Is this guy actually Hugo Weaving or is he trying to be Hugo Weaving? And this is, this is nuts. Like the Uh, the, like the way this actor articulates um, Mr. Anderson, it's just like Hugo Weaving Smith. It's like really new. You couldn't figure out that was Smith the whole time until the the very end. Well, because like, because it's, it's like, it's so ridiculous to think about. Yeah. That this virus could be a person in the real world right. to Neo. Yeah. Like Neo does not think it's possible. Absolutely. I just I think that like once he said Mr. Anderson, I do think he should have known. Should be turning a little faster than it is. Yeah. Uh, I'm like he doesn't bro. find out. He doesn't find out until the end of Revolutions. Right, but I'm talking about in Revolutions when he's got yeah. Trinity by the knife. He yeah. calls him Mr. Anderson the moment he walks in. And Neo is still like what? Like still like what? He takes it, like taking it a takes really long, long time to get there, and I'm like, bro. Only one person ever calls you Mr. Anderson. Yeah. Um, the the reveal. In Zion, like, we haven't we haven't talked about revolutions really at all. No, um, no, because we've been very like reloaded focus. There's a lot. There's a lot. We're probably going to bounce back and forth too. So. Like. Um, but the scene where he can see Smith when he's blind mm-hmm. is yeah. so good. Got the I love how we see the Matrix through Neo's eyes, like when he when he, in going back to reload when he walks in he meets seraph for the first time he's just seraph is just like this glowing entity and then when he's finally blind and he goes i can see you and smith is just this raging fire person with hugo weaving's face in the sunglasses i think that's a that's very a good good moment it is how yeah. or even the way the way he sees the machine city because he's telling trans he's like i wish you could see it. it's like it's made of light and, and irl it's like this is a scary dark damp place i don't want to be here how sad is it that smith is the last like living figure that he saw that he sees it's pretty sad. like human looking figure it that ties in that's a really good point ever. so i actually want to talk about that for a hot second one of the things i'm actually very grateful to resurrections is that it answered a question that i had after when i was a kid and i watched uh revolutions for the first time because i never caught on to the fact that neo was actually dead i thought he was just used so much of his own energy to defeat smith that it just knocked him out cold i never to me i never knew that he died and then when we see the anomaly, Neil Patrick Harris's character in the next movie, and he says, "Oh no, you were dead. I rebuilt you." I was like, "Okay, I know." This time, I get that. I was also, I did, I did feel like it was left a little ambiguous uh, yeah. whether or not he was dead or not, and I appreciate that. I always kind of assumed he was dead because the idea is that when when he's when he's absorbed by Smith, he's now connect. Smith is now connected to the source, and by deleting. The Smith, uh, the Smith virus uh, from the Matrix, which is what they do at the end, it kills Neo's life force as well. Well, well, not just that, but like Neo becomes the vessel of the Source, right? Uh, which is like, I because I thought I had to think about it for a while because I'm like, why is that the last shot we see of Neo? Because it's Neo on the back of the cart that's being taken away. But before we go away from it, we also see it in the same visual that Neo saw. And where Neo is, is the brightest light of all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's because Neo is now completely contained within the source. 
so that's that's like the whole thing is Neo's dead because Neo reconnected with the source, and when you reconnect with the source, you die. Yeah. Um, it's funny that that the machines like when they use that resur- matrix resurrection technology to form a face, it's just a big fat baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Big> fat baby. <laughs> with a very deep voice. Yes. Yeah. Um, what do you want? <laughs> I'm a the, terrific. The, the line where, where Trinity says, do you know what, do you know what's changed six hours from six hours ago? No, nothing. Mm-hmm. It's such a good moment. Um, her death sequence with the, in the, in the sun, and she can see this the, a real sunset is yeah. beautiful and in potentially a thousand years yeah i don't i honestly don't remember like my i want to come back to what you just said about the the sun thing but like oh. uh my i i don't know what i thought of the first time i saw reloaded when he brings trinity back to life with like putting his hand in and like moving her heart but i'm pretty sure like it was something along the lines of like well that doesn't make any sense he's just starting her heart in the in the matrix like why would her real body start being like not thinking the way that you're supposed to about it and being like well that's kind of cheap um love baby no i really like it i think it's really great uh i love that he takes the bullet out because like it's like your mind is making it real but it's not real like Mm -hmm. you could just be alive yeah you could just be alive nothing physically happened to you so we can just we can bring you back we'll talk about that on a comic coming up actually yeah Yeah, i'm just gonna start your digit heart squeeze and start so it's like there you go you're fine uh, I was thinking he massaged it. I thought he started pumping it. Well, oh, well. Yeah, the, uh, either way. He pumps it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I do really like that Trinity is the the person who, like, the only person alive who sees what the real sky looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Neo can't see it. And calls it beautiful. And, and, like, I think that's a really striking moment, especially how, like, bright and colorful they make it. Um, yeah. Really and then when we're going back down towards Machine City, uh, you, see, so you see the scope of it, and this how yeah, yeah. dark and depressing it looks. And I'm like, man, yeah. So crazy. one of the things about the machines, <sighs> yeah, like the the big one, giant baby, it looks like a giant sea urchin, and then the one that takes Neo away, it's like a little, cra- it's like a giant crab mantis sort of thing. Those yep. machine designs just create. I mean, of course, the the Sentinel itself scares the ever living daylights out of me because it's yeah, it's a giant squid, but also it even has like the little crab like thing. I, I we talked about it briefly last week, like with the Animatrix, like robots like were designed to be humans, and then when they start when they hate humans, they turn into monsters. So yeah. now they're all like crab like and I forgot. Was it you or what other, or maybe a YouTube video or, or somewhere I heard that like essentially the evolution is crabs? It's me. Yeah. I mean, it could have been both. You could have watched the video too. But yeah, crab is like the evolution, like perfection for some reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I wanted to bring up uh some something real quickly about about Neo being able to use like the 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 power of the Matrix outside with the machines. Um, the watching Resurrections and then watching Revolutions again because I I did I did both. Um, there's a there's a when they hold hands has been recontextualized thanks to Resurrections. And that's in how he like uh, uh, is able to to control all of that ammunition, so they don't well not well, it does eventually backfire. But like mm-hmm. for a long time, it's really cool. Yeah, he's using the matrix force, and then tra- and then of course he loses him. Trinity just grabs. He's like, I got you, and then he regains control again. It's like Neo and well, Trinity, man. Neo and Trinity are one of the great twenty first century love stories. You know, power of love, man, conquers all. Here you lose. Here you lose. The news were right. One of the reasons why they are so good is because um, they really do. Uh, hold on, let me see if I can find my note I wrote about it. Um, 
They actually are banging. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you can tell they like each other because they won't stop touching each other. Uh, I, uh, I liken them. Go ahead. It's because it's a, you know, it's Neo and Trinity falling in love with their idealized version of themselves. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So while, while at the same time, like it is a beautiful love story, it, it's the trans narrativeness like that comes through with it is this idea of self love and recognizing like the idealized version of yourself. It's one of the reasons why I really like the way that they shoot the intimacy scene uh, that's happening in conjunction with the rave, because once you pu start pulling away that you can't tell which one of them is which. Mm -hmm. um, and I, that's clearly like a deliberate choice because in many ways, like Neo and Trinity are in love with like, and it's not, it's not like a, a narcissist thing. It's, it's that they are representational of like the things that they want to love in themselves. Uh, and I think that's really cool. I couldn't put it better myself. Yeah. You want to know what's uh, one of my, okay. So one of my favorite scenes from uh, revolutions, when they go to the, um, the, the other rave or the other like goth rave. I don't even know what they're called. The second one where the, with the French guy, Merv the Marvel, Club. the what? Merv's club club. Hell. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Well, when they go to that one and then um, they're trying to make a deal with, I can't say, I can't pronounce his name. The same way. Merovingian. So Merovingian. Yeah. And then ne and then Trinity puts a gun to his head. like, how about this? You give me Neo or we all die right here, right now. I'm like, go get him girl. She also calls him Merv. Yep. Listen, Merv. Merv. <laughs> Uh, my only thing about that one is that I kind of wish it was like a, I wish it was like a last day on earth party. Like you've got the Merovingian still like wanting to make a deal for the eyes of the Oracle. Uh, but I, I wish that there was some hint at the idea that the programs that are there know that Smith is starting to pollute the entire matrix mm -hmm. and that it's only a matter of time before they all get taken too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's not a part of that narrative at all. It is, it is oddly like not tied to the narrative of the, of the movie. It's right. kind of like, we're just going to do our own this little is, thing to get Neo to get to the story. This is another one of those things where like Reloaded's ending as a, just Reloaded as a film doesn't really work. Yeah. And Revolution's beginning as a film doesn't really work either. You're just kind of thrown back into the story and it takes a little bit to like get everything back in place. Uh, the I think that the whole limbo thing with him in the stuck in the Sati. train station and learning about Sati and talking with the programs is all really good stuff, but it's real, real slow going when you're just coming in on that movie. It is. It is definitely, yeah. Um, whereas, like, if you're just continuing the narrative from Reloaded, I'm like, this is fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, this. Is, it just feels like the next scene. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, like, but, like, it it's, does feel like a bit of a drag in the opening. Yeah. And, and not only that, like, a drag that's not serving the purpose of revolution as a story mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. it's serving the wider story but not revolutions as a story as well speaking of something that doesn't drag let's talk about mechs <laughs> because there is a 30 minute mech fight in this movie that is like <sighs> captain mifune that guy best maybe one of like the best yellers in in movie history that ah, that dude just gives it his all no matter what's happening um i will i will never forget so watching that scene in the theater and when mifune gets he's in his back he's like shooting all of them i'm actually i actually have both armrests and i'm going like all my armrests like trying to like <laughs> shoot I'm just sitting there going, like, trying to go, like, oh, like trying to it, shoot down Sentinels with Mifune and the rest of the core, and it just it looks, been, so, I was like. incredibly cinematic uh, when, like, Zion has gone to shit, right? 
uh, uh, we'll talk about Naomi and, with one of the best, like, like best, like a uh, uh, racing. It's not a race scene, but like her in in the holocaust is like I, one of the coolest ever. But I <laughs> love, I love, love, love when they're just like. Well, is it, well, see, because they like the Neo and Trinity take Niobe's ship, and Niobe's like, "I'll pilot your ship. I don't care. I can do this. Yeah. Shut up." Um, and the and they the what is it like the like the machine line or something? Yes. Yeah. Um, and the that whole sequence is so cool. I really love the designs of the ships uh, so much, but seeing them in, in this type of action was really cool and really well crafted. And there's a lot of tense energy, and the music is going really great. Um, I I love that scene. I, lo- I love ridiculous action sequences where it's just like you just cut to people in chairs going, Aah! I yeah, love it. it. I love it. Like Again, like the last hour of Revolutions is just nonstop action, whether it's from mechs or inside ships or in the Matrix. Um, yeah. But like, we'll talk about it now, but like, Niobe is so cool in this movie. Like, she's cool in that last movie, but like, she really gets to shine one in the game. Well, it's because so much of her stuff for Reloaded is really in that tribute. Is it is in the game. It's like kind of a bummer. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. 40 yeah. minutes of footage with her. Yeah, uh, but like, the the thing, honestly, that 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 makes me so excited about watching, rewatching that scene, it's like, it's not even how cool the action is. It's it's seeing all the characters deal with how crazy of a driver Niobe is mm-hmm. because nobody, like, they know who she, what kind of a driver she is, but like, the captain's like, this isn't your ship. Treat her with respect. And she's like, yo, she got a fat ass as she's driving <laughs> through the thing, right? Yeah. Um, Morpheus. And there's, the bit, there's, a line, there's a line where he says, damn, bitch could drive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Morpheus, who is a guy who is pretty much calm, cool, and collected most of the trilogy. Even when fighting agents, he seems like a cool guy. Niobe is throwing numbers at him left and right he's like i'm doing my best woman like you never see him like that in any other parts of the movie and she's just so cool and she's just like she's like five foot three she's got she's like a like a like a 100 pounds like wet but she's like so tough and i'm like this is the coolest driving scene in any movie and it's not even like a car i love how like the captain of of the hammer straight up just like i don't get like she's like Every, he's like everyone to the gun. She's like, "Goes to the bed gunner. You're the best gun we got." Morpheus, t-. and she's like yelling commands, and she does that kick-ass maneuver to get into the mechanical line. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I didn't even know the ship could do that." Like yeah, a cool that like, was, 360 dive. Like, yeah. That yeah. was the coolest thing. Rewatching this, I was like, the, the, "I don't get this from modern movies, and this should be easier now." What the yeah. hell? This is the coolest we've watched, thing. We've watched now like four, five new Star Wars movies. And I can't think of any uh, 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 Tie Fighter scene that rivals this. I'm not. Like, I'm not. I'm not here to yuck the yum. Uh, uh, I think that Niobe's like flying is great. I will say, say all praise to the use of the Millennium Falcon in Force Awakens when they fly up and they do the flip so that yeah, the yeah. jammed gun can yeah. shoot down at the Tie Fighter. That was cool. That, that is cool. in the same realm vibe. And I, yeah, I it is. yeah. And I will also say yeah. the last Jedi scene on uh, with the Falcon on crate. Uh, when it's in the when it's in the ca- the crate crate caves, yeah, that's yeah, a cool scene. Towers. Yeah, that was, that was but cool. um, but cool. it's true. Like very very good Niobe uh, driving stuff. I I think all of that really works. And and I I think it's a bummer that like I because I've listened to so many Matrix conversations lately. Uh, it, it's a bummer that for a lot of people like that stuff just doesn't work. Yeah, like they don't they don't seem to care about the characters or they think it's like dumb to just have them there. I will say that I do think. It's a bummer, and I don't think there is a narrative way to fix it because it wouldn't make sense. That um, you have Mifune, who I think is great uh, because of like the role he's playing. But again, this is another instance where I kind of go, kind of wish that was Morpheus. Yeah. Uh, 
because you kind of you kind of want Morpheus to have more to do, and Morpheus is very much he on the side. Is. And like yeah. having Morpheus be in the last stand of Zion, like that's somebody who's then on that bridge that you you have cared about. Like it's a big deal that he's there. He's not really doing anything, is he? No, he's. I mean, he's assisting Niobe, but like, yeah. there's, like there's there's no character tension. Like, I can you imagine like Niobe being the person who's piloting that ship back, and it's like you need that EMP, and Morpheus is the last person like holding the bridge, and so yeah. you're like Morpheus, you gotta do it, you gotta do it, man. Um, I like Mifune. I. I I'm totally fine with the character, but again, like this is just something where like Morpheus really just starts being less important in revolutions and never really gets it back. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, I think that the worst offense of that, just because we're on the topic of it, when you get to the very end of the movie, the fact that the person who has the last say is the Oracle and not Morpheus, I think is a big mistake. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a thought that a lot of other people have had. I, I agree with it. I think that Morpheus is the person mm -hmm. who should get to say like the, I always believed kind of sentiment and that's where you end rather than it being on the Oracle. it's interesting that it ends on like 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 the computer programs not any of like our human and like protagonists or anything yeah. yeah 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 the reveal you can still have the reveal of the oracle and the architect being like this was always part of the, a game that we were playing like a chess they were doing together and then after that get the morpheus i always believed right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's like I think you still keep the Oracle Architect conversation, but the fact that the last sentiment of like I always believed goes to the Oracle, I'm like, no, that's Morpheus. This should be Morpheus. Yeah. This should be Morpheus and Zion, like having a conversation with Niobe, where Niobe's like, did you, did you always believe, think that it would end in peace? And he's like, no, but I always believed in him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, and like it, his it, last... it, it should be his thing because that's the impact you should be ending with. Yeah. It's like this, this is all because of Morpheus. I think like his final, like the, the stuff with him in the movie, like he's like looking up after Neo saved the day and like with teary eyes. And that's like the last thing we see of, of like all those characters. Really. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is a good point because uh, it's, it's, it's the Oracle's manipulation that makes it so that the one occurs. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, the Oracle changed all this plan. She's the one who like set Morpheus on the path. Like you're going to find the one Trinity. You're going to fall in love with the one. But it's Morpheus' belief that rallies Trinity. It's Morpheus' belief that pulls Neo out. It's mm -hmm. Morpheus' belief that makes Neo want to be who he wants him to be. Like, it's it's Morpheus who is your character, your human person who's driving that narrative, and it should have ended with Morpheus. That's a good point, yeah. <clears throat> Morpheus could be in the scene with the Oracle and the Architect. Could be. I mean, yeah, that'd be, that'd be something. I don't know why he would be, but, like, you could. Um, because the Oracle's like, hey, let's go have tea. Yeah, I don't think. Well, have you met any... my friend? Have you met my friend, the architect? I don't think there would be any problem with having like the Oracle architect scene and then just cutting back for one last like thirty second moment at Zion with Morpheus. Like, I just yeah. think, in fact, where you are with Morpheus, like right before you go to the Oracle and architect, just switch it. Uh, so Burly Brawl, lots of Smiths, gets a little unwieldy near the end. Then we get to Revolutions, the finale. Sotto hey ho hey ho. Uh, I love that song. Opera. Uh, I love this final fight. Despite it, like, because, like, I thought it was going to be, oh, my God, it's going to be a thousand Smiths fighting in the rain. It's going to look terrible. It's like, no, it's no, it's a personal fight, baby. It's it's Smith v. Neo. Uh, and it is a big, ballsy, awesome Dragon Ball Z fight where they're pushing into things and, like, things break behind them. They're getting pushed into, like, the rubble and the smashes behind them. Like, I love Z all that stuff. Myth that has taken the eyes of the Oracle. Yes, he can see the what the, the Merovingian always cared about. He wanted the future. He can see it. He sees it. Yeah, the um, the fighting in the the effects of the rain fight. Like one of my favorite scenes is when Neo punches Smith, but it's all slow, and you see him punching in the raindrops, the water effects, and that whole fight scene is just so so damn good. 
there's a like very even good when he's walking down and he sees all the Smiths and it's just pouring rain in a fledged street. I'm like, this is just great. Like what I've done with the place. There's a very good use of rain um, in that fight, and I think that the fight overall holds up very well, with the exception of like looking a little too dark in some spots. Yeah. But yeah. beyond that, like like graphics wise, I'm like this this really holds up. The impact of it is very clear and concise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I- I cannot tell you guys how many times I have said, Mr. Anderson, welcome back. Mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. missed you. I, like all the time, like for years, I've just been repeating that over and over again. That's the only line from the Matrix I've ever done. That too. Isn't that weird? I would say it's weird because a lot, that line's been quoted for years. And it's it's a fun line to say, especially in the way Hugo Weaving says it. It's just so much fun. You just like, ooh. I'm a not like this kind of guy. I uh, I really like. What'd you say? Not like this. That's mine. Not like this. Oh. From the main. Yeah, I really like the the Smith versus Neo fight at the end. I think it's really well choreographed, um, and just the whole visual aesthetic of it is great. And, yeah, and then like your whole the whole speech you gave at the beginning of the episode of like, yes. what you suck so much, Neo. Like you're gonna lose. Why do you keep doing this? It's because I can. Right, because I, because I, that's that's free will, baby. I can do what I want. Yeah, the, and the, that makes him so mad. Because because Smith Smith thinks he has free will at this point. Yeah, and it frustrates him that like because he has that, he doesn't understand like why he would keep doing it. Because logically, to him, he wouldn't. Uh, but that's because Smith doesn't actually have free will. Nope. Smith believes that he's been freed, but he's actually still a program running himself just to the most extreme end of what he's capable of. He's a of. prisoner who now can see his cage. Which is why, which <laughs> is why when it gets to the end and he says, you know, like he's like, and then I say everything that has a beginning has an end, Neo. And then he goes, Wait, 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 why did I say that? And it freaks him out because he realizes he's still running on that treadmill. He hasn't actually broken free. He's not king the conqueror. Get away from me. Oh man. I really like Hugo Weaving as, as Smith in these two movies. Uh, uh, it's impressive how much he committed to like the concept of what he's playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The the bit when he when he when he absorbs the the girl Sati mm-hmm. um, and Seraph and just like at the end with the what is it what is it, the, the secret ingredient is love or something the chilling yeah, uh, yeah the secret ingredient uh, to cookies is love. And that's such a chilling moment. It's like right up there with want some candy. Well, because uh, it, it defines something that like hadn't been defined at that moment, which is that uh, Smith is uh, amalgamous to the person that he takes over when he does that. Has their their memories, and that's why like you get that clear thing like that's Sati now Smith, which mm-hmm. means that the one that we see fight Neo is now Oracle, but Smith, yeah. uh, and it makes that very clear distinction. That's a great scene. He's oh, like. Uh, maybe you knew I was going to do that, but maybe you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so you maybe you put that purposefully. <laughs> like it's he's so, so he's so fun in that scene. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Um, with his laugh, <laughs> <and> the, tension, <laughs> the tension of just the doom coming in, where you feel like this is the last. This is the last place. This is the last bastion, and Smith has taken everywhere else. Uh, we talked about it briefly, but like when I was younger, I definitely didn't didn't understand or care about like the uh, like the limbo. Uh, like train sequence, like with Sati and the parents. And now I love that stuff so much because it's like these parents just want the best for their little daughter. And like mm-hmm. the they're programmed so they don't they don't experience love, but they know what the word love is. So they can they can like 
No, no, no. They they experience it. The word is just a word. The yeah. experience is what matters. There and go, they, yeah. they are encountering the feeling. And so it's like a program can't love. And yeah. it's like love is a word. The, the feeling is what matters. And the feeling is something we can engage with very obviously, very clearly. Um, and that is important. Like it's it it sucks because it's something that's like, it doesn't quite work in the film yeah. as revolutions. Uh, again, not like talking about the wider thing, but like it doesn't quite work in the film, but it's so important because it's cementing that concept of like, Everything Neo's already been thinking about because of the conversation about like how are machines and people supposed to interact. This is him learning like the Oracle was a program. Yeah. Oh, there are other programs. Other programs have these emotions. They're not other all programs bad. care about people the way I care about Trinity. Yeah. Therefore, the answer is not destroy the machines, destroy the matrix. That's not the answer. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Neo's already working on that path. And that's really important information. It's just not necessarily delivered in the best way. Yeah. I do think it's bizarre that they didn't do anything to necessarily tie into the concept of like neo being at the uh being in a train station for his limbo which is also the site of the place where he started to be reborn mm. uh when he fought smith at the end of the matrix the fact that like those concepts aren't necessarily tied to each other in any way is a little surprising to me yeah i guess that's, that's the motif of a train station somewhere like you leave from right but like yeah. that that that's totally absent from the fact that that's where neo had his has the beginning of his fight that would ultimately change him forever is yeah. like a little strange that those things don't have connective tissue yeah, yeah. um and it, that's a great example too the train man the train man has ultimate power that neo can't stop so this is another thing where like those older code programs is it feels like they should be able to interact with neo in a different way yeah uh, right, because the because because the train man is is so powerful there because he basically built that part of the matrix like that's his domain right yeah. but technically like right like neo being what he is he should be able to break through any kind of code regardless of who designed it um and maybe he could in time but like uh th that same thing that like at first neo can't that should have been applied to all the other people who are of older code mm -hmm. existing in the matrix yeah a little saute she can make rainbows yeah uh, I really like this movie. I'm glad we got to revisit it. There's yeah. a there's a shot on the bridge when uh, Mifune is uh, shooting and the kid's trying to get to him, and it's a really wide shot of him coming, and he's like he's got so good, and the colors and everything. I'm like, man, that's like a that's like a painting. That's uh, a piece of art. I the yeah, like the the after the initial invasion, uh, when the settlers are coming out of the hole, uh, you hear like a and it turns into a hand. Yeah. And, and then it like and then the fingers merge into a giant fist and like punch and I'm like oh this is that's yeah, that's yeah. the coolest shit I've ever seen in my life. One uh, of the things, one of the times really where, no, one of the times where I've like experienced like hardcore dreads like oh they can't win, is when like when the first drill comes through and they're like shooting sentinels left and right and then a bunch of sentinels come out and all these turrets are just like it like turns around and like destroys that control tower. And just becomes so massive. And even though they're like unloading all these bullets into these machines, killing thousands by the second, it's still too much. Overwhelming. And yeah. just they they, they over they get overwhelmed. It's like that's what oh. they said. That's what they say in the first film, right? Like they outnumber us a thousand to one. Mm -hmm. It's just and like the thing oh, that I, oh man, that's so impressive. Is like obviously like a lot of that is CGI. There's so much practical work that you don't even know unless you watch behind the scenes stuff because and it looks so good. Like that big giant tower in the middle that falls. That is a practical set that fell. Uh, when when the hover, I was called a hover car. Like when hovercraft bursts through the gate, that's a practical effect. They built a small like a, like a one twentieth scale like gate that they broke through. Uh, and like it just looks so good. It still looks so good to this day. I can't right. believe it. And despite it being so like colorless it's not like colorless like 
like for a bad reason. They do it on purpose because they live in the apocalypse, right? Like, well, they they, they 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 wisefully use different color palettes. And the interesting thing is, uh, Zion in the outside world is always a cold color palette, except when Zion is being destroyed, which case mm. it transfers to a warm color palette. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, the really, I really like how the I really like how the how all three films have used color. Mm-hmm. I think um, like the, the the rocket troopers are like a cool idea. Um, yeah, I I care about them. Like I've heard people talk about like not caring about the people in Zion, and I'm like, look, I care about I care about Link's girl because I care about Link. Yeah. So when she's going out there and trying to destroy the drills, I give a shit. And I care about her mm-hmm. friend who is with her, and they're right. trying, and she's like leaning like, her over. Belt. Yeah, yeah. That's some that's some that's like video game shit right there. Yeah, yeah. that's a really. I was gonna I was gonna bring them up. I, I really like that subplot of the two of them going through Zion. And the fact that like she ultimately like gets to the kid and it's her and the kid who get the gate open, I really like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah, like oh I was gonna bring it up. Uh like it's like like cinematic like cheering moment is like like the sandals are swarming everywhere. They cut to the control tower and they're like, We need to get this gate open. We only have one we only have one mech left. Who is it? And then it cuts to the scene, but you don't know who it is. You see the back of the machine, yeah. and then it turns and it's Mafuda! And I'm like, yeah, it's the cinema. Uh, like, Mafuda is not a real character. But he is a dude who just looks really cool. And yeah. for me, in this scene, it it's enough. Yeah. Uh, and that dude sells it so hard. And then, yeah, he passes, and the kid has to do, like, like it's just good action. Like, oh, I love it. Send the tower, me. the tower, like, after they said, who who's out there? Who's still out there? And, like, that's, you know, shortly after the tower is destroyed. Yeah. All those people, man. If anyone's listening, we got someone coming through to help us. It is a bummer that by the time they do get in, and they activate the EMP. There's only like seven sentinels left, so they activate it, and then there's like seven fall from the sky. And I'm like, oh, you guys didn't, you guys really didn't do anything. Did well, there was also the ones like that, like funnel through the the tunnel that they were able to get. Yeah, um, yeah, but like, like they, they didn't they didn't do as much as I hoped. I love how clearly you get the concept of like the sentinels that are with uh, Niobe's ship, the hammer, like are telling the sentinels inside. Like you get the little like, oh shit, we gotta like we gotta jam this gate. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's gonna that be bad. Was... They're gonna need EMP. Because one of the one of the the guys like the Sentinel clearly has a moment of like, oh, they're going to Zion. Uh, hey, buddy, over in yeah. Zion, you want to like block the gate? Yeah, exactly. I think they telegraph that very well. Yeah, um, I love the 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 action sequences in, in in this movie so much. Yeah. Um, anything else we want to bring up? Yeah. I... Um, I think Neo doing his flying in the beginning of uh, Reloaded is such a a moment at that time. Like the 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 way that they filmed it, I'm like, you know, movies didn't have this. This was this was wild. This is before the next Superman. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was wild uh, to see. I think that that's it. Still holds up as really really cool. Um, I love Neo still telling the kid like, "Hey, man, you saved yourself." Like uh, that that carries over from the animatrix story. That's just cool. Uh, Morpheus's speech. Uh, before the rave, we didn't oh, really talk about it, but oh, it's a yeah. great speech where he's like, I, I know because uh, they have never defeated us before, we're still, we're here. still here. Yeah, exactly. Now everybody bang. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the I think the rave scene is shot incredibly well. Like we talked we talked about like I do like the rave. I think one of my favorite things about it is that like it's just it's just a mishmash of like people of like it doesn't matter who they are, what gender, anything. Like they're just they're just all together. They just become like what matters is this. This is what this matters is the moment. this is what machines can't do this is what we have this is who we are uh and now i'm just really imagining special. like a sad pit of machines trying to dance yeah. they're like we got no rhythm yeah yeah um yeah we talked about that uh we talked about that talked about that 
how to trust the program of the Oracle. I think that's a great little conversation. Like, how can I trust, how can I trust you knowing you're a program mm -hmm. and, you know, like we're all here to do what we're meant to do. Uh, I love like the whole point of everything to do with the Oracle that she boils down to. You've already made the choice. Uh, you're just here to understand why you made it. Mm -hmm. I do mm -hmm. think it's a number that like um, she was able to do a lot less because she was already sick and uh, passing away at the time that they were filming the scene in Reloaded, which is why she stays pretty much grounded to that park bench. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, that's why she's not in Revolutions. Um, can only imagine what the Oracle necessarily, like the role would have been uh, if, if she had been able to play it all the way throughout. Yeah. Um, I really liked the uh, explanation for why she has a new face when we see her. I thought that was a really respectful way of doing yeah. that. Like a new shell. Or yeah, yeah. Like I think it's. I think it's pretty good that she she lost uh, more than she wanted to. Um, some bits you get to keep, some you don't. Uh, yeah, I I agree. I think it's a pretty good explanation. I I I kind of see a point some others have made in like, if the oracle was changed, why wasn't the oracle like drastically changed, but instead just stays like a an elderly black woman? Um, and I'm like, eh, you know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Uh, the programs that are not doing what they what they are supposed to do are the ghosts, the vampires, the angels, the werewolves, the aliens. Um, uh, I just kind of wish we got to see like a little more fun of that. Even like if it was a like as she's explaining, like just a montage sequence of things. I think that would have been fun. Um, you do fight your a werewolf in Bad and Neo, so yeah, uh, they have their choice when and a giant ant. And China. Yes, they have their choice <laughs> when they're facing deletion to either hide in the matrix or return to the source. Mm -hmm. um, boop, boop, boop. Uh, I really love that Neo congratulates Smith on being free and that he's like, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> I think that it's just like, uh, apparently free, like yourself. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I think that's just <laughs> a really nice dynamic between them. It's a nice respect, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite lines in all of Reloaded is the Merovingian says, uh, like wiping my ass with silk when he refers to speaking in French. Um, <laughs> I, I really love the underlying, like if you're paying attention, like that the, the whole thing with him having triggered her orgasm to go uh, get a blowjob from her in the restroom. Uh, and that's why Persephone's pissed off. I think that's all done very well. Power corrupts you. Uh, Merovingian believes in feeling and lust, but he doesn't believe in love. That's mm -hmm. what he's basically saying with the, this, the the whole speech about causality as she's eating the cake. Essentially what it boils down to is that he believes in people like giving into feeling, giving into lust, and that being a way to control, and that's cause and effect. But he doesn't believe in love. That's essentially what he says. Causality. Right. Uh, um, great action scene. Like, great action scene in, in, like the, in his, like, French mansion with all those dudes that transfers into the highway scene, which yes. is also excellent. Yeah. It's crazy. Action. Agreed. Agreed. So much good stuff. She wasn't kissing your face, my love. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love when he tells Neo, Neo who hasn't even like, he doesn't even register this because he hasn't talked to the architect yet, but there's the part where Merovingian says, your predecessors had much more respect. And Neo doesn't even like go, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh Keanu Reeves has a, has a has a way of talking, uh, just in general, but especially as Neo, as like it's a struggle to get words out. So like every word is a is like a like he's forcing a word out. I just think it's kind of nice. I like him. Yeah, yeah. That's what I like about him. Um, just talking about like the implications of the architect's loop, like what that means of that Zion has been destroyed that many times, and then he gets to pick the twenty three people. Uh, 16 male, seven female. To, 23 chromosomes, right? Yeah, that's yeah, to like, uh, to, to go and restart Zion all over again. Uh, that's just wild. Uh, like, like, what a wild thing. And like, 
it's interesting because you get this you get this concept like we kind of hinted at it last week like we know that neo is apparently like always the same because the architect has the previous visuals of I mean, him. Like flipping them so off. that means that he's always been the same and he always looks the same or at least he's interpreting his visualization the same yeah whereas like we don't know what that means of how many people like repeat themselves, repeat their existences into the matrix. This also gets into a concept of like, how much are they programming them and how much is a human soul? And where does that clash with like the people who are born within Zion and they yeah. are people who are purely born and, and they have souls that are completely unprogrammed by the machines. It's all like bigger concepts that oh, don't really get explored in it, but like it's, it's wild to like kind of wrap your head around like, are they, are the machines programming human souls or how does that, where does the line get drawn there? Um, that's yeah. uh, that's some Animatrix 2 shit that I'm looking forward to. Right. Uh, following. Um, do, do, do. All right. We talked about that. Um, I, did, I did really think that the... Um... Oh, I had a thought. Oh, my goodness. Um... <laughs> It was related to the architect in some way, shape, or form. Oh, um, the idea that like his his other previous selves could have looked the same um, is is very interesting because uh, the Matrix Online kind of hints at a new incarnation of the one being born. Um, obviously, the game was canceled before they did they did that. So, like, that's an interesting way of like uh, uh, if that was. It, it, you get what I'm trying to say? I'm kind of yeah, losing my point. I, I, I do. Like, uh, was it going to be another... Was it going to be another Neo who looks like Keanu, Keanu Reeves or yes. what was that going to be? And I do think, like, I think the recall now because of Resurrections comes in, like, is that Neo recognizing his own DSI and the visuals, and that's not necessarily what he looked like at the time. Mm -hmm. Would that be the argument? But, like, that they didn't... Was that the decision they were thinking at the time, or are they saying like Neo always looked that way, which would imply that like all of them have lived their lives before, at least all the people who have been plugged into the Matrix? Yeah. Um, uh, Very weird. I do like the Oracle, uh, like when she's uh, basically preparing Neo for his co final confrontation with Smith and talking with him about like him being the antithesis of what's designed mm -hmm. to see that she defines what Smith is, is the equation from the architect trying to balance itself back out, and like it's it's balancing itself back out far in another direction. Yeah, it's Mortis. Because he, because Neo went inside of him, he touched him too much with the source code. It's the good side of the dark um, Yeah. Uh, you are... A oh, this is one of my favorite exchanges. It's very small and very slight, but where uh, she says, you are a bastard after he makes her... He says the Sati line, mm -hmm. and he says, you would know, Mom. Mm, um, yeah. Referring to her as, like, one of his creators. Um, yeah. Uh, Link's wife uh, staying to make shells, I think, is really good. Like Z. she's like a part. Of, thank you, Z, uh, wanting to be really part of it. Um, Smith as Bane, hating his flesh. Uh, nothing this week is meant to survive. Um, I do think that there's a lot. That I I kind of wish there was somehow a way to explore more the concept of what it means that Smith entered Bane's body. How much does he actually engage with? Like, does that change how he works inside? Because he's not made of code only now. So yeah. like, what's what else is going on for him? And and I wish there was room to really explore, explore what that means. Explore his feelings. And like, and like the fact that he is a Smith who is untethered from the other Smiths yeah. and from the Matrix. And like, what is that like? And how does... I, I, I feel like there's more you could do in that realm of exploration that there just wasn't time to do. Yeah. Uh, but it, it like just gets my brain juices going. You, you bring up a good point, but I also want to I also want to bring up something you, you brought up a little earlier. Um, Smith being the the architect's code trying to balance itself out. That's so Smith 
theoretically was not something the architect or the oracle could have seen coming. When they changed the path of what this one will go down, Smith was supposedly inevitability that they just didn't see happening. Right. So, so if you, if you were to like, like pick and choose into it, if you were like to pick it apart, Smith is an agent. All agents are part of the code program to balance itself out in the matrix for the rebels of Zion, not necessarily for the one, but that's what they're programmed for. That's where the equation works because uh, Neo went into Smith when he burst him, he connected him to the source code unintentionally, just enough for Smith to gain a sense of free will, which mm -hmm. wasn't the intention and not necessarily in the plan of either the Oracle or the architect, um, because it wasn't intentional for Smith to get that. Now, Smith getting that concept of free will isn't real free will, because Smith is still a program and still going to run. He's just allowed now to run unbound by the code of the Matrix to the fullest extent of what he's capable of. But the fullest extent of what he's capable of is still limited within the scope of the Matrix. Right. Yeah. Um, that's a really good point. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to digest that. Um, I'm trying to see how it how it balances off with uh, the idea of of choice being a, an illusion because our our choices are predetermined based on our past. You right. know, all the path that led us here uh, will influence every choice we make. So free will is an illusion. Uh, that connection with Smith being untethered from the Matrix, thinking he has free will. Am I am I losing a thread there, or is there something supposed? No, so that's, that's the whole thing. Is that Smith can't Smith can't make a choice, nor can Smith understand it. Right. And that's why he loses. Because he's beholden to his program. Because it's not yeah. his his uh, his his choice is illusion. Uh and he thinks he has it. He thinks he's doing it, but he's not. Yeah. Um, even though it was something unexpected by say the Oracle or the architect, it's still programming code that he's running all the way through, which means he can't go past it. He can't evolve from it. Right. Uh, it within the bounds of what this matrix is. Right. Uh, um, anything else? I'm, I'm looking at the last ones here. Uh, do, do, do. I think it's really interesting. We didn't really touch on this. I think it is a great touch that there are a lot of people within Zion who don't just immediately, even though they know Neo can fly, and a lot of people have said this, they don't just trust the one in the prophecy and Morpheus and all that. They don't just buy into it. It's not just a, an entire population of, of zealots who yeah. believe, like, absolutely, of course, this is the Messiah. Uh, I, mean, I, I love yeah. that there's a po political, like, pushback to that. Because I'm sure it's been, like, 20 years of Morpheus, like, preaching this shit with nothing to happen, and then something happens, and it's like... Well, and like and like people saying like okay so this one can like fly and he can do things like to the further extent of what we can do but that doesn't necessarily mean he's gonna save us all yeah, yeah. uh it, like i i appreciate that 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 stance is there that it's not just like you come into the matrix reload and everybody's like well of course like neo is superman neo is god neo neo can do no wrong neo will save us all that there are people who don't necessarily believe they don't like not all of them really try to get in the way or that kind of thing. They just like, they, they understand that they have to run their own kind of plans. Like they can't just have faith and faith. alone. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. Can't or, rely on that. Yeah. Um, I really like uh, in Trinity's death when she gets to have the moment where she says, you know, you gave me my wish one more chance to say what I really wanted to say from the roof. Uh, uh, I thought that was a really nice little speech. I think that's a good moment between them, even though I left a bitter taste in my mouth. The first time I saw it that I didn't like that Trinity died. Um, 
And now we know they just I, stole her body. There's one Smith when Neo's first walking in and all the Smiths are looking at him, and then like all the Smiths are like have like different facial reactions, but there's one Smith like mixed into the crowd there who's just like, Yes. <laughs> like he's got the yes. he's got the Jack Nicholson and anger yes. management energy where he's like, Yes. <laughs> like, Every ten Smiths have a crazy one. Yeah. I love that Smith. I love that Smith so much where he's just like, Yes. <laughs> um <laughs> I this is the crazy. this is the movie that made me fall in love with Hugo Weaving. I think he's stupendous in the in these Man, two movies. He, between this and Lord of the Rings coming out at the same time, like what a what a banger! Yeah. A couple of years for this guy. Um, there's a part where uh, he and Neo are like in the fight and they get pushed into a building and then they like have another moment where they're kind of chatting with each other and he says the purpose of life is to end, and uh, Neo like just responds by like putting his hand out and going whoop and weaving has this great moment that I'm so glad the Wachowskis let him play, which is that like, it's completely silent and it, but they let it linger for like 30 seconds, Mm -hmm. which is that he sits there and he gives this moment of surprise, like at, at Neo, like still wanting to fight. Like he's kind of shocked about it. And then his face turns to elation uh, where he's just like excited about it. And I (laughs) love that. I love that, that there's that much complexity in Smith on his face. Um, do, do, do we talked about, uh, the dialogue around love being as artificial as the matrix as itself um and neo's response because i choose to because neo neo understands the choice of what he's chosen and and the fact that he can do that because he's already decided that he's going to have the source code come through him and that's why he's going to let smith take him over and he that that final like clink is smith doing the everything that has a beginning has an end because that's actually the oracle saying that and like and then like when when like he explodes and Neo in the real world, his mouth and eyes are exploding with light. Yeah. Crazy. I'm like, oh, that dude's dead. That dude's definitely <laughs> dead right now. I, I also, it's like one, it's probably like my favorite moment of Weaving's acting, honestly, is when he's reacting out of the fear of the get away from me bit. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a really good beat. I think he does that really well. I love oh yeah, when he, when he absorbs Neo and he, and he starts freaking out because it's not working is it, is it over <laughs> I, I like that smith that like the the neo smith he's just like eh? and then and then eh? he's just no 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 it's not fair um i think they do a really good job of the visual cat uh doing the deja vu of the resetting of the matrix with sati to show you that the matrix has reset itself like very directly um uh the they the architect does define that because of the conversation with the oracle and the architect you get the definition of what the peace means which is that everybody who wants to be free of the matrix that's the deal is is they now get to be free (laughs) um and he's like how long do you think this will last uh you played a risky game all that kind of stuff and it's like but the but obviously the thing is they'll get to be free and and she's (laughs) like i have your word he's like what am i human i just like to imagine that like like there's just some giant robotic face that appears over the world hey this isn't real. Do you want to wake up? And half the people are like, ah! Well, I think that's the thing is like, it, it, it's really just a, everybody that we've talked about and like, we'll talk about in some of the comics and we talk about in the animatrix or people like the kid. Who are aware. Or, yeah, people who are like unhappy. People who are aware and unhappy and want to be free. People who would, if given the option, even on a subconscious level without knowing they're in the matrix, if they were given the option, they would take yeah. the red pill. Those people now get to just be free. And in the in resurrections, they call them red pills, red pill, blue pills. Like they, right. they exactly. identify people in that way. Right. The people who aren't like Cypher, the people who want to come out, mm-hmm. they're they're now going to be allowed to come out, which I think is really cool. Yeah. That they that they establish that. Uh they do have the bit where Sati's like, Will we ever see Neo again? And and the Oracle's like, I suspect so someday. Uh and Wait I, 20 and I years. Like, Ooh. Yeah, that, that's uh, when I that, thought Neo was never dead. Yeah. So I, I, I interpret I interpreted that as he as as we'll we'll see him re- we'll, we'll see him reincarnated again. 
So in the Matrix Online, Neo's body is broken up into multiple pieces like a horcrux. And then different machine organizations and factions try to get his body and try to reassemble his body to get the one for themselves. So that's a plot that happens in that game. <laughs> is not canon. Morpheus anymore. gets killed by an assassin who looks like a bug monster. Also not canon. <laughs> not anymore! Yeah, there, there's some things where you could probably make the mental gymnastics to make the Matrix Online canon, but there's... It's so, rough. Re Resurrections definitely puts some needles and like, oh, that didn't happen for sure. Uh, but that's yeah. fine because that's an online game no one really cared about. Anyway, uh, that's that's all my notes that we didn't like necessarily bring up in our conversation. Um, but I do think these are really solid films. There's a lot of great stuff to chew on. Uh, mm -hmm, yeah. I just, I think the biggest flaw of them is that like, especially for people who are not willing to go like, as hard as us or love film as much as us uh that um it's not it's not designed to be uh engaged with easily yeah. especially as singular film experiences definitely there are there are sequels where like it's not like like you know like a marvel movie where, like you could see iron man 2 and you'd be fine without saying iron man 1 like you need to see the matrix if you want to see those sequels yeah <laughs> yeah um all right shall we get into our book club then Sounds good. Sparks, you love those movies so much. Why don't you take it away? All right. I guess I will. Hey, guys, we're going to talk about The Matrix Comics, Volume 2. Uh, there's a bunch of different stories. This is basically an anthology collection. I have a list of what we're going through, so we'll just go by down through them beat by beat, and we're going to talk about the first one, which is An Asset to the System by Troy Nixie, who is both the writer and the artist. Uh, what did you guys think of this one? Asset to the System is... Uh, pull it up. I'm also doing that. It's the <laughs> it's the one with the guy who wanted to be a cop. He's a security guard who wanted to be a cop. Oh, and he gets caught in the yeah. middle of a fray between the agent and uh, the uh, rebel. Yeah. And uh, he's like, whoa, 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 both of you, put your guns down. And like, they don't give a shit about him because he's in the Matrix. Yeah. Uh, and I, in, it, it ends in this very dreary, depressing A lot of them where, do. Uh, <laughs> where he uh, is killed and you see like him, you see the overlay of like his letter he was writing about wanting to be a cop while you are seeing his body exhumed and uh, taken away to be liquefied for the living. Yeah. Uh, that I, was I, chilling seeing that, mm -hmm. seeing in the real world what happens. Yes. Yeah. Which does kind of put a little button on our conversation from the Matrix where like, okay, so yeah, the, the concept does seem to be that if they are killed this way, they do die. Even if their souls might be like something programmable, as we were hinting at earlier, like how much do the machines like necessarily reprogram the same people into the Matrix? Uh, he he still does die in that moment. Yeah. I got to tell you, uh, after I saw, uh, uh, there, some are in black and white and some are not. I read I read a bunch of these and then I stopped reading them and I came back to it. And a bunch of them were black and white. And then they came back to color. And I'm like, have any of these been in color? And I had like a weird freak out where I thought these were all black and white. And then no, they're not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a color one. Um, I, I do think that this one's uh, uh, really good. And, and a pretty good, like, maybe like, honestly kind of feels like it comes out of an answer to the conversation of like thinking about the cops that were in the Matrix scene. And like, yeah. what does that mean for the people who are plugged into the Matrix? Yeah. Well, it is kind of it is they get dumped in flush. It's hella sad because it also it's like the rebel doesn't care as much as like the agent. Like right. they they're both a cop. Well, which is so, kind of the point is yeah. like that 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 does seem to be the logic. Harsh as harsh as it may be, and as much as it might make us look at our our heroes a little differently, the logic does seem to be that like if the people are in the matrix and they don't have a hesitation to think that like 
they are in the matrix and maybe one the enemy then they're the enemy and yeah. that's that's as that's what it is pretty radical yeah it, it could again like is there an amount where they understand that like even if a person dies and they are flushed down like eventually the matrix programs them back in or how does that work yeah who knows uh but like that that does seem like a truth that uh you you are plugged in you die you are flushed yeah uh there there's uh another instance in this where we see an agent take over uh a character in a book that has like a relationship with another character kind of giving like the agents another another level of kind of like uh terrifyingness to the people in the matrix like just someday the person you're talking to could become an agent right uh <laughs> having the horror uh, in that moment of watching the agent take over his uh his buddy yeah, yeah that's that's pretty rough yeah that was um, not fun to read yeah uh, this next one's my favorite one. Yeah, so the next one a is Path Among Stones. A Path Among Stones by again Gregory Ruth, who is writer and artist, uh, is the little girl who's talking about the shadows that are coming. So yeah, oh, this yeah. is a little, a little girl going to like children's therapy, uh, and what she's experiencing the Matrix, and it turns out like the therapist uh, knows about the Matrix, and I, and this goes in a way that I didn't expect because I thought he was going to end up being the bad guy, and I think he was actually a good person who helps people get out of the Matrix in the real world, and then he got taken because people found out. Is yeah. that right? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. This this one was awesome because the little girl's like, it's the shadows! They're not supposed, I'm not supposed to tell! And I'm like, oh no, she's going to get taken! And it's like, no, this guy's out to help her. And then he gets taken. Oh, yeah. This is a good one. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this one quite a bit. I really liked... Um, well, the the... I wasn't too crazy about the art, to be honest. Um, but I, I did like a, I did like it for the most part. Um, but seeing the kind of the the guy who may not necessarily be a rebel, but might just be like a good program, come into this, come in and just be like, you know, I, I get it. We're gonna we're gonna help you, and then the agents kind of take that over. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I I also am not crazy about the art. I do like that. Like all of these have a kind of like there's a grunginess to all the art. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's very good. Um, uh, I I think this is a a good story of just like the imposition of the presence of the agents. Yeah, yeah. Um, it kind of makes them into like like horror figures. Yeah. Uh, ben, any thoughts on this one in particular? Not not really. Uh, the, the, I I liked this one, especially with the like with the shadow uh, but also uh, i mean not really i don't have anything to add besides what you guys have said solid uh the next one's one of my favorites which is there are no flowers in the real world by mm. david lapham both writer and artist this guy rules. uh this is the adventure of rocket who is on mm. the ship that has been already been attacked by the sentinels and his leg is broken in real life uh he is the only person still alive on the ship but he's jacked into the matrix so he's trapped and he's trying to call out to a different operator to come and find his ship and save him meanwhile he is just stuck in the matrix and waiting in arizona and it's kind of driving him a little nuts because he's just trying to keep himself going and he has to keep like tricking himself into believing that he's fine because he's not fine um he's dying he's starving he's uh growing growing thirstier and thirstier and uh that makes him long for like the person he was in love with when he was still a blue pill when he was still inside of the matrix and you're so all he goes hunting her down you're all suckers slaves to the machines you're swimming in vats of gloop with giant tubes shoved up your butts there are no flowers <laughs> in the real world uh, uh yeah. yeah 
and uh and then it all culminates with him uh like finally wanting to like try and get her out with him because he really believes like i'm i'm in love with you and then like i'll show you what reality is but uh he finds out that she'd already had contact with an agent so they've been watching her and an agent takes her over it's so sad because the final shooter the final image is him getting choked to death by an agent as the phone's ringing yeah and the agent says i think that was for you as he dies again another tragic ending uh, I think this is a, a really intense narrative that shows just a lot of really great stuff. Just the concept of like, uh, just all really good setup of like uh, being trapped with like the cord slowly getting closer to his body uh, and being trapped in the matrix and trying to find a way to get somebody to find your ship so you can get out, but having to like, just make it till then. I, I think this is all just a really good, this would be an incredible short. Oh yeah. I really, I really like the uh, the idea that the other operator comes up with, which is the idea of like, you know, your leg is broken in the real world, so just don't think about it. Like, you know, focus to make yeah. it not real in the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you can see when it's like wearing on him on one panel, and then in the next panel, he's like reconvinced himself, so he, so he like looks totally fine. Yeah, but he still can't quench his thirst or his hunger because that's so present in his in his mind. Um, it's him trying to like jug water, chug water while he's. Uh, and like it just doesn't work. He's like it's and he like tosses it to the side. Yeah, this is a very dense black and white comic too. Like and it, it, it it's telling it's it's telling a lot of story. Yeah, um, it is. Uh, but but like this guy David Lapham, who's like done tons of black and white comics. Like he's awesome. He's so good. Yeah, that's what we'll do. What's the next one? Uh, the next one is uh, Ben. Any thoughts on that one before we move on? Mm-hmm. Just because I want to get you in here if you can. No, no. I so far so good. You guys okay. tired, buddy? Very. Yeah. Uh, the next one is Broadcast Depth uh, by Bill uh, Sinkevich. Uh, both writer and artist. Um, this one. Now this one, is- I have some words on because this one hurt. Great. Take it. Yeah. So um, the fact, originally, like seeing them, the mom talking about Lisa and just like the very ending and the whole, like the Sentinels attacking the ship and her seeing her daughter. Cause they jacked her daughter into the matrix. They found a way to take someone who was born naturally on her, on who was born naturally. So they could say, say hi to her on her birthday and just the horror on her, on the mom's face where her crew is dead. Yes. Now I'm not a really big fan of the art on this one. I actually, I like art in a few later ones that we're going to talk about later, but at the same time, just the sheer, like, that, just that style of art it doesn't really mesh mesh with me very well but the emotion came through when you saw the bodies and i'm like oh no and she just knew it was like well we're dead and they're yeah, all that dead. was and this one is also super stupid depressing yeah, yeah. that was really that was really an interesting moment when they're trying to figure out a way to put a natural born person into the matrix mm-hmm. um and and the operator should have known better than to uh connect her to her mother uh wild uh, yeah i like this one Well, because the operator way. is her sister oh that's mm-hmm. right uh so they don't know better they did it together yeah. um it's 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 rough uh and, and like, she I, killed she like man it's just like she killed because of that she killed all all those people yeah it, it's Ugh. awful like and her mom like communicating that in the panel where she's like i i don't want to tell her what she's done because she's going to know it and it's going to haunt her and her sister mm-hmm. for the rest of their lives. Like, I just need to tell her that I love them. Uh, as, as she knows, she's moments away from death. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, awful. Just awful. Bro, yeah. Like these, these final pages of this little girl showing up on the beach where her mom is. <laughs> and it's like, she's like, wow, my daughter, she's going to watch me die right here, right now. Yeah. Oh, it's, you know, 
So check. You know how? Okay, so do you guys remember that scene in the original 1964 Godzilla where the mom is holding the kids and she's saying we're gonna go see Daddy real soon? Uh, nope. 1964. Godzilla. You mean 1954 Godzilla? 54 Godzilla. That's what I meant. Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay, I know yeah, what you're in the original about. Godzilla film where the mom yes, is yes, holding yes. on to her kids and she's trying to comfort them, saying like, "Look, it's that it's that scene like the mom knows she's gonna die. She knows her kids gonna die. She's like, I don't want this." It's the kind of parental instinct that kicks kicks in, where it's like, I don't want my child to be scared and afraid of death. I want it to happen as painless as humanly possible. Well, the kid's not gonna die. I thought the kid no, maybe the kid no, the kid's die. not gonna die because the kid's not in not uh, there. Yeah, She's in not this, physically in there. This story, in this story, the kids aren't gonna die. Ah, uh, all right. To be honest, I read a few few of these when I was like half asleep last night, so I might be getting uh, a. Yeah, so the, so the girls, the girls are at Zion, and they broadcast uh, trace to where the ship is. But that trace Damn. also makes it so that the Sentinels pick up on it, which is an incredible panel by the uh, page, by the way, of the Sentinels in the middle as mm-hmm. they turn to find the beacon. But at the same time, you're seeing the mom see the octopus and the oh, crab. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really good. Oof. Either way, that was still just a sad as hell freaking part of this book. Yeah, Bill, nice. Bill Setkevich is definitely... Um, uh, like an acquired taste, he did like a lot of like X Men and like uh, New Mutant stuff in the eighties. Like he has like a very like painterly style. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I really, I really like that one. As tragic as it is, uh, I think it, I think it leaves a really strong impact at the end of it. Yeah, I get you. Uh, next is Butterfly by Dave Gibbons, writer and artist. Uh, right, uh, artist is, of Watchmen. This is uh, this is all wordless. This is the panels of you're seeing the parallels of the agents chasing a rebel That's and right. uh, a man. And a man watering uh, with a butterfly nearby, Cheng and Zhu. then they, they cross into each other, and ultimately uh, he helps the rebel uh, escape, but at the cost of his own. Life. So there is some dialogue. Cheng Zhu had a dream when he woke. Um, uh, he dreamed he was a butterfly. Right. Cheng Zhu was uh, unsure. Um, sorry, this is like written really strangely. Yeah, because it's written like straight lines. Um, basically, the end of it is like he was nor butterfly nor boy. He died because he was in the Matrix or something. <laughs> really beautiful art. Like the dialogue, I can't read it. <laughs> no, I, I love the art. I, I really like Dave Gibbons in general. So this is yeah. really cool. <clears throat> yeah, mostly just a cool, a cool action scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the next What's one? Next shot? Uh, let's talk about day in, day out. Day um, this so one. I- one is written by uh, Ted McCreever and Karen Grant, and uh, art is done by Ted McCreever. Right. This is the one with the woman who, who, yeah, yes. Wait, which one is this? She's going one? to work. It's she's going to work. She's going to work, and she becomes an agent. And I did she like this one. monster fight mm-hmm. scene, and then she uh, shows up all covered in blood, covered yeah. in, in like scars and scratches, and like bodies around her. So cool. They, they, man, they got like tanks showing up in this. Like, I didn't see a mm-hmm. tank in the Matrix. I mean, I really like this one. Because of the ending and how when she wakes up, she's like, I, I was just going to work, which kind of make it kind of puts a button on like what happens to people after the agent leaves their body in the matrix is like, do they become the agent or and saying like, it's like, oh, they just go back to their regular lives and her just seeing traumatized around like a bunch of dead people. And she's all bloody her outfits ripped up. It's like, that's kind of traumatizing. You are not yourself for a bit. And you, the last thing you remember is you just walk into work or about to get run over by a truck. And next thing you know, it's like, where am I? 
what happened? It's a, it's a cool concept to see because we never see it in the films. Like anytime we see an agent turn back to a person they've already taken over, it's because mm -hmm. they've died. Uh, but here we get to see like the living person step back in and be like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Dave Gibbons art is gorgeous, but this art style, like Dave Gibbons in this one were some of the ones I really enjoyed because um, going back to um, broadcast death, See, I mean, yes, gorgeous art, but it was hard for me to interpret what was going on sometimes. Whereas this one's like, okay, it's nice, crisp, clean. I can see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I really, really liked a lot of uh, all of it. Burning Hope. Burning Hope is uh, written and uh, drawn by John Van Fleet. Um, this was one of the weaker ones for me personally. Yeah, yeah. I like this is the one. This is the one with like the western. Like they want to do like all these different Matrix scenarios, right? No, no, no. This is the one with the little girl, who they both, the girl. Uh, who's presenting in the Matrix as older oh. uh, and an older man, and it involves Link, which is weird. But he's but it's not it doesn't seem to be Link, or at least like it's if not, that's Link, he's incredibly it's, whitewashed. It's very whitewashed Link. It says Link in here, so I also yeah. thought they looked weird. Um yeah, it's a, it's just it's a it's it's a really dialogue heavy uh thing about rescuing someone. And I was like, yeah, I agree. And I, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't care for it. I don't think that I don't think the, the narrative flows as well as it needs to. It's I it's fell asleep a lot. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Ben. No, I was saying I fell asleep a lot reading this one. Uh I don't think it's structured very well and a lot of the action of it is still somehow told rather than shown, which yeah. just doesn't work for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have, I don't need to disparage it too much. The King of uh, Never Returned, though. Uh, this one is by, uh, written and drawn by Ted McCreever, uh, McKeever, sorry. Um, I and like, this, I the King like this of one. Never Return is the one that you were thinking of, Brandon. This is the one where they're doing the scenarios. Um, what it is, is that these are younger people within Zion who have decided that, like, they don't, they kind of hate the Matrix within the machines, but they also kind of hate the way that the Rebels run everything in Zion. They're like a third and party. And so they're like, we're just going to steal a ship and we're just going to do what we want within the Matrix. Like, this is cool because this is very much like playing into that sense of youth and like, man, I just want to like do the cool shit that you can do in the matrix, but without having to worry about the matrix. Like I basically want to play the sickest video game ever. Yeah. Um, and so they steal a ship and they're, they're going through this, but they know like uh, it's kind of like a, uh, a last hurrah, even as they don't realize how bad that's going to be for themselves. Um, that I they're really, just putting themselves through the program. I quite like this one. I really like yeah, the art. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the idea, it, it's an idea we haven't seen out of like, Oh yeah, there would be rogue people who don't want to live in Zion. I didn't oh, even yeah. consider that for some reason. Yeah. Like, obviously, it's the apocalypse. You wouldn't want to be on your own. But, like, the idea that, like, oh, we can just be our own Matrix people on our own, like, never crossed my mind. Uh, and, yeah, the idea of, like, doing different programs, like, oh, we're going to put an agent in a Western and see how I fight them. And, like, really cool idea. Yeah. And, yeah, I really like And, and getting to make yourselves feel like a superhero. They, they do have a reference in here where they're, like, we don't really want to wait for the one <laughs> yeah. to do his thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is a really interesting one. I, I agree, like, this concept that, like, oh, yeah, we could go out. We don't have to, like, live by Zion's rules. We're free. <laughs> so we jumped in head first. Damn the torpedoes. Damn the Matrix. Damn the real world. Life's too short in both worlds to wait. Yeah. It's like that one. Uh, I did not care for this one. Oh, really? Uh, I did it. I do enjoy the, the, the thought behind it, the, the idea of what the, these characters represent, but I don't think... It, it... <sighs> I, I'm willing to cop to the idea that, like, perhaps the the copy that I read was just not great. It was hard for me to read. It was hard for me to follow. I just didn't really connect with this one at all. Sure. Yeah, I, I, that's fair. Um, 
yeah, I, I I like the concept a lot, so I think that 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 sold me a lot. Just like uh, mm-hmm. I, this is exactly what I wanted out of these comics, so I'm glad that we did them this week. Is like mm-hmm. all these different avenues of like, what about this scenario within the world of the Matrix? I'm like, this is exactly what I want. Yeah, um, basically, <laughs> I just wanted like more Animatrix. Yeah, yeah, exactly. kind of. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, let's go on to, to uh, the Matrix, an easy uh, one, an easy one by Tommy Lee Edwards, um, both writer and artist. Uh, this is the one about the bank heist, um, where they're trying to get the cash because the cash is actually attached to a virus. Right. I, I, upon touch, will cause a problem. I love. So this they have to too. basically run a bank heist, uh, which I thought was really cool. But they also like cross paths with a uh, a person who's already in the matrix, but is also trying to run a bank robbery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't know what he stepped into. And it ends with somebody, our main character, getting shot. Right. The idea. Uh, no, that... our our main character uh, goes through the phone right after they've told the uh, the dude. Right, that's uh, that's the other dude because he was being told. Oh, the story. girl. Sorry, that's sorry, why sorry, the phone yeah. is hanging there. Like no, she yeah, yeah. she tells him like you're that's in the right. matrix essentially, and he's just left there to live with that. Um, and will this be him freeing his mind? Who knows? I love goggles. I'm a big fan of goggles. Yeah, that's really interesting concept of like the money has a virus attached to it to kind of another system of control for these for, I for had... the computers. Yeah, I had to really look at it when I was reading it because I'm like, wait, why do they give a shit about cash in the Matrix? Oh, it's a virus. Yeah, that if it touches people, it'll be a problem. Well, that's I kind of like that concept, to be honest. Because like, yeah, I do too. I think that's really cool. Like once you get into the big hole of the Matrix, it's like you don't care about things like money or food or whatever. Like yeah, you get a joke from Neo in the first movie, it was like good noodles over there. But yeah. then, like when I was reading this, I was like. Oh yeah, that's right. And it's kind of maybe that that could be oh, the matrix. Like what we say is like money and power corrupt is like yeah, because you, you're touching a virus, you get a whole bunch of that virus. Next thing you know, you're you're corrupted. That's yes, like absolutely. the more I thought about the more I thought about, I was like, that's actually that makes so much sense. Because there's yeah, a reason I, I put all, all my uh, money apps and my banking apps. I have them on the same folder called Root of All Evil. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I love that. I love that assessment, Ben. This is this is very much one of those where, like, if the Matrix had to be a franchise like Star Wars, which God forbid I don't want at all, but if it had to be, this would be one of the spinoff movies I want to see. Like, they have to do a heist in the Matrix, and like, why? Oh because my God, the cash is a see, virus. See, I like, just holy like holy shit, that's awesome. My mind just went to like doing like the Cloverfield thing, where like it's an entire movie where you don't realize it's a, a Matrix movie until forty five minutes holy into shit, it. Shit, that'd be so good. Ah. That'd be great. That's why I want another video game. I don't need I don't need a Neo video game. I just want I want a triple A video game of the Matrix. Yeah. yeah. I mean like yeah. it, that's the thing is like I don't really want to open that door because I kind of want like it just to stay like as far as films, like I kind of want it to just stay what the Matrix is. Um but but if you did have to open that door, this is the kind of shit I would want to see. I want to see like exactly what you said, like a heist movie, and then like partway through you're like, wait, this is in the Matrix. Just like an hour in somebody turns into an agent. And you're, and like, you're like, what? <laughs> that that's oh man, that'd be yeah. that'd be insane. That'd and be it, super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love Can you that. imagine like that kind of that kind of feeling like it's the end of um the end of split when uh, Bruce Willis shows up <laughs> yeah. and you're just like, you're in the middle of the theater an hour and then you're like, hold up. What? <laughs> Man, movies just can't get you like that. Anymore. Agent, uh, Agent white shows up. God, yeah. it'd be so cool. Um, okay. So next up is uh, let it all fall down by Paul Chadwick, uh, both writer and artist. Uh, Epos. I, this is yeah the Epos. Uh, this is the one where they, they've uh, kind of hacked into a program that actually allows them to see into the machine city. 
Um, so they've kind of found a hack outside of the matrix that is observing people within pods and uh, including like themselves. And it's these two characters connecting over it and wanting to spread it through an email system throughout the inside of the matrix. So basically everybody in the matrix would learn that this footage existed and it would technically like awaken a bunch of minds all at once. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought this was a really interesting little story. Yeah. Um, I, I love the idea of these, these characters like, and and uh, the fact that like they're the agents aren't looking for him. So like the moment when like she gets caught outside of the convenience store and gets blasted through the door, and he freaks out and goes and back and waits to die, but they don't come. And then when he steps out, like everything is like it didn't happen. I'm like, oh, this is this is such good Matrix. Uh, when he it's at the end of the story, and, like he throws a uh, a chair through a window, and it it and turns, it turns into, like, into taffy, and, like yeah, yeah taffy, yeah. and it bounces back, yeah. Uh, that's that's stuff I wish we got more of in the movies, like where they're like really messing with him when they come for him. Uh, this was my favorite. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I really like this one. No, I just I just really like this one. I thought the whole idea of like they they can see outside of the matrix. This is a person living inside the matrix, able to see outside. It was really exciting. It's kind of tragic in a way with what happens to the girl. Um, it's very well written and paced. Uh, you really want him to like, you know, it's impossible. You can't do it, but you really want him to send out this email. And then like the, I just really like this one. I just thought this and was then really the agents, like, they make the wall disappear and there's no exit that used to be there and their cars mm -hmm. are coming in. You're like, damn, this is definitely not tied to it, but it's, this reminds me, uh, specifically this scene where like, they're looking at like themselves and I'm like, like there are others, there are others listening in this, in the text too. Is that me? The way you're fur, fur your brows, he's doing it at the same time. It's like, um, Sati doing her like matrix magic between two different worlds. Yeah. And, like this could have been like the beginnings of like how you do right, that. For sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought this one was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Get it. Okay. So get it, <laughs> is a, get it is a very quick, short one. This is a, by Peter bag, uh, Peter badge, uh, <clears throat> writer and artist um this is very much just a a cute little one uh where the matrix is the film that you get to watch the matrix and it's the guy who didn't understand it and the others are like talking him through it and right at the end you find out that the two have been talking to him are agents who are glad that he doesn't understand <laughs> and it's a good thing that they don't get it right agent lewis correct agent davis i'm like oh, of course they can't I, get it that was this wild one this one was actually one of my favorites. I liked that because at first I thought, oh man, this art style is just too goofy, but the more I read it, I was like, this. it kind of reminds me of a Sunday comic strip, especially because <laughs> right after when you see like The Matrix, Baby Geniuses, a bunch of other movies that came out at the time, and then it's like these guys are just trying to get this dude to understand what the movie was about, and it turns out I love the twist that they were agents the whole time. Even like I want to say like halfway through, it was like, if these guys are agents, and I was like, ah, oh, there they are. Because I can only yeah. I can only imagine that there were people who saw the Matrix back in '99 and they didn't really understand what the heck was going on. Oh, I was like, of course. Yeah. the machines? It's like you remember that giant squid thing? It's like, well, that was a monster. It's like, no, that was a machine. Me, it ah. was me. Yeah. It was me. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I like yeah, that. I, I, it's cute. It's fun. Uh, and the last one is Run Saga. Run Saga's by back, Karen everybody. Grant, uh, both writer and artist. This was another one of my favorites. I really liked the art in this one. Yeah, I love the art. It's it's great art. That's yeah. definitely true. This is uh this is about one of the Oracle's children, uh, and uh, going out on her own and getting into too much trouble because she called an <laughs> operator, 
And so yep. engaging with agents. There's one specific panel and it's going to be hard to see on green screen, but it's her jumping out of the building and it's just all the emotions of her jumping down onto the street. Mm-hmm. It's like there's something to do in Nightwing all the time where it's like 10 different like acrobatic moves to land. It's yeah. just really good like anime style art, like, like manga, I guess, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was really, it was really good art, and also like kind of like Saga, how she was like sick and tired of being cooped up with the Oracle, mm-hmm. so she's like, I'm gonna go on my own. She realizes, oh, I'm in too deep, but then she eventually gets out, but then the, um, the agents are still following her, so it's like, oh, you're not safe yet, Saga. Yeah. Oh, they, the the reveal at the end, it's like, good, start the trace, mm-hmm. right? Like she's yeah. out, good. Yeah, she's she's unwittingly leading them to, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's good stuff. Uh, I, I think the paneling is very, very solid on this yeah. one. It, it looks really nice. This, this, like, and this is absolutely no disrespect to any of the other comics, like, because, like, I like a lot of them, but, like, this felt like the most, like, this is a comic I would read on stands. Like, this yeah. felt like, the, like, like you know, issue, like, the first couple pages of, like, issue one of a comic. I'm like, oh, man, like, I would, I would like more of this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, a, a whole little limited series, six issue series. About Saga. About, yeah, about yeah. Saga and her mm-hmm. encounter in the Matrix. Yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. Uh, anyway. Uh, without any further thoughts, those are uh, the Matrix Comics Volume 2 uh, that we went through. I really enjoyed them. Thanks for taking me along that journey, y'all. I, I'm, I'm, it's Matrix Month, baby. I'm here for it. Yeah, I, I just, I like I like uh, engaging with more what-if stories within the world of the Matrix, I think, is a ton of fun. I, agree. I love the Matrix, so I was happy to do it. Hell yeah. Alright, Ben. Yeah. It's your turn next week. Do you know what it is? No, I do not. Okay, stay tuned for that. Um, so that'll do it, guys. Cool. Uh, what This episode was much longer than I thought it would be. Hell yeah, Matrix. It needed to be. <laughs> um, this that The Matrix coupled with the Activision thing. Yeah. I, I knew we were, like, I knew I was going to talk about the Activision thing. Yeah, I knew that was going to be a big That thing. legitimately is the biggest news, like, that we could have ever talked about, but we're not yeah. doing it like that, so. Uh, okay, so next week... Finally, is the Matrix Resurrections. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the fourth and final film in the Matrix franchise. Um, the final. So, stay tuned for that. That's what all this has been for, guys. That's what all this has been for. All has been for. And of course, right. Mag saying good night, yeah, stay safe, you. catch you later. You too, bud. Mag, Mag, it is insane that you stick around this long, but we love it. I, I think do. Amy was still around for a while too. Thanks, Amy. <laughs> um, all right, check out our other stuff. Uh, you can check out our YouTube page, where you can find all sorts of stuff. Um, make sure to like this video, subscribe to this channel. You can check out our Fictor's Watch series, our Fictor Book Club series, uh, our Animation Station. A couple episodes there. Um, Basement Arcade just released a new episode for Mortal Kombat X, like I talked about up top. So that series is going on right now. So check that out. That's available. And of course, based on like a pause menu, uh, hey. recent episode, uh, Dearest Abby mm-hmm. was released. Dearest Abby. That it was. Uh, and check out, of course, our, our Crafted by Z mask. There's still links below. And you can check out our Patreon. And you can check out our Public, all of which supports us financially. We greatly appreciate it. There's some cool stuff up on that Public, And I mm-hmm. promise you I'm getting that Patreon fixed. We, Zara is finally home and we can get this back up and running, hopefully. You can find all those links in the description below, as well as our website at www.fakenerpodcast.com. All right. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watched the live stream. Thank you to everyone who watches the rewind. We greatly appreciate all of your support. We love you guys. Uh, thank you so much, Jeremy Bellucci, who did all the music you've heard today uh, and all of our intros and outros for our other podcasts. 
Um, you can check him at at Jeremy Belucci Keyboards, and you can find his podcast, Suburban, Pro- Suburban Proctologist, on iTunes, and of course, Facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist Official, or Instagram at Subproc Podcast. The show's coming back. Uh, he's Ooh. he's ramping up some production on this on that show. Good. Thank you to Mike Matola who does our logos. Um, the the one that that Ben is poorly pointing at right there. Yes. Um, I try to do this every week, and I fail every single time. The, the way. The, never mind. You can find him on TikTok and Instagram at Mike Matola, and hopefully back on the show. Those two for the future. Um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of Fickner Podcast. Uh, FickerGuys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for Kaiju Ramen. I'm the editor there. Um, if you guys want to write for Kaiju, do that. I also write for Screen Rant. So check out some of that stuff too. Um, ben? Yeah, you can find me learning Kung Fu at BenMagnet27 on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for Old School Gamer Magazine, both the website and now the magazine proper. Also, once it gets launched, it's going to be writing for GoNintendo.com. And I'm also writing for Fusion Magazine out over in England. But don't worry, that's going to be coming to America soon. And my fir- and I gave myself my first assignment for Fusion, and that's going to be me playing and essentially reviewing Banjo-Kazooie. Because like Mario 64, I never played it in the heyday. Can you title it Reviewy of Banjo-Kazooie? <laughs> Got him. Oh man! You know what? I'll fucking do it. I'll fucking do it. I'll do it. If I remember, if I remember to call it reviewy a banjo kazooie, I'll do it. I'll text you. We're almost out. I shouldn't be losing it this this hard. (laughs) Subscribe to us. Uh, Oh shoot! Sparks. (laughs) All right, bye. Sparks. Uh, You can find me. Trying to understand the choice at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S P A R K Z Witty. Ryan. Wait, hold on, a wrong glasses. Hold on. <laughs> uh, you can find me asking if I really want to taste it at DJ Tony Snark. That's a peacemaker reference. <laughs> <laughs> All right, subscribe to us on I- That's everyone, right? Yes. Okay. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Podcasts, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us. Greatly appreciate it. Like this video. Subscribe to this channel. Until next time you see us, stay fake nerds. Bye.